Hey, good. Just joining us now. Um, I, uh, I typically focus more on censorship discussion. But I happen to be pretty fluent in this one. So. No, good, Mike. Uh, Ryan, good to have you as well. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having me. A lot of developments here in the last uh, 24, 48 hours. So happy to be here to discuss and uh, glad to be with uh, such a big audience. So it'd be good. So just for the, just for the audience, um, uh, we do have Tucker Carlson's shows coming up in 40 minutes. Is that right, Snowman? I think it's in 40 minutes. You're going to be having more videos come out. Now, yeah. um, it, it is it is important to note, like the, the all the footage was just provided to Fox for now, but it'll be provided to other outlets afterwards, according to McCarthy. Um, so I'm sure each outlet will will take bits and pieces to create their own narrative. But definitely some really um, Interesting and surprising footage. Ryan, what um, what are your thoughts on the videos we saw yesterday as we prepare for the new videos coming out? Yeah, you know, I was kind of taken aback by it. You know, I heard, you know, sort of what Brian just said. And, you know, I can understand his angle. I can understand his viewpoint. But, you know, when you look at what the J6 committee did, they sort of created their own narrative. They based a story around sort of the selective footage that they showed out of the 48, uh, you know, thousand hours or so. Uh, footage um you know when you look at i mean there's multiple things here that you can pick out right i i don't want to go through all of it take up all the time but one thing to me that really stuck out was the brian sicknick piece um where you know the media the democrats you know they really drummed up this narrative that there was this real deadly insurrection um you know and the only person who was killed at the scene of this thing was Ashley Babbitt. And I think a lot of the people here would agree when they, you know, look at sort of the facts, she was shot and killed uh, by this Capitol police officer, I believe. Um, and, and so that footage to me clears that entire, you know, entire thing up. And that was, you know, to me the biggest lie because for years people have gone around and said that this was a deadly insurrection when, you know, it really wasn't. Um, you know, we saw from Tucker's clips, there was clear footage of, you know, this officer walking around the Capitol with his helmet on following the brush up with the violent protesters. I, I believe they have the timestamps to prove that, um, you know, sort of moving things around in the building. And then there's also footage uh, of him leaving the Capitol later on that day. Um, and, you know, it came out that, you know, he died from unrelated causes, unbeknownst to us. And, you know, I think for me, you know, as someone who has a deep love uh, many family Just members to, who to, are in right. law enforcement. Can I, can I ask oh, you a quick question on the on the Sydney story? And um, yeah, uh, I, I agree with a lot of the points you said, but the coroner did say that his he did die from natural causes, but he did say the following: all that transpired on January sixth played a role in his condition. So, do you think that the the and then we had other officers say that he was in distress. Um, and there is reports that he was um, attacked with pepper spray and physically fought with members of the mob. Uh, and, and I'm saying the word mob. I'm just reading out um, what the uh, just got the statement from um, uh, from another person. So um, just with members of the protest. So do you think that things could have happened before that footage that could have impacted his health that might have led to his death? So maybe it's not as bad as it uh, was initially portrayed, but. That video that we saw with Tucker is not enough to discount the fact that he might have uh, been in, in been injured prior to that, and that impacted his condition, which he obviously had a natural condition that led to his death as well. Right. What yeah, do you no, think? I, I know 100% what you're saying, but 
you know, I think, you know, there was a lot going on that day. I was supposed to speak that day myself uh, at the Supreme Court for the second round of speakers. I saw sort of some of the interactions and stuff when I was there on the ground. Uh, I couldn't imagine being a law enforcement officer that day dealing with some of the violent, more violent protesters. Uh, and, you know, I'm not, you know, taking away punches here. If, if someone punched a cop, go to jail, right? If somebody was violent, uh, you know, was just angry and upset and was taking that anger on law enforcement, go to jail, right? I can't imagine being a law enforcement officer that day, not being prepared, not being set up, you know, to, to deal with a certain scenario like that. And that seems to be what it was. I know there was a video that, you know, was released a couple of weeks ago where some law enforcement officers were saying, you know, this is a setup, you know, this, that, and the third, you know, we weren't prepared for this. Um, I couldn't imagine. So I really don't know all the full details on that. I, I know that, you know, it was they, some people have said unrelated causes. That's sort of been the thing. It wasn't, you know, in the moment immediate, something that, you know, whether it was from the stresses, you know, on his heart, whether it was from, you know, maybe a, a forceful hit I, that he received. I, I think it was a blood clot, right? No. Is, I think that's what the coroner said. It was, it was a blood clot. And I, yeah, and I think you're right. He was, I, I think he hit his head during a skirmish or a fight. Uh, so I, I, uh, my guess is that something that happened, whether he hit his head, it could have dislodged a clot that he had and could have caused him to die hours, hours later. Uh, th- that's, that's, I believe, what the coroner is saying there. Yeah, so I think it just Mary, does... can I jump in here for a sec? Yeah, please do. Yeah, sorry. So I, I don't really think it's actually all that productive to speculate on the potential cause of, of death of, of Brian Sicknick. There's, there's a lot of unanswered questions there and a lot that, that may be learned later in time. I think the elephant in the room here, and I hope we get to it uh, in advance of the, the Tucker tape playing, is really the question of federal involvement uh, in in the the events of the day itself, in its chronology, in its in in the networks and the key actors. Uh, I can say, as someone who's probably seen more and reviewed more January six footage uh, in the months and 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 year and a half after uh, after it was after it happened, than than probably anyone or almost anyone on the face of the planet that the, the question of federal involvement in in an event of a mass gathering the size of January 6th is something the question of federal involvement in any sort of large scale demonstration uh is is something that has been relatively uh, uh pedestrian to talk about and to invoke both on the right and the left uh you know since the early days of the FBI you know since the 1968 democrat convention and 20,000, you know, feds essentially were shipped in uh, uh, for left-wing agitation and, and for basically the entire history of, of organized right-wing uh, movements as, as well. There's all, you know, the, the church committee hearings started in 1975, partly on the basis of of a, of a uh, basically whistleblowing by a U.S. Army uh, gentleman named Christopher Pyle, who said that that the Pentagon essentially was keeping tabs on any any large scale meeting of larger than twenty people and sought to understand for purposes of uh, you know of potential uh, insurrection threats you know what what mass gatherings might happen right now you've got a situation where you've got the DHS the FBI the DOD and several other equities uh, you know ATF DEA 
you know, there were multiple of these groups who were said to be absolutely instrumental in the organization and implementation of the activities that day, where I, where any time one of those dudes took a piss in a toilet in the three months leading up to that event, you probably had six or seven federal agencies listening in. And I can go through a specific exact chronology and I can map it exactly to the breach sequence at the Capitol to, to explain all of the reasons why we absolutely need those 40,000 hours of tape. And it is extremely disconcerting that this, that the particular faction who seems to be most breathlessly challenging its disclosure happened to be from the intelligence community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like I do get the, I, I do get the concern over some surveillance, some of the videotape in areas where maybe the public doesn't, doesn't have access to, uh, maybe for security concerns, how they evacuate members of Congress. I, I, I think that is a legitimate concern, but I, I would like to see the majority of that tape, the tape that actually has meaning, the tape that doesn't put security concerns on the table, uh, all those tapes. Uh, but I'd like to see it released to the public. Just dump it, dump it all, dump it all on like WikiLeaks, you know, let, let us all oh, totally. I, I agree. I totally agree. I, I frankly would much, much, much prefer. I think everybody would much, much, much prefer that it's just totally to the public and not just all to, you know, a, a partisan news host. Uh, I mean, that's something that I, I presume was done uh, as a sort of compromise in order to try to get information out while limiting the concern that you noted, even though it has the concern on the partisan side. I totally acknowledge that. And I should add, I'm, I'll try to sort of meet you know, folks in the middle to say that, you know, the more you learn about the the evolution and history of some of the lead up to January 6th, the more I think a lot of people who look into it begin to get some sympathetic and similar uh, uh, concerns around for some of the Black Lives Matter protests from May 2020. You know, the role of DHS, for example, in agitating and in trying to sell arms and amplifying some of the activities there. Yeah, and I would have no problem with all of the body cam footage, all of the undercover informants, all you know, all of the all of the potential federal involvement or escalation in in uh, in, in left wing protests. Just the same as I would expect that folks you know who, who tend to to be you know on on the political left, uh, especially in light of their own histories of persecution by the national security state, uh, should be. This should be a point of complete and total unity. I mean, I don't think it really holds water to say that the physical map of of the Capitol, which, by the way, it, when there's not a VIP there, is public property. This, you know, all of these trespassing cases wouldn't be trespassing cases, uh, but for there be it, it being uh, off limits that particular day because of the presence of uh, of two VIPs under Secret Service detail. So, th- you know, this is not like some. Uh, you know, sacred map of the pyramids that has to be protected, uh, you know, in order so that uh, scavengers don't know where all the tunnels are. That's not what's going on here. I'll give you one, one specific example to anchor the conversation, if I may, and then I'll, 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 I'll mute myself and turn it over. The critical events of that day can be said to essentially have happened at, one, at, at 12.53 p.m., where you had a very, 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 very strange thing happen. You had you had the Trump speech happening from from twelve to one. You had at one o'clock. You had this. You had the Senate. Uh, you you had the uh, you know basically the you know the 
the, the vote set to happen for the, for, for, you know, certifying the election. And you had uh, factions coming from multiple directions of purported Trump supporters coming, leaving the Trump rally on the ellipse early at, uh, at 12 o'clock. And then you had, uh, and then you had this uh, sort of delegation of proud boys, about 200 of them. You had a group who were waiting. They all met at, at one particular obscure back entrance to the Capitol known as the Penn walkway entrance at the peace monument. Now this happened to be the one entrance where there was only five security guards. Two of them were, were small women. It, it, they all descended on that, that entrance at 12.49 p.m. At 12.48, the first pipe bomb was discovered. The, the Capitol Police Chief St- Stephen Sun would later say that he believed that the, that the pipe bombs, which, by the way, not a single skin cell, not a single hair follicle, in two-plus years, the person who should be the most wanted person on the face of the planet, who were told planted live explosives, walked in broad daylight with half of his face exposed, by the way, for, for an hour and a half through Fortress, Fortress National Security State, I might add, Capitol Hill, an hour and a half in, at 8 p.m. This isn't even the ass crack of midnight. Two and a half years later, they don't even tell us the race, the gender, the, the age. They, they released one frame per second video footage, okay, which, by the way, does not exist today. It hasn't been used since the 80s. They cropped out the footage of the person planting the pipe bomb, by the way. If you look at the DNC, the DNC tape that was released on, on September 8th, 2021, which, by the way, is the last time the FBC had 39,000 video files submitted for the pipe bomb. They haven't submitted a single new, new video. They haven't posted or made public in over two years. Okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In over a year and a half. Okay? This is supposed to be the most wanted person on earth. They don't want to find the pipe bomber. They don't. Uh, otherwise, there's no way they don't have more footage than what they've disclosed because we know they literally cropped out the footage of the person planting the bomb. If you simply keep that stationary camera from, from the DNC on the two benches, they show him walking up to the benches. He plants the pipe bomb at the benches, or so we're told. Now, it's that pipe bomb, when that was discovered, one minute later is when the breach happened. Now, what you have at 1249, before they actually you know, uh, breach that, the, the initial perimeter at 1253, is, is you have all of these very curious characters who, who have very sophisticated communications devices. They've got, they've got handhelds. They've got, they've got earpieces. You have massively federally infiltrated uh, uh, agency. Uh, I'm sorry, militia groups, like the Proud Boys, who uh, – what. Half of their senior leadership were federal informants. Uh, you, have, you have the Oath Keepers, who, by the way, U.S. military counterintelligence is under an obligation to – they had Stuart Rhodes you know, surveilled since 2014. You, know, you, can, you can read the FOIA documents of, of, uh, of FBI officials wondering whether Stuart Rhodes – you know, maybe – and again, I'm not, I'm not even pointing at those – but we know, for example, as top lieutenant – uh, was an FBI informant, as were dozens of people within the ranks. Same thing with the three percenters. The three percenters were actually the operative group around the, the Whitmer Fed mapping. And I think it's, just, it's safe to say that given that, uh, that 12 of the 26 people involved in that uh, were later said to be federal informants. 
which is a similar ratio, by the way, with the Oath Keepers, with the Bundy Ranch situation. So all three of these these right wing militia groups who descended at at twelve between twelve forty nine and twelve fifty three were under huge, massive federal surveillance. And not only that, there was a conversation between Gina Haspel, head of the CIA, and Mark Milley, who was who's the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff on on November ninth. 20, uh, uh, 2020, which, by the way, is the first day of the Oath Keepers organizational meeting uh, to plan their, their Stop the Steal activities, where, where it was reported that Mark Milley said to Gina Haspel, there is a right-wing coup afoot, and we need to do something to stop it. That, by the way, is national security speak for invoke the counterintelligence predicate, okay? There is no way in hell every every pixel these people saw on their phones, every conversation they had was not being surveilled in real time. What it, If it turns out that the reason that all of them happened to know to meet at the one obscure back entrance to the Capitol at the Penn Walkway by the Peace Monument, do we need to know the history of how they all arrived there? And what I, what I suspect you will find is exactly... Uh, what folks who are fighting disclosure do not want to find, which is that it was well known in advance this was going to be the exact point of entry and that the sequence of events involving the pipe bomb happened the way it did because it was supposed to. Thanks for that, Mike. Um, <clears throat> we'll cover them issues in a bit. I'll just say thanks to who else? Um, Kyle, thanks for joining us. Any initial thoughts? Yeah, I've got a couple. <laughs> so... Some of the some of the things that need to be addressed. Number one, um, my my major issue with the uh, the footage is the fact that it has not been released uh, to the defendants that were that were going after a reasonable defense, being able to mount a a uh, a capable defense. And my understanding is is that they had the same access or a similar access to Tucker, where they basically were said we're going to use some of this footage, we don't know which, and you have this little terminal to access it, and. You know, if you didn't have 20 people, they don't have 20 people. They got one paralegal probably sitting in there looking at 40,000 hours worth of footage. They're never going to find anything of value because the systems are not easy. They don't have to make it easier. But uh, that seems like a Brady violation. For those of you who are familiar with Brady v. Uh, Maryland, it's a Supreme Court decision going back to the 60s. And it says that the government has to furnish information if it's exculpatory. Otherwise, it's a constitutional violation of their, their right to due process. So this is a real big problem for me Kyle, if, the, uh, if the government didn't go through it all. Go ahead. Can I, I've got a question about that because somebody mentioned this yesterday, but it got so late. I was just uh, I didn't ask. But basically, because it, the people speaking yesterday gave the impression that some people received access as per the way you mentioned and some didn't receive access in its entirety. Is that the case? Uh, that's the understanding that I have, that they were basically given limited access over a limited amount of time. Look, this is the same thing they do for national security stuff. So this is not like a, a new game in the, in the government's playbook. So it's worth noting. What they'll do is they'll say, you have to have an attorney that has a security clearance. There's only a certain number of people that have that. They can only access it in a skiff during the certain hours. Now they've limited the scope that they can actually deal with it. And then the government will just basically try to do the most unfair thing possible, which is say, here is all the information that we might use. And that we have available to us, you dig through it. They're not going to say, look, this is the information that, that relates to your client. This is what we've dug out and this is what we've, we've cut out. That's not the way that generally works. And so when you do that, you are basically setting somebody up. There's a, a, you know, a team of, of agents that are working on the, the criminal investigator side. There's a team of people from the United States Attorney's Office that have unfettered access for as long as they want until they bring an indictment. 
and they can do whatever they want with this information, but they don't have to share it in a specific way saying these are the, the hours that relate to your client. These are the camera angles that show your client, you know, I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's a fair defense. And, and moreover, so, so Kyle, the, Kyle, the government okay. is not supposed to have, you have sorry, to another question about what you said. So, because based on what you're saying, then it seems like, first of all, that's bad in itself based on what you said, but what it also seems like is there will people will because not everybody's uh, financially wealthy. Not everybody will have access to an attorney who or afford an attorney who will be able to have that level of access. Is that fair to make that uh, judgment, or is that not the case? Well, in this case, we're probably not talking about a lot of people were representing themselves per se. So they were representing themselves and they were either, you know, they had limited access or probably no access. And I think, you know, the the actual J6 people would have to talk about it. But many of them were getting turned down by attorneys. The only reason I know that is because I went looking for attorneys to see who they would talk to. And they said, look, I, I can't tell you how many people are calling related to this January 6th event. They have no money. They can't afford us. And then politically, the partners in these firms are not going to take them on. So we've seen more people be able to mount a more vigorous defense. Um, by the way, this is not a partisan issue. Like if you're on the left or the right, you should want people to mount a vigorous defense. That's the nature of our of our system. Our justice system is supposed to be adversarial. The government presents a, a case. It's supposed to be a fair case. And the government doesn't have a vested interest in winning the case. It has an interest in the truth. That's not the way that it actually works in reality. I think we all understand that. But that is the way that the system is set up, that the government is basically supposed to say, here's the most information. And by the way, if we have exculpatory, we give it to the defense. And then they all have to all they have to do is prove a reasonable doubt. Right. They just have to have the shadow of a doubt because the person has to be convicted beyond a shadow of a doubt. So any of these videos that were not made available to the defense should be a serious, serious problem for everybody, like as a process error, because everybody should want a fair justice system. I don't think that's what's going on. But that's number one. Number two, I want to just circle to the pipe bomber thing, because I do think as far as terrorist activities go on January 6th and the night before, those are the two most, quote unquote, terrorist activities that anybody should agree on, whether or not those bombs were real, whether or not the devices actually had any capabilities of being detonated. And as far as I can understand, um, they did not. That's what I've been told by people who work at the counter IED program for the FBI. That being said, we had significant information days after that like the week after january 6th my surveillance team was put on a potential subject that potentially placed those things and let me just give in broad strokes the types of things that we had access to we had access to cameras that tracked all the way to the metro stations that was most likely the ingress and the egress route for that individual we had access to the metro card that was used to access the turnstiles which was also coordinated to the the video cameras we had access to the person's financial information that bought that Metro card that was done a year prior and hadn't been used since. We had access to the stop that that person used and got it off. And that was also tracked on surveillance cameras. And then the vehicle that picked up the individual that they believe was involved in this and the license plate of that vehicle, which also matched with the financial information associated with that Metro card. And that all tied back to a residence and my team sat on that residence. If that doesn't tell you, that's like a like a law enforcement slam dunk. And Steve Friend can can attest to it. If you're going to go try to find somebody, and not only do we have like a actual path tracking you through one of the most cameraed areas in America, I would I would argue DC is pretty high on that list. And then financial information tying you to it, and an address, and then a, and an actual uh, a vehicle and uh, license plates and all these other things. This is a this is a no-brainer as far as at least having a strong interview with that. And my team has never been put back on it. I still keep in touch with them. That was two years ago. They have not been redeployed to that specific address, that specific subject. 
the only reason anybody could tell me why that was is because they were associated with a federal agency. And, uh, and the Kyle, person that have we you were said this publicly before? Have you, have you mentioned any of this publicly before? Uh, maybe. I know I've talked to, uh, to uh, Darren Beatty at uh, Revolver because he asked me about it. I may have right. talked to Bill Angino about it on his show, I think, on the radio. We, we probably had a discussion about it. I don't know if I went into the detail as far as like how close we, we had that information, but it's been out there and it should have been in the FBI's hands for a very long time. What's also interesting, and people might take note of, the team at the time, I'm sure it's changed since then, so this is not likely current. Um, but in uh, January of 2021, the team that was assigned to handle that pipe bomber case came from a counterintelligence squad that was actually a Russian counterintelligence squad that did espionage. So they were the only counterintelligence squad that that did uh, uh, what would be considered a criminal act. And they are not um, manhunters by any by any stretch of the imagination. They work do not they don't work in the criminal space. Generally speaking, they work mostly in national security. And none of them, as far as I could tell, had any experience with explosives. And I knew the people in that squad because I sat on that floor for two years. Some of them were my Quantico classmates. Some of them were people who left Quantico just before me. So I knew them from, you know, sitting and having lunch. These were decent human beings. I don't want to say otherwise, like they're nice people. Um, but that's also the same squad that ended up going down to Miralago for whatever that's worth. Uh, just very strange that that's who was assigned to this. And they, like I said, they didn't have necessarily the background to, to be involved in what I would assume would be the premier case coming out of January 6th. So that information alone, that scares the hell out of me about what they were doing. Cause why in the hell did they not go out and if the FBI wants to catch somebody with that much information, I'm not saying that the person that was associated with the license plate was the same person. All I know is they had to have known who it was, a girlfriend, a friend, somebody who borrowed your car. You know, all these things would have would have put you into a very, very solid footing that it wouldn't take two years to run down. And the fact that we haven't heard any more should make people very uncomfortable. Kyle, have you told that information to the to the Jim Jordan's weaponization subcommittee about the about the the leads that the FBI had on the pipe bomber? Yes, I've told okay. a lot of people about that on the on that end. So <laughs> it's out there. They've had access to it. Uh, they've had access to it probably since that time. Like I, I started talking to them in October of 2021. They've probably had access to it for 18 months. What they did about it, I don't know. Um, they don't they don't coordinate with me. I don't coordinate with them. I just share the information that I think is a problem. And, you know, they've interviewed three people. Uh, I know all three of the people that they've interviewed so far behind closed doors. They're all great human beings. One of them is in this room and uh, or in the space, rather. So they're people have, uh, that are reputable are being interviewed. I just don't know when their next hearing is. I hope it's sooner than later. And, you know, this is a like I said, th this should be a should have been a bombshell thing when it was when it was happening. The FBI should have had this person in a couple of weeks. That should have been the priority because anybody that drops indiscriminate bombs like that is the most indiscriminate tool of violence there is. You don't know if it's going to go off, when it's going to go off or how it's going to go off and who's going to be around it when you drop it and leave. This is not like a, you know, like a rifle. This is not spraying a weapon system. This is a, you know, fire and forget and then hope that, you know, there's not a mom with a bunch of babies that are going walking through that little pavilion. So it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on. Like that person made a terrible decision or it's a big operation to distract us which i would argue we have some evidence that that's the case based on what i'm telling you thanks for that kyle uh so steve yeah i mean you were mentioned so do you have you got anything any yeah so steve before before you jump in steve by the way i see a few requests to speak uh do dm me on why you want to speak just to make sure we we don't miss you so just send me through a quick message um but before we go to steve kyle one quick question so what's the what's the response from the fbi like what's there what are some of the statements they've said why haven't they found the bomber um, would love to know what their official stance is. 
So the stance that we heard from uh, director Chris Ray, this was uh, last week when he spoke to Brett Baer, was that he has the utmost confidence in the team that is investigating. But the question that he was asked was, are you confident that we'll find, you know, the person that did the bombing or left the bombs? And his response was, I have confidence in the team. So that's a non-response. I mean, for those of us that do interrogations like that, you can't let that sit. That, that doesn't that's not an answer to the question. And, uh, and, and that shouldn't fly for a criminal prosecutor either. And yet that was the only answer we got. So um, that tells me that he has no confidence that they're going to find this person or that they're going to just try to run the clock out. Kind of like he did that interview. He ran the clock out so he didn't have to answer difficult questions because that's one that should be answered. I mean, for everybody, honestly. Uh, Steve. Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, well, to respond to some of the stuff that Kyle was talking about, uh, I just want to contrast the amount of information and resources that they had at their fingertips to potentially locate and uh, investigate this this pipe bomb subject. And uh, and yet they, they just kind of let that uh, fall through the cracks and, and move on to the next thing, whereas – uh, you know, in, in, in Kyle can also comment on this. The, there were uh, all these tips that came in in the aftermath of January 6th. They came through the, through NTOC. Uh, essentially think of it as like the 911 system for the FBI. And uh, it just became a way for folks to turn in their neighbors or their family members as potential January 6th subjects to be investigated. And uh, with as little as uh, a name, we were still uh, obligated, at least in my office, to conduct interviews with people. So so for my situation, it was an individual who was anonymous tip came in, uh, maybe a person who was engaged in uh, conflict with law enforcement at the Capitol on January 6th. The geofence information on his phone was negative, did not show that he was at the area. Uh, The facial recognition processes that were done on his driver's license photo and his social media uh, all came back negative. And I was still tasked with having to go and interview this guy. And now contrast that with what Kyle was talking about with all the information that they had, uh, which you would think would at least uh, obligate you to go and knock on the door and attempt to do some sort of of conversation with the individual uh, for something that was far, far greater uh, of a threat to public safety than somebody who was uh, parading around the grounds, as was the case with with the subject that I was tasked with with going to interview. So I think that there there's that's something that raises uh, the my my concern about you know what what they're gonna how they're handling this this pipe bomb um, subject or if they're just gonna wait it out and statute of limitations is gonna be up as you know the. Uh, the, I, I believe it's five years. So, you know, that's just going to be wait the clock out and then move on. I, and, and it leads to suspicion of, you know, was this all some sort of choreographed uh, plot or was it maybe throwing spaghetti against the wall and, and see what sort of plumb line you're able to draw out of it to, to push a, a narrative for, forward. Um, but at the end of it, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be uh, resolved uh to anybody's uh, anybody's satisfaction, unless you know that information is brought forward, and and uh, and that's it. Um, before going to Cowboy uh, to to Coy Coy Griffin, uh, Slayman, just keep an eye on on uh, any videos that come out of uh, Tucker Carlson's show, so we can play them live here. Anything worth uh, noting? Um, but uh, Mr. Griffin, how are you? Hey Mario, I appreciate you having me on, and Kyle, Steve, Joe, all of our law enforcement guys on here that um, are doing the good work and focusing on the greater good. We commend you and thank you. 
But um, as I was listening in, Mario, and I heard the the question of the government's involvement um, in January 6th, you know, I, I feel like Kevin McCarthy's kind of told on himself a lot whenever he mentioned that um, releasing the footage would be a national security risk. And uh, I think, I mean, I don't want to read too much into that, but I think it could be telling all the same. Um whenever he said that it could be a national security risk where maybe the people might find out that the government was complicit in a lot of this. And then whenever he decided to feed the, all of the footage through one person and, you know, um, I, I don't believe that's fair either. You know, I believe that this should be um, public source uh, open for anybody to look at. I mean, it's a public building. We pay for the cameras. And uh, we should be allowed access to the footage. But whenever you have um, people that are keeping evidence from being seen um, that could exonerate some and, and implicate others, I think very simply, but I believe that's called obstruction of justice. And that's that I believe that the, that Kevin McCarthy and Marjorie Taylor Greene and our Republican Congress, which is withholding this. Uh, footage from the people it's not the democrats doing it it's the republicans um i think they should get that on their minds you know um i think that what tucker's done has shed a little bit of light and any light at this point is very welcoming but really it's only telling us what many of us have already known you know i mean as many of the people in this space know i spent three weeks in solitary confinement and I was locked up with Jake Angeli for uh, three, the three weeks that I was in there. And Jake and I would usually get out at the same time during the day for the one hour that they would let us out. And uh, Jake Angeli is, uh, is, is, a, is one of those really kind of those kind of crazy pacifists that just like don't believe in killing anything, you know, and like no violence at all. And uh, to see what has happened to him is heartbreaking. Um, but to see the shift in the narrative um, and people understanding more of what happened is, uh, is, is a small, but a, a welcome breath of fresh air. Um, so I've got a question quickly for, for Brian, Brian, you saw what Kyle and Mike mentioned uh, regarding the pipe bomber uh, initial thoughts. Like I've just been listening, trying to poke holes or, or ask some good questions here or there, but they're all pretty valid points. Um, What's your stance after what you've heard, especially all the, the things that Kyle mentioned, Brian? Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't paid too much attention to the pipe bombing situation. So, I, like, I don't I don't have a ton to say there. I, I, I do think that what Kyle said, like, like that's the, the guy that planted those pipe bombs. Uh, it's it's an urgent matter. I, I, I think it's important that we find him because he is he was willing to kill indiscriminately. So I, I think that's important. Uh Backtracking also to like what Kyle said, I, I think it's also very important. I think we can all agree that a defendant's rights are incredibly important. And, and, and I, I, I think that I've already spoken out a little bit about, uh, how some of the, some of the people have been treated. But at the same time, the, these videos that we're seeing, especially the one last night with, uh, Jacob Chandley, uh, it, it's, it's not, everything that happened prior to that is where the crimes were at. He, he busted through a police barrier. He, he broke into the Capitol. He went into the Capitol building 
illegally. He then threatened uh, he, Mike. Then why didn't they arrest him, Brian, whenever he was breaking in? Why didn't uh, the police take him into custody? So how, how are they going to arrest him? There were 2,000 people pushing through the barriers, and there were about 200 police on hand. Are you talking the about were, the shaman? Are you talking about the shaman? Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, there were 2,000 people that were, were pushing through these barriers, pushing in, breaking windows in the Capitol, going into the Capitol. Some of them had weapons. Some of them were hitting police officers. Uh, and there were only about 200 police officers, Capitol police yeah, officers. Yeah, and you've got – uh, and, Coy, that's – yeah, I wanted to make that point. I should have made it yesterday. Um, it, it, the Capitol police officers did testify that they – that I'll read out exactly. After the initial wave of rioters entered the building, they felt outnumbered and were afraid of escalating violence by engaging with the mob. So the, yeah, the point yeah, that Brian is making. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 like, like, let's rewind a couple years before that with the, all the George Floyd riots in in Minneapolis or St. Louis. There were riots. There were riots all over the country. Most in most of those cases, the police pulled out of those areas. Not because they didn't want to arrest those people, but because they were overwhelmed and they were in danger. And arresting somebody in the midst of a mob doesn't work. And you didn't have Fox News saying these rioters and looters burning these buildings down. They're innocent because the police didn't react. You had them you had them blaming the police and saying that the police should have reacted and that the rioter rioters and looters should be in prison. So how is this any different? You have people busting into the Capitol building. You stop an, an election process, the certification process of an election. You have them threatening Mike Pence, threatening members of Congress, and, and you have them breaking in with weapons and attacking. Them. I want to so, so uh, guys just quickly. I, I want to go quickly to Kyle, if you don't mind, then we'll go to Mike. Uh, Kyle, on, on what Brian said, but also on, on you're talking about the um, the the, the pipe bomber earlier so photos were released of the suspect just so i just want to clarify on this and i haven't seen the photos so i'll see how clear they are and, and what your thoughts are on photos being released of the of the of the suspect and then i'd love your thoughts on on what the point that brian made is that the police were the capital police were outnumbered on the premises so they couldn't really fight back or make arrests so they don't escalate matters yeah, so there's a couple pieces to that that need to be addressed. Uh, first of all, I think Brian's statement that uh, they should be releasing all the footage and let everybody look over it, WikiLeaks or whatever style, I'm behind that. I think that's very fair. That's the right answer. The right answer is transparency, as as uh, we said, that you know it's it's the people's stuff. We pay for those security cameras. That is a public building, and it's not going to violate with very, very narrow uh, scope. Like there's a couple of places that probably shouldn't be shown that have weapons caches or, or uh, evac routes. Beyond that, it should be released and let people make their own thing and also be able to mount a credible defense. That's pretty important. Um, as far as the, the disproportionate responses, here's the problem with being outnumbered. And I, and I absolutely sympathize with the idea that you cannot arrest 2000 people when you have 200 people that doesn't work. That's factual. That's totally a reasonable position, but what's not a reasonable position is even the stuff we saw yesterday that Tucker showed, um, they outnumbered that guy, the, the, the QAnon shaman, uh, Jacob, I can't remember his last name, but uh, you know, he's outnumbered nine or 10 to one and they let him walk in. OK, so here's where you do like it's just like any other sort of Sun Tzu, like art of war. You you mass your forces and, and then you act where you are strong. They are strong when they outnumber him nine to one. They're strong when they outnumber him three to one. And they could have easily brought him into custody if that was something that they chose to do, knowing what was going on. And there's no question but, in my but, mind but, but that when you have Kyle, an earpiece. Kyle, in... Can I just cut in really fast? So, so you said they outnumbered him 91 when he walked in, but that's not when he walked in. He walked in. When no, no, this is before he went into the chambers. 
before the chambers. So, 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 so he's yeah. already. So, so, so you're, you're not the allegation about is that the Capitol. You're talking about correct. Walking in the chambers. I, and I didn't see footage of him walking in. And if you have, then I'll, I'll check it out later on. But what I know is that there's there's no question that people who got in either were let in. Some of them were, and and that we, there's video of that. And then there's some people that forced their way in, and there's video of that. I don't know which one he was. It doesn't really matter to me because at the moment that it went in, if he was one of the guys, if you think that the cops didn't call out, uh, you know, the Capitol Police officers that were on scene, there's a guy in a Viking helmet with a spear that's got face paint and he's rolling in, you know, when he's coming your way. If you don't think they called out what his situation was, there was a reason they're outnumbered. They were outnumbered because Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. No. Yeah. I'll hit that in a second. One second. I've got a question specifically for you. Yep. So in terms of when you're saying when he at that point when he was nine to one and before he walked into the room, the issue is this. At that point, wasn't there a lot of people who were already in the building? Maybe so. But do you, do you know how so, easy it is when you're nine to one like that? The guy was just walking. They no, could have well, cuffed him and put him. No, no, they could, yeah, yeah. So I accept that they could have cuffed him. But I'm saying, is this a possibility that if they had cuffed him at that point and they were nine to one, so it would have been easy to cuff him? Others who were already in the Capitol building, the other thousands may have then, it might have escalated the riot. They were trying to there, there were other people who were detained inside of the building at that time. There's a lot of video. Like, there's this one where um, this police officer, right, the black police officer, is, is leading, you know, a mob away from other people who are running, right? I mean, that the, the guy got a medal for it, right? I mean, in, in that particular instance, I think the people that were chasing him were indeed up to no good, and they should be prosecuted, right? So but Again, Ian, I think my question... And some of them I'm got detained. They I got detained that. because he led them into a police, you know, a room full of cops there, and they, they got arrested. So I, I don't, I really don't think that it, this was an instance of, oh, we don't arrest him because we might cause a fuss. I don't think but so. I, would, I would point Okay, it's muting and unmuting. He was leading the <laughs> the 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 protesters uh, into the capital, or was he not, Ian? No, was no, he, no, no. Was he, he wasn't. He was just a, a, a member of the group. Portrayed... There were a lot of people who were dressed. Okay, up so funny. just just a yeah. just a question. So was he portrayed as the leader of the protest, or was he actually leading a big group behind him? So he was just portrayed, portrayed as one. He was just portrayed, portrayed as one. He, he was, was not a big leader of anything. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, I mean, hey, well, I I know him, and he went there with one other guy to dc from phoenix and he's been active many many times in many rallies but you guys are talking about the police and being overwhelmed and all of this the police were escorting him through the building they were trying to open doors for him correct so we could go into the speaker exactly so th that's so what i'm saying the, the video footage with your overwhelmed yeah, we, i agree police with you but we don't have yeah i don't have i let uh, me, let me say this brian i've not seen any footage whatsoever of this guy doing anything violent he has no prior po's you know he didn't force his way past police from any of the footage i've seen from any of the footage that j6 committee had shown you know He's not even a violent man. Like I mean, this, this guy, I know people who know him, and I know there's people on the stage who know him. Exactly. One second, guys. Guys, I just got a question, and anyone can answer this. Ryan, Ian, Koi. Why is it that you're in the midst of a riot? There's police there. Why are the police even escorting him and taking him to rooms? So, what's the logical reason behind that? I think that's the question yeah, that's... that Kevin McCarthy's probably the most scared of right now. Because it was, I think that there was a lot of people inside that were implicated in this, and it was much bigger than just a riot or an armed protest. I think that there was, I think it was bigger. 
and I think it was orchestrated. And I think they wanted the guy with the crazy. Uh, uh, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't get it. It was orchestrated by Trump. I don't get it. Are you saying it's a conspiracy and Shimon it was actually an agent? Or are you saying that the police were also involved in the riot? Is it one of them? I think there were a lot of useful idiots in this situation. I think that the situation that, you know, the J6 didn't have to happen. A lot of it was that the, the conditions were set for this to be possible. For instance, at the start, why is it that the cops did not have the anti-right gear that they were supposed to have had, right? Why is it that they were half-staffed? Why is it that they didn't have water on that day? I mean... Of all the days to prepare, you know, and, and there have been warnings, repeated warnings from various federal agencies, various security agencies, you know, uh, across the country that this was going to be a big day. Why is it that they choose this data to, to, to keep them at half size? I mean, that doesn't make any that's, sense that's a, at all. Guys, just quickly, I, I want to, so there's a lot of good questions here, Brian. Like the, I, I made a point, for example, on um, they were outnumbered, and um, and that's why they didn't arrest him. But then Ian made the point that others were arrested, and if he wasn't leading the protest, and there were that many police officers, um, do you think it's a fair question to ask? Like obviously we need to, to to hear from the police officers why they didn't arrest him. But do you think it's a fair question to ask? Uh, Brian would love your thoughts so, on this before yeah, I go to Kyle. So 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 he he pushed through the barriers, or he was with a group that pushed through the barriers, the police barriers, who were yelling stop. And he went into the Capitol as people were breaking windows. At that point, there were so many people. There's no way he could have been arrested at that point. Now, he wandered through the Capitol building. He went into various various hallways, various rooms. Now, we don't have the context. We don't even have the timestamps of those videos that Tucker released last night of Chandley. So we don't know what the context was. What Was this at the end of the night? or the end of the afternoon when they're trying to get everybody out and they're ordered to get everybody out of the Capitol, we need to start the certification process again at, I think it was 6 p.m. So was it then or was it, you know, like an hour into it? That's we we don't point. know. And, and I think we I, need I, more context. Yeah, I'll go to... I will go quickly I to say one thing. Go ahead, Ryan. Then, say, yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah Ryan, Ryan I'd, li- I'd like you to touch on that point made by Brian regarding no time stuff. So exactly when... When was that? And then, you know, just there's other plausible explanations. Um, police officers were trying to distract him from another location um, or, you know, they were they made the wrong decision because they were just scared. There were too many protesters. Uh, it's just there's, there's just too much context that's missing in the footage, including the timestamps. Uh, that makes it hard to come to any conclusions. Is that a fair statement, Ryan? And I'd love to get Kyle's thoughts. You know, I think it is, but I was going to kind of give a first-hand perspective on this. I arrived at the Capitol after 1 p.m. I didn't go to Trump's speech because I was there with him in Georgia. And I was supposed to speak at the Capitol, and I, you know, in route there, all this stuff is happening. I end up getting out of the car, walking up, seeing everything going on, and I walk to the other side of the Capitol, which is where the Supreme Court side was. This was already after the building was breached, and I guess they were starting at that moment getting people out of the building. I actually ran into that guy. Um, he walked up to me. We were out on on the side of the Supreme Court side. He, he seemed very jovial, you know, just very, you know, fine, whatever, you know, excited to be in the moment. And uh, I don't know if we really <clears throat> said anything to each other or talked. I can't really remember. I just kind of was like, you know, looking at him like, you know, what what's this guy doing? 
Um, so I, I think the guy got out of the building. I think he was in there for a minute and then he got out. I don't know what happened after that point though, but I will say that, you know, it, it, he didn't seem violent. He didn't seem like he was there to cause anything. He just seemed like he was there to be a part of it. The guy was dressed up. I don't know, you know, if he has any issues, you know, whatever the case may be mentally, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't really know. I think that the media sort of picked him up as sort of this symbolic target. You know, I think that this footage, you know, I think that it should be given to his defense 100 percent because this was not provided, you know, previously. Uh, you know, otherwise it's like like, you know, what uh, what Kyle said earlier, like a clear violation of the Brady rule. Um, you know, and I'll leave it at that. Ryan, I've got a question um, because we, we don't have all the information. So therefore, we're trying to deduce the most rational explanation for the incident. And. I mean, some of the explanation that it's like he 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 was um, an agent, or the fact that the police were involved in him, seem a bit far fetched. And isn't it, or is it possible that it's the most logical conclusion is that the police were afraid, and hence they thought by escorting him, it was de-escalating the situation. I mean that 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 is that is a, something that you could consider, but I you know again we don't have all the facts. I mean, from the footage we saw, and I, I guess Tucker's right now showing more footage. I'm going to turn it on to watch, but. Uh, maybe we'll see more on this subject, but it did based on the footage. It looked like, you know, it could have been either thing. It's like they're either escorting him through because they don't want escalation or at that point they're like, you know, they feel like they're overrun, whatever. Let these guys go through the Capitol, let them see it. But I think that that what they did in that moment for the people who were there, who weren't the ones necessarily breaking the windows, who weren't necessarily the ones attacking cops who just followed in. You know, that reaction by law enforcement led a lot of people to believe that they were welcome into the building, that they could just walk around at that point. A lot of people came in, didn't really see some of what was going on from what I've been told. And so they thought that it was okay to be there. And then, you know, later on, they're getting arrested by the feds being charged with, you know, trespassing and all this other stuff. So, I, you know, I'll leave it at that. I'm not really 100 percent sure, but I know it's there, there's a lot of misinformation on all of this. Stuff. Hey, Ryan, um, I'd love to jump in and here, ask you a question. You just said you were supposed to go to the Capitol to speak. And I can say I was just recently yeah. in D.C. and I actually went to the D.C. jail where they had a, ra- a, a rally outside that they were doing. So I went to cover it. And there I like there and at CPAC between the two, I've interviewed so many people that were there that day, including Dr. Simone Gold. And one thing that actually came to my attention that I didn't know prior was that there were several permitted events that were supposed to take place at the Capitol on January 6th that the mayor, I guess, would have had to have signed off on those permits and so there was actually speakers, members of Congress, Dr. Simone Gold. And I was going to ask you, Ryan, if you were mm-hmm. one of the speakers, because from what she told me, they were all scheduled to speak there right on the steps of that Capitol, right? Which sort of, exactly. they call it an insurrection, so, but there were actually people there that were permitted to speak. And then out of nowhere, she said the speeches got canceled. So my question is, were you a, yeah. a scheduled speaker? And two, do you know... Who decided that day to cancel the speak the speeches and why? So I, I I will say this I don't know who was supposed to cancel the speeches, but I I know that the when this was all going down on the agenda. Now I know there was a lot of misconceptions to begin with, where President Trump people were saying that he was demanding people to walk down to the Capitol, that it was his decision for them to walk down the Capitol. That's importantly false. Uh, on the agenda for the day. At the Ellipse, that was the first round of speakers that was limited. That was people like Don Jr., Kim Guilfoyle, the president, folks of that nature. 
that was what was limited there. That was ran by women for Trump on the agenda. The next part of the day was a peaceful march down to the Capitol. That wasn't planned by President Trump. That wasn't, uh, you know, something that he said, you guys are going to do this. This was something that was agreed upon by the event organizers because the second round of speakers, there was a stage that was set up, I believe, uh, on the Supreme Court side. I believe it was set up right near the Supreme Court. Um, and it was permitted. Um, and it was planned for weeks. And I was a part of that group. I was going to be speaking there. It was the Stop the Steel rally. Uh, never happened because of the fact that this violence came it came to be where people started, you know, doing their thing at the Capitol, breaking in the Capitol, these certain actors. Uh, but yes, there was supposed to be a second round of speakers. It was permitted. It was allowed. The You know, whoever's in charge of that in D.C. permitted that. Um, you know, and that's all I can say on the matter. But it got canceled. I was en route to that. I didn't even know that this was going on when I left my hotel until I'm in traffic. Because police cars are flying left and right trying to get to the Capitol. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I pull up my Twitter and I'm seeing that the Capitol's under this situation. It's under, you know, the, under siege, as they call it. Uh, and so that sort of changed everything. And I think at that point in time, we started getting messages in. I got some text in the thread saying, guys, we're canceling it. There's chaos down here. Don't come to the Capitol. Um, so, I mean, there was efforts there, right? Nobody that was involved with that, you know, the Stop the Seal event. To my understanding, and I still believe this to this day, we're involved in any of that. This took me by surprise. It took everybody else by surprise. We weren't expecting this. Uh, so I'll leave it at that. But, yo, know, thank you for that question because a lot of people have had very similar interactions. People I've talked to who were supposed to speak that day. We're all come to the same conclusions that this was weird. This wasn't on, you know, this wasn't on the docket. It's not like we went to D.C. to take over the Capitol or any BS like that. We were there to represent President Trump, to speak out there, to speak on what we believe, and that was it. Uh, I want to go quickly to, to, to Kyle, um, and in the meantime, Slayman will be preparing any new clips that come out so we can play them here live. We'll tweet them out and, and go through them. Uh, but Kyle, I think going to answer a few points that we just made, but also the question I asked earlier that Brian uh, responded to, and about the shaman uh, shaman's video. Yeah, so one way or another, that video should have been available to his defense. Doesn't sound like it was because we haven't seen it put out in a big way, and I'm sure it would have been if it came out of the courthouse. So that's part one. All like the fact of the matter is, is if, if due process is followed, the guy has to have a, yeah, the so, ability so to that, mount that a question, defense. Yeah, legally, shouldn't he have access to that footage, or is there legal grounds where he, they, the, 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 the the defendant might not have access to all the footage needed? So uh, do they sure have the right have not to give him access for... to everything? No, Go they ahead. don't. Um, not as far as I understand it. Like if that was out there and they knew about it, then that's going to be a serious problem. So theoretically, that they, they could claim they didn't know it and they didn't see it because they didn't comb through all those hours of footage. You know, there may be some technical argument there. Um, they're going to probably make an argument for a mistrial, I assume, or some sort of a, or it'll go into an appeal one way or another. There should be something to that, but that's part of it. Um, but the bigger piece is, and I know you've had uh, Chris Palumbi in your space before, and it sounds like he's going to come in and join in a little bit. So he's a former will, yeah. uh, U.S. Capitol Police officer. And the thing that he and I both agreed on, because I, I wanted other people to hear it out and say, you know, am I a crazy person? I spent five years working in D.C. I spent a bunch of time working big national events like this. I was at Trump's inauguration. I had passes and, and I was around doing things for Biden's inauguration. Um, I was there for the State of the Unions for four years. And the FBI has a huge response that is quarterbacked by DHS, specifically the Secret Service. And I, I want people to understand how unusual it would be to have an event of this magnitude with a crowd expected of this magnitude and not have it declared what's called an NSSE. And Chris affirmed that he also believes that this would have been the right thing for this. Why they didn't do it is anybody's speculation. It's what the, the actual discussion should be 
as far as security failures, because when you don't plan for a big event like this, then you do leave police officers vulnerable to potentially making the best of a bad situation. If there's only 200 officers and 2000 people trying to break into a building, it's bad. And, and an NSSE, so people understand what it is, it stands for National Special Security Event. It is by statute and by executive order, uh, quarterbacked by the Secret Service, because there's going to be people involved in that. And it involves every federal agency you can imagine and all the local ones as well in D.C. These are not things that happen outside of D.C., but they happen a couple times a year. The example that I've always given is like the July 4th parade that happens in D.C. Tons of people gather on the mall. The possibility of something bad happening to people who are innocent is real. So they have this full court press and, you know, the overtime is authorized and, and they set up a command post where all the different federal agencies and all the local assets are in there quarterbacking it so that they have an organized response. So there is not chaos. They have riot police on standby. They have uh, nuclear and uh, chemical and biological troops on standby. They have the Department of Energy out doing sweeps to make sure there's no dirty bombs. They have the FBI's uh, dive team that is like looking at underneath the, all the bridges to make sure nobody blows up a bridge. They've got Park Police helicopters from the United States Park Police, Department of Interior. Literally every agency you can think of. And Capitol Police is a big piece. And the D.C. Metro Police is a big piece. And they all are out there in coordination, being quarterbacked by Secret Service to handle the business of the federal government, which is keeping people safe for their First Amendment rights to either protest or assemble. That's what they do. And when you had this number of things that were scheduled for the steps of the Capitol, the idea that this was not an NSSE is unconscionable. It's, it's setting everybody up for danger. And so everything after that flows from a failure in the intelligence and from a failure in the law enforcement security posture. And then all the things that happened bad, you know, whatever it is. And since then, and it doesn't matter whether it was intentional or not. I'm not making an argument that it was intentional. But it is really strange. And it's also very unusual because this is not something that's a big deal. You just call it like the Washington field office of the FBI has a squad that does this full time, like a half dozen to a dozen agents that literally quarterback these types of things all the time. They have a command post room that's set up. They can walk in at any moment and they can do them impromptu. And it's where they ended up going during January 6th anyway. So the fact that this wasn't pre thought out is a massive failure, like I said, intentional or otherwise. So that goes to Mike's point earlier about government apparatus working involved, whether they're whether it was because they were doing it on purpose or not. It, it actually doesn't matter to me as somebody who's been on the ground there. It's still a failure and it leads to people getting hurt. It's really bad. Can I ask Kyle? Well, Kyle, Kyle Mario, can I ask Kyle? Would you have? Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll look at, I'll give you William. I'll give you the mic to ask a question. Just there's uh, for anyone listening. Um, the team is just working out. Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you the mic next, William. Uh, but just for the for the for anyone listening, uh, so it's, uh, Tucker did say that the footage was not made publicly available to the defendants of the July six. Uh, the July six is the January six incident. Let me fix that up. Um, so I'm just going to tweet the video. I'm going to start adding clips now in the thread, and I'll pin it above in about two minutes. Uh, but William, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just okay. I'm just curious. Um, when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening, Trump unilaterally had helicopters flying over just 100 feet over protesters, had armed guards on every single Capitol monument, you know, unilaterally locked down the entire city. And Trump is, at the end of the day, the one who organized the speech uh, that he spoke at at the Capitol, which, which directed people to march to Congress uh, and, and to, quote, fight for the election, which he claimed was stolen. So how do you reconcile, how do you put this on the Speaker of the House when Trump in the past took complete control of the entire situation, had armed guards completely storm the entirety of D.C., called in the National Guard, had helicopters flying over protesters, or shooting them with tear gas and other, and other weapons? What, 
how do you blame oh, wait, that wait, 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 on that's, anyone that's besides a really, Trump? That's a really easy question. The answer is because Nancy Pelosi and, and the Senate Sergeant of, at Arms don't have jurisdiction over Portland. Okay, it's pretty Nancy easy. Pelosi okay. Has and the other thing is, the Capitol Police. The Capitol there was, there was what, what we know now is that there was a massive schism between the between the the response days in advance by Nancy Pelosi and the Senate and the in the uh, the Lieutenant at Arms in charge of security at, at the local level at the at the Capitol Police level versus what the federal agencies knew and were saying and were communicating. Mike, you Mike, have, you're using a bunch a of words to say nothing. You're using a bunch of words to say nothing. Trump no, well, I've, well so first of all, William... I've, already re- I've already refuted what you just said about why is it that it's different that Trump didn't, you know, exert, you know, this sort of long arm jurisdiction over Capitol Police to supersede what was happening at the you actual congressional security you, level. You've not, you've not no, I didn't say Trump... nothing. I literally, you, you tried to say that police jurisdiction over Portland in the case of. Uh, in the case of calling the BLM, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not there. talking but, but about way, Portland. No, no, I'm not no, talking no, about. I'm, I'm, no, I, I'm asking Kyle a question, by the way. I mean, I think that was not, not, you know, uh, I've, I've made my response there, and if you want to ask a follow up, you can. But I want to, I want to ask this of Kyle because Kyle, I believe, has a lot of valuable knowledge here, and I want to hear his insight. So, can I what, pause you for uh, a second Kyle, before are, you do that? Because sure, it, it sounded like William was asking me how I make that justification. I didn't okay. say that Nancy Pelosi was involved in any of that. And for me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it was sure. a failure of Bill Barr. It doesn't matter whether it was a failure of the Secret Service director or uh, the, you know, the the director of uh, the DHS. Like none of these things matter. Like cabinet level positions could have made the mistake. It could have been done at a lower level. The fact that it didn't happen is my point. Um, and I'm coming at it because I don't care who's politically to blame. Like I don't, I don't have a a single horse in this race other than I want things to be done correctly and I want cops to be safe and I want protesters to be able to do protests. And I want people that commit crimes to be able to prosecute, you know, be prosecuted for their crimes. So that's where I'm coming from. I just want to make that real clear up front. If you want Brian, to ask something else. By, thank by you. By that. Brian, I've got a question for you before we go to the videos. There's a video of, uh, come out from um, Chuck Schumer. And he says that Rupert Murdoch has a special obligation to stop Tucker Carlson from going on tonight and reporting. Do you think that journalists should be stopped in this manner? Or is it is it is it because... You think it's okay because it's in misinformation? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, so, so I, I, I think that Tucker Carlson isn't a journalist. So, I, I if he was, if he was lying. Wait, wait, know, Brian. Not, not, to, not yeah. to interrupt you, but important context is Tucker Carlson has admitted in court that he's not a journalist. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I mean, it's entertainment. Fox says. I think it would be nice for them to maybe call themselves Fox Entertainment rather than Fox News, especially during those primetime hours. Uh, but but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I think people should be shut down, but I think there needs to be a disclaimer of some sort so that people, a lot of people watch Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, and think that everything that's being said is factual rather than opinions and skewed biases. I think, I think everyone, but I think, uh, Are you I think, Simon, I think everyone... No, I think not. everyone agrees that the, the, the every single network does this. Even fucking newspapers yeah. do it. Show but me you want Tucker to be singled out. Show me a it's not document. a journalist. So on a, Show me on a, a document where it's where you have people in on CNN or MSNBC saying that they were knowingly allowing lies on their broadcasts. George Floyd um, riots so, so, were peaceful protests. Brian, remember that they were peaceful protests. There were I want to go to. I mean, I mean, uh, so I, I want to go, go, I wanna go to Chris. Completely... Oh, sorry, Mario. Yeah, I was going to say what you were going to say, Mario. I don't, I, I know, I know because like basically Brian's more of a dem, so he thinks the other side are. 
propaganda do propaganda and then people from the other side think that the other side do propaganda but for someone who just watches both sides all i see is the fox basically are like representatives of the republican party and uh, the only difference is that when it comes to democrats they've got nearly every other channel who represent them and give them free access and completely proliferate their views so essentially that's what us media is you guys don't have an unbiased media so i think that's an unfair criticism it's just because of one oh yeah no, no. I, I i agree every media is biased but every media organization doesn't have text messages that are on display in a lawsuit suit showing that they knowingly allowed lies on their broadcast. Well, that's because they're probably and, not smart uh, over there, that's why. Yeah, so I, I want to quickly go to, to Chris. Chris, um, while we're waiting for more footage to come out, um, I want to go to the the footage of the shaman walking around with the with the um, Capitol Police. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this. I know we discussed it yesterday, but my question to you is, going back to the testimonies, let me see where my notes are, in which the police said that they stopped arresting uh, uh, protesters and because they were outnumbered and they were, they were, you know, they, they just didn't see any, any benefit in doing so and they were a bit scared as well. Chris? Hey, yeah, sorry, sorry for getting here a little bit late. Um, first, before I jump yes, into that, I just want to, just want to clarify one thing real quick. I know, um, I, I think it was William, uh, when I hopped on was talking about, you know, why couldn't Trump just shut down everything? It's the, it's the jurisdictions within D.C. There are so many police departments that are within a city. You have park police, you have MPD, you have Secret Service, you have FBI, you have Border Patrol, Metro Transit. Um, and the U.S. Capitol Police, they're the only ones who have jurisdiction on Capitol grounds. So it has to go through them. And like I said, and I, I talked about this a little bit last night, but it goes through, you know, there's so many bureaucratic layers to get things done and approved within the city of D.C. And I know this from myself from working there from state of the unions and many uh, many events where we did have multi-jurisdictional, multi-agency responses uh, being planned for many events. So, you know, while the U.S. Capitol Police Chief, I know Chief Sund, uh, you know, I, I just ordered his book, hopefully comes in tomorrow. I'm looking forward to reading it finally. But I know that he requested uh, assistance uh, about five or six times and was shot down every time. Um, and again, it, there's a lot of layers with there, too. But, you know, regarding that, there, the planning stages, we talked about this literally yesterday, too, the operational part of what happened that day was complete and utter failure uh, regarding the planning stages. You know, they should have much more robust citywide, like I said, multi-jurisdictional, multi-agency response that they have done so many times in the past for many other events. Um, you know, they could have park police, MPD, ATF, FBI, Border Patrol, Metro Train. Like I said, so many of them in the surrounding jurisdictions provide staffing to backfill and have more of a robust and penetrable line around the Capitol building. Um, and the chief could have sworn other law enforcement officers from other jurisdictions. Like I know we had some from Maryland State Police who uh, then Governor Hogan uh, granted to come over, uh, but they were sworn in after the fact to help out on the Capitol grounds. Um, so like I said, it was a failure of bureaucracy, a lot of failure in layers. Now, going back to what he said about the uh, shaman video, um, watching a little bit of that late last night uh, from Tucker, and it was very interesting because you do see uh, that you do see him walking around uh, Jacob Chansley being escorted, uh, which I thought well, that was very interesting, uh, especially many scenes where he was by himself. Uh, so, again, I have a few questions about that about my, uh, myself. I'm, I'm kind of pinging some of the officers there, too. Uh, from my time working there with the uh, Standard Operating Procedures SOPs, um, you know, what they did necessarily wasn't too bad. But again, I'm not sure exactly what was going on with those particular officers and why they did what they did. And and, and you see the video, it looks like they opened the door to the Senate chambers. Uh, so again, I have a lot of questions regarding that. I'm, I'm pinging a few people that I know to get a little more details and information, particularly regarding that instance. 
Chris, can, can I ask you a question? Like from your experience, and, and, and I mean, I know it might be difficult to answer, but from your experience, is there any glaring issues that you can think of? You know, you, you mentioned the bureaucratic hurdles, et cetera, et cetera. If, if you were able to make recommendations to, let's say, Congress to make changes to make sure something like this doesn't happen again, what would, from your experience as a Capitol Police officer, what would those recommendations be? Uh, yeah, so, Absolutely. Chris, I'd love you to ask. You, I'd love you to answer, uh, answer that question, but also, I want to add another question to it because it relates to one of the points you said. Um, so you're going to have two two things to answer. In terms of opening the the door to the Senate chambers, I'm just thinking maybe the police know there's no one there. And they're showing him, hey, there's nobody there, and they're trying to convince him to come out. I'm just trying to. It, it, I'm just trying to make the point that there's various explanations. It does look very odd. Um, and it, I, when I first saw it, it kind of had that bit of a shock factor. But I'm just trying to look at it from different perspectives. So um, we'd love to yeah, see if yeah. you, you think that perspective this is one... fair, and then we'll go to. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, go I ahead. I'll, yeah, go ahead. I'll, Brian, you can add your point, and then we'll go back to Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they were basically trying to make sure he didn't go into areas where Congress people were, and. The fact that he wasn't going in that direction, they continued to stick by him as as they got orders from whoever their supervisors were. So I, I, I don't think that every every one of the theories that people come up with is necessarily something that's like this. What this was conspiracy so, so yeah, just Brian, just quickly. No, no, I want to quickly go to Ian. Sorry, Chris, I'll go back to you because I know that that's, uh, also asked you a question. I asked you a question, but just on this point, Ian, when you first saw it, because I remember when we were doing a space about a different topic and you were very passionate about it. What's your theory? Because I've never asked you that question. What's your theory on just purely that footage of the shaman being escorted by the police, well, if you have one? Well, um. My opinion on this, and obviously it's my opinion, right? So, is that it? It 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 destroys the narrative that he was storming the Capitol, that he was this violent offender, that he needs to go to jail for years and years and years. That's you know, this stuff should have been provided to the defense, and they made him a sort of the face of the insurrection. You know, I mean, the guy is dressed like a barbarian. Of course, he's scary. He's big. He's tall. You know, it, it serves a narrative, a, a singular narrative that the whole, you know, the whole of January 6th is full of crazy barbarians, vandals at the gate. You know, it, it's, it has a symbolic meaning to it. That was what it was. And, and the fact that they suppressed this footage, I do believe it was suppressed. I don't think that, uh, you know, if you want to prosecute someone, right, you're going to go through as much footage as you can, find as much bad stuff as you can to prosecute the person. You will have the manpower for it and the justice. The same, the same thing, the that. same thing, the, fo- the same thing Fox News did, the committee did, other media outlets will do most likely. But if the question, so do you have, what are your thoughts on exactly, why do you think, or you could just say, I have no idea and I'm not going to speculate, but why honestly, do you think the police officers honestly, were escorting no him around? I, think, I don't think the cops were in on it. I don't think they were, you know, being told to, to create this narrative. I don't think anyone really had, yeah, because it, Ian, because it fights, it, it, yeah, and it goes against the narrative for one, because I, I was, if you, if you had that theory for, they were planting, you know, trying to create a narrative, my answer would be like, but they're being filmed, and the footage is still there, no one wiped it, so it eventually came out, so yeah. I believe the narrative was, yeah, that's a good point. But I also believe that the conditions were set for this to happen, right? Anything could have happened, and the fact is, and this is undeniable, this, you know, that they were just understaffed, they didn't have the proper equipment, they should have prepared for this. I mean, they were told to prepare for this for weeks, for days and weeks. They were told to prepare for this, and they just didn't. And you know, I'm not blaming each individual officer at all. I think the people in charge of them, people like Pelosi, have a lot of questions they need to answer. 
And, you know, the January 6th committee was supposed to be that inquiry, right? It was supposed to get those answers, but instead mm. all we had was a kangaroo court where they used it to attack the political right. That's all they used it uh, for. It was, uh, it was uh, a uh, joke. Uh, I want to go back to Chris because I know Chris will ask you a couple of questions and Slaman will be we'll be going through clips um, in a bit which is going through what's worth uh, noting and what's worth discussing but Chris would love you to answer you know give us your thoughts but also answer all sources question my question and any anything that Brian or Ian said yeah yeah I appreciate it. I've been taking my notes too so hopefully I'm, I'm not missing anything but if I do definitely let me know but going back to the first one regarding uh, well going back to you Mario what your question was and I'll go back to um, the first question about suggestions, but, you know, again, take a look at it and from, from the officers that I've spoken with who were on the ground that day and what they experienced and chatting with them, uh, the radio was very chaotic. So it could have been one of those things too, where they had to make discretion, uh, knowing what was going on. And they said, Hey, well, you know, we're going to just follow this guy around. We're going to escort him around and around the building. Uh, he wasn't doing anything. And you can see through the video it was not appearing that he was damaging anything, but at least they had eyes on, eyes and ears on him the whole time. And maybe they would have known that, you know, there wasn't anything going on in the Senate chambers at the time. Everything prior was going on on the House side. Uh, so, again, it, it's, it, it could have just been discretion on the officer's part. But, again, I can't say for sure. Um, but uh, but going back to, you know, with, with the charges, I mean, take a look at the video. You know, just like Ian said, uh, if you're watching the video, it's hard to believe that they would charge him with anything. I do know that uh, 18, uh, you know, U.S. Code 18, Section 1505, it outlaws obstructing congressional or federal administrative proceedings, which is a crime punishable by imprisonment uh, by not more than five years. And I believe it's not more than eight years if the offense involves domestic or international terrorism. But uh, so, of course, with the, the House being in session, that was a charge. And I know talking a little bit with, uh, you know, when, when Brendan Strzok was on last night about his charges uh, and, and as there were so many other people who were charged, uh, unfortunately, as, as we, we unfortunately know, the federal government has an unlimited financial purse uh, when it comes to lawsuit at the expense of the taxpayers. Uh, so, you know, again, that's why I like to, you know, chat with Brandon and, and a few others to, to hear their stories of, you know, those who pled guilty, you know, could have been because of that aspect, the costs and expenditures maybe did not weigh. But nevertheless, I'm, I'm going a little bit, but going back to the suggestions and recommendations. And I talked to a couple of former uh, officials and supervisors and former police chiefs as well regarding this. And there seems to be a very good consensus that, the big issue, especially moving forward, and, I, and this, this is why I find so infuriating with the January 6th committee. You think it would have been set up to to really go through the details, to figure out what happened, why they happened, and, and provide solutions for the one department that they run to not allow this to happen again in the future, and they did not. But one recommendation that, that like I said, from other people I spoke with in the department, and in my experience personally too, is – you have to take a look at the structure of the U.S. Capitol Police Board. And I think it's time that they have some other commission or commissioner be in charge of the U.S. Capitol Police and the commissioner of the police who is then accountable for both the House and Senate. Um, and, and because right now, like I said, you have you know, the U.S. Sergeant Arms, the, the House Sergeant Arms, the architect of the Capitol even has mutual say in how the police departments run. And if any one of those four say one thing, then it goes. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, I know. You have members of Congress who have much power and say over the sergeant in arms of how they can, you know, have influence over the police department, too. And I think that needs to be separated a little bit to make sure that the police chief or commissioner uh, has a little more say with with overseeing that one department. Um, I think I answered all the questions. If not, let me know. Uh, also, something breaking here. It's a bit unrelated, uh, but Tucker Carlson texted a producer, quote, we are very very close to being able to ignore Trump most nights. I truly can't wait. I hate him passionately. So they were just released 
uh, from the defamation lawsuit. It's like there's two stories happening that just contradict each other. Um, and don't, don't, don't actually relate directly because January 6th is unrelated to what Fox is doing here, but the reporting itself. Uh, but I do want to go to um, Slayman. Slayman, I know there's a new clip. I'd love to you to, to talk about the new clip we just tweeted. Let me pin it above uh, just for the um, for the audience to go through it. But uh, what's the second clip that you've tweeted, uh, Slayman? Oh, he's not there. Um, so for everyone there, I think he's just working in the background, getting more clips done. But for everyone there, um, I've just pinned it above. Uh, clips from um, the Tucker's reporting and we'll be going through when we get footage we'll be posting it uh, immediately but otherwise I'd like to go to Mike Mike I saw you on mute a few times oh yeah so my question was actually to Chris and Kyle about um, uh, you know given given your guys's sort of specialized knowledge on this and what we were just talking about the security situation with this schism between what was happening with the Capitol Police uh, on the on the premises and what was known by the federal agencies. Are you aware that the DC fusion cell with uh, Donnell Harvin, uh, Donnell Har- Harvin at the DC fusion uh, center there in DC, uh, had called hospitals in advance of the uh, in advance of January sixth, I believe, on January third, uh, warning uh, warning them to stock up on blood because there was a possibility of a mass casualty event. And that they had organized a, basically a bunch of meetings with all the fusion centers in uh, key hotspots around the country and, ha- and came to a consensus belief that there was going to be an attack on the Capitol uh, uh, almost, almost at exactly 1 o'clock p.m., which, is, which coincided with the actual time of the actual attack when it happened. And uh, as well as the uh, the Jeffrey Rosen Attorney General's uh, sort of you know, response uh, from January third to January sixth, uh, and my my question is is uh, do you do you find um, when, when you hear those data points about the role of the of, of the the DC uh, fusion centers there, and then also with the role of of DHS, I'm, I'm curious if if that factors into any of your sort of assessment of explanations for security lapse and if that's just one more curious data point or if there's something specific about uh, the interplay uh, between the agencies there that you can, you can add. I think it's a failure. I think it's like, I think that's what it tells us, right? There was overall failure, whether that was because it was intentional or not, we can't actually assign animus to it because we don't have that information. What we do know is there's no reason why somebody would not have looked at those events and anybody who can recall being in that area, like I said, I worked in the area. I got leave on that day. I was on leave on January 6th. I was out doing some personal training for the next two days. And there's no reason why if they actually had done what, what they should have, which is declare an NSSE, there's no reason why my leave should have been approved. Like that's usually, you know, immediately it's like, sorry, your leave is now unapproved. And I would have had to reschedule the training that I went to. But that's not what happened. We were allowed to go. There were people that took leave. There were people that took leave specifically to attend the event that were federal law enforcement officers. And and, and to the point, and I think Chris might be able to answer this in a little bit way. I don't want to discount the, the Fusion Center information, but the answer is, is like, you know, if you believe that there was going to be a critical event, then you would call around and tell the, tell the hospitals to stock up on blood products and staff up for potential casualties and, and staff up for, you know, potential trauma treatments. That's normal. That's what you normally do when you have big <laughs> events. They just... They get standbys and they get people ready to go and they call in the on-call staff and they beef up hospitals. They beef up paramedic systems. They beef up the federal law enforcement. That is the normal move. Why that didn't get done across the board in a unilateral way, I don't know, but I know it didn't. We already know that it didn't. Some people got information. Some did not. 
Um, but what I'd be curious to, to kind of push this over towards Chris again, because I have an experience with federal law enforcement in D.C. and also local law enforcement. And they're a mixed bag of left and right politically, when, whether they vote Democrat or Republican kind of depends on the way they grew up and where they grew up. But overwhelmingly, the people in the federal system, in my experience, tend to lean more right. And I would call it probably a three to one, maybe a four to one sort of ratio of conservative, but libertarian conservative. They're not like real political in the in the uh, in a vocal way. But they generally speaking, they want law and order. They're going to be behind the cops. They're going to probably be um, maybe not Republicans in name, but they they want the, the policies that come out of the Republican Party slightly more than they want the Democrat Party. This is just kind of the way that law enforcement across the country tends to be. That's not like a real controversial statement, I wouldn't think. But I'm curious because every department has its own kind of bend. And there are certainly more left leaning departments. I'm curious if the Capitol Police and my interactions with them is probably like less than a dozen guys. So I couldn't say in any big way. Chris, in your experience, did they lean one way or another? Did cops, did they lean like cops do, or did they lean a different way because they were in such close quarters to both parties? Just if you can speculate on that a little bit. That's yeah, a good well, question. My experience, my experience is pretty, pretty balanced uh, from a lot of the people that I work with. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty, pretty balanced. You have people with very diverse backgrounds, very diverse political leanings as well. Um, but, you know, going back to what you were talking about, um, regarding uh you know what happened i i think when it comes to intel and the various agencies uh it's, it's just failure like like Kyle said a failure of sharing information and sharing data and the execution of it as well um going back again like like i said earlier chief sun requested how many times five six times for additional resources and help and was rejected um why so and, and later on we found out from the from the j6 uh hearings that um FBI failed to give him some of the intel information they had. Why didn't they if this was such a big issue, as you said, especially with hospitals apparently stocking up and wanting to have uh, blood stocked up as well? So, like I said, it's, it's a failure of bureaucracy at various different levels. And before I go to uh, – uh, yeah, I'll go to William and then also – so I know you've got a few points that you made yesterday also, so that will be good to – to mention them again to Kyle about the response being heavy-handed and that you know you weren't too surprised at the response uh, on January 6th. But before that, I've just released a new video on the thread. So there's no footage, nothing too major yet. Uh, but the third video that's pinned above in that thread, uh, Tucker says the following. Um, Tucker Kyle, I'm, I'm straight out the tweet. Uh, he said that Republican um, minority leader Mitch McConnell and other Republicans, including Mitt Romney, engaged in trying to stop him releasing the videos. And he quotes... He says the following, quote, they are there on the same side. Um, would love any thoughts on this. But William, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to remind everyone that during this, this time, Donald Trump was in charge of executing and enforcing the laws of the, of the United States. And like I said before, I, I don't want to sound like a, you know, just repeating myself, but it, this whole this whole situation was not exactly a, a, a surprise. I, I'm not really supposed to say this, but I had been working um, – with members and federal law enforcement and, and feeding them information about what was happening. Because to me, it was very obvious that there was going to be something bad that was going to happen on January 6th. I didn't know exactly what it was, but based on just internet chatter and stuff I was seeing online, it was very, very obvious that there was a big, uh, you know, that, that a lot of people are going to see to DC. They're not happy about the election. Trump's telling them that it's fake. And then he's telling them to fight for their, you know, for their quote unquote rights that he's kind of misled them into believing um, so I, I guess one, it wasn't a surprise that all this happened. Anyone paying attention in politics, anyone who monitors, you know, th these types of forums where these people hang out knew that, that there was a, a big event that was going to happen that day and the bad things were going to happen. 
So it wasn't a surprise. And then I think the question becomes, so why, why was this failure? Like, you know, why did that happen in the first place? And in order to imply there's some big conspiracy that the Capitol Police was letting people in or, you know, I, I see all these conspiracies from right wingers saying that, you know, th this was a, an attempt to frame Republicans, which I'll remind you again, the initial conspiracy was that was, this is actually Antifa and it wasn't, you know, the stories continuously changed over time. But the current conspiracy is that, you know, that that somehow people in the deep state were you know, conspired to allow these rioters to make a fool of themselves and, you know, to, to break into the Capitol and try to commit an insurrection. Um, but the reality situation is, you know, where would these commands be coming from other than the chief executive in charge of enforcing these laws? Like the, yeah, can, really? I, can I take this one? Can I take this one? I would actually love to right. weigh yeah. in on this. Trump yeah, so we'll go. We'll go with Mike. Uh, uh, we'll go on, on this one, Mike, and then Derek. I know you've been waiting for a while, and I would love Heather's thoughts okay. as well. Uh, Mike, do you want to kick it off? Sure. And I got a jet after this, so I'll drop down. To, I'll drop down yeah, after cool. I make this this statement. Yeah, so, sure, um, nice. perfect. So, you know, uh, William, with all due respect, um, you know, uh, if you think uh, maybe you haven't spent a lot of time in government, but uh, I can tell you, somebody, you know, in, in the State Department, Trump didn't run the State Department just because you're. You know, on paper, it says you're the chief executive of the United States. If you don't think the concept of, of, you know, disagreement from below or, uh, or pockets of the federal government, uh, simply doing their own thing or making their own policy or, or executing in their own way or basically mutineering or, or trying to, uh, you know, take action upward isn't a thing, then, uh, you know, then this must be your first week around here. I mean, this is just this is just this was the story of the Trump administration. This happened in the Defense Department. This happened in the State Department. This happened at DHS. This happened at the FBI. It happened everywhere. If that was if, if what you're saying is the case, then the entire Mueller investigation couldn't have been possible because didn't Trump wasn't Trump, you know, the executive during the time when the Justice Department was. So what you had there is you you had by your logic. The entire church committee of the 1970s shouldn't have happened either because everything that the CIA and the DOD and the NSA and the IRS were doing to left-wing student groups on college campuses that came out in Ramparts Magazine and a do dozen other places couldn't have been possible either. And Mike, in fact, Mike, when you actually you're, go back and look at the church committee this. hearings, what you, last, last thing this. I'll say, last thing and then last thing I'll go. No, 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 no. I'm going to say this last thing. You're going to listen. Okay. In 1972, a very similar thing happened at the U.S. Capitol. Okay. And you can find this in the church committee records. Okay. The, the, the U.S. military under the Joint Chiefs of Staff was caught doing an operation to frame anti-war protesters as a, as violent, uh, as turning violent for an attack on the Capitol. This is in 1972. Okay. And these records were, were, were culminate, were made public as part of the church committee hearings. And what you saw there was a situation where you had a foreign policy establishment who saw a populist political movement and sought to organize and amplify and create a crisis level event that would be used to discredit politically in order to protect at the funding, at the legislative and at the political level. Given how, how much, uh, corruption there has been around the events around January 6th to date, I think not only is it within the realm of reason to contemplate that, I think that there is a compelling American duty to get to the bottom of it and make all records disclosed immediately. And with that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll part ways. Thanks, Mike. And before I go to Heather, just uh, briefly, I want to go to, to the audience. Uh, pinned above, there's a fourth tweet. Um, and in that tweet, I'm not sure if Simon can hear me, but he's the one uh, deal, uh, uh, tweeting all those. 
Uh, so Tucker claims that federal law enforcement knew what would happen on January 6th, but frontline officers had no idea what was coming. They were left unprepared. That, the question is, who is responsible? Real quick, I can verify. I don't know about the frontline officers not being informed, but I, I know with 100% certainty that federal law enforcement was very, very much aware. Um, and I, I, I do find it funny how that fact has turned into somehow there being a deep state operation to make you know, to make conservatives look bad versus a an operation by the guy who orchestrated this whole event and was the one claiming election fraud in the first place. Um, it, it's just it's a much more obvious explanation than these, you know, absurd conspiracy theories that it's just it, that, that it was to make everyone look bad and that Trump wasn't somehow involved with the event that he himself had spoken at and and essentially organized. Uh, so before going ahead there, I just want to welcome Tom to stage. Good to have you, man. Um, and I'll go to you in a bit. Heather, would love your thoughts. Hey, thanks, Mario. Um, so a couple things. First thing, I want to point out that I just dropped an article in the Nest that actually cites a timeline from the Capitol Police regarding January 6th, and it actually does confirm that the Trump administration reached out to them um, to ask them if they would need National Guard troops in anticipation of January 6th. So the idea that Trump didn't authorize those additional National Guard troops is not true. And the buck did stop stop with Nancy Pelosi due to jurisdictional issues, right? Like they had to sign off on it. And um, the second thing I'll say is going like when you think about the motive for January 6th, right? For a lot of people don't ask the question, what was about to take place on January 6th prior to these riots happening, right? And a couple things, like me personally, I spent a good chunk of my life actually covering the 2020 election investigations. And a lot of people don't know that seven different states um, in December of 2020 um, cast votes for both Joe Biden and Donald Trump in the Electoral College, right? It's a phenomenon known as dueling electors. And there's actually a legal framework that is supposed to happen when you have two different sets of electors. And I was in Georgia at the time, one of those states where they had two sets of electors. Um, and I interviewed people like Kelly Leffler, who was a senator at the time, who said on January 6th, she was going to vote to not certify the election results because of the fraud and all of the things that happened in her state. So on January 6th, had that riot not happened, the legal framework was about to be laid out before the country and all of these representatives and members of Congress from various states were about to lay out the fraud and the things that happened on a national stage. But for the events of January 6th, that conversation was never allowed to get had, right? And so I want to end with this third point, and it's a big red flag. When I was just recently in D.C. interviewing all these people there that day, one of the questions was brought on the east side of the Capitol, right? There's two different sides. There's west side, there's the east side, where people went into the building. On the east side, where some of them were scheduled to to speak, I guess there's these big, like, 20,000-pound brass doors that are supposed to be bolted and locked into the ground, but for certain occasions. And so there should be footage inside the Capitol that actually shows who unlocked those 20,000-pound doors because it could only be locked by somebody that would have done it from the inside. It wasn't people pushing in those 20,000-pound doors. So there's actually a lot of questions around why those people were let in and on the side with those doors was where some people like Dr. Simone Gold were scheduled to speak and permitted by the, the city to speak on those steps, 
but someone randomly canceled all of those speeches last minute and subsequently law enforcement, I'm being told by witnesses there, used flash bang grenades, right? And then the doors were open and people panicked and pushed in a mob form to get into the building in response to those flashbang grenades. So it's there's a lot of unanswered questions, but I just wanted to make those points that one, Trump called in for backup. Two, the day like the actual agenda for January 6th was to lay out what happened in 2020. And three, that those doors, those 20,000 pound doors, somebody knows who opened them. I was going to comment on that. I entered those doors. I entered, I entered on those doors on the east side that, that she's talking about. Um, there was definitely stages set up on the east side uh, for the speakers, uh, such as Dr. Simone Gold, Brandon Strzok. Some others were, were scheduled speakers on that side of the building. Um, the, the doors, uh, not only are they bolted and everything from the inside, they're also magnetic doors. Uh, those doors were 100%, and they open outward. So somebody, not only, not only are they hard to open, we would have had to have pulled them open. And as you know, you're, you have less strength pulling than you do pushing. Um, so they were open from the inside and swung outward. Um, the other thing I really wanted to touch on is uh, that is correct in terms of the certification uh, that Heather was talking about, the dual electors. But we do not need to give um, – we do not need to sit here and make excuses for the spineless jellyback rhinos who chose to not cert- – who chose to go ahead and certify a fraudulent election just because some people walked in the building. And, and we're giving we're – Derek, the election wasn't on fraudulent. On that regard. So, so, I, so if I may, if I may, I think – if, if, if I may. So – that wasn't me. Um what, what I would say is this. Look, so I always go back to, like, don't blame malice when it's incompetence, right? Like, was there confusion in January 6th and the federal government failed at both the D.C. Capitol and federal level? Yes. Well, that happens all the time. Like, so was there incompetence in this? Absolutely. But this idea that somehow this was a conspiracy egged on by the government like we're all ignoring the footages that we saw right we're all ignoring what we saw live on tv when it was from the washington memorial and then how the protests went to the capitol right so again i think there's valid questions and i think chris brought up excellent points that need to be addressed of like why this happened why was there a breakdown in communication the federal government has generally been contrary to belief has generally been very apprehensive until 2020 and 2021, to monitor domestic terrorism. That has been something that has been very politicized in how people track domestic terrorism or violent extremist organizations inside the U.S., regardless of the political ideology, because it's so politicized. And so that could have led to a lot of the breakdown of communication within the federal government, the D.C. police. Another important point, Joe has sent this to me, and I know Mario also sent it to me, an article from USA Today saying that Nancy Pelosi was not in charge. This is a USA Today article. They did an investigation on this. Nancy Pelosi was not in charge of the Capitol Police on January 6th in that specific day. Well, that's I, like, that's I want to point out, too, though, that and, the federal but, government, thanks to the Twitter files... Oh, so hold on, Heather. Sorry, but let, let me let me let me just finish this point. And then the last thing about the the electors. Okay, those electors were not certified by any state. No secretary of state certified any single elector, but the the, the Trump electors, right? They certified the ones in Georgia, Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona. All those electors that went for Biden, those were the ones that certified the state. You can't just randomly send electors and then try to claim, well, this is when we're going to do try to lay out the, what goes on. Well, because, by the way, let's not that. forget. Hold on. Let me let, let, let's not forget. Let's not forget. 
The Trump campaign in 2020, after the election, had dozens of legal cases, dozens of legal cases laying out why they think this election was fraudulent. None of them. You could say it was procedural. There was also factual claims. There's also testimony. There's also transcripts from Giuliani saying that they were not going to argue about the fraudulency of an election, but more technicality. That, of that's the, a totally of the different debate, system. though. You're, you're getting in the weeds now. That has, that's, no, Derek, Derek. No, that's we not can, the weeds, no, but listen, that's what caused disagree. it. You went to, you yeah, went but exactly. to the you Congress because and listen, to this day, Derek, and to this day, Derek, to this day, to this day, you can disagree. Nobody while I went there. has that's proven. Fine. You no, that's nobody. Fine. You cannot use the notion of corrupt elections that, to utilize fine. that as a justification when it hasn't been proven to this date. It wasn't. That, that's fine. You can. I love you. I love you. It has been proven. But, but listen, you, you can disagree with that. That's perfectly fine. But that's irrelevant in the grand scheme of things as to the events that took place on that day. I'm not going to sit here and argue about whether the election was stolen or not. You have your beliefs. I have mine on that, and that's perfectly fine. But one of the bigger points we're missing right now off of the the Tucker series that just happened in part two is that this police officer, for the simple fact of wearing a MAGA hat and having a picture of that, has had his life ruined and lost his pension over this for wearing a MAGA hat for a few minutes controlling the crowd. If that is not evidence that this is exactly, you know, out to get President Trump and they don't care who else they get in the process. I don't know what is. This is sad. You guys should be sad right now that this man, 22 years and lost his pension over a picture with a MAGA hat. And, and, and then to even compare this to terrorism and everything is just insanity. And, you know, it's, it's Derek, can you say so that police officer, was he there? On his, I have a question about this police officer. No, I really want to get into this. It's comical. I want to get into this. No, we, we don't want to get into this. Oh, hold on, hold on, guys. No, 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 hold on. This is important. One point. One this, point. this is important. So, I'll let, we'll let, okay, so guys, 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 everyone. Okay, so we'll get Derek. I'll let you finish. And then also, so I'll let you respond. And then, Tom, I know you want to jump in. Yeah, what, one sentence. And I'll, I'll, I'll land it there. Um, it's, it's comical to me that you and so many others in here try to tell me why I went there and what I did on that day and what happened that day. You weren't there. Sorry, you can read all the headlines from the mainstream fake news media that you want to. You were not there. You don't know what was going on in my head or my heart on that specific day. But I can tell the audience there's a video pinned to the top of my Twitter feed right now. You can watch me thank a police officer for his service and give me a fist bump. And I was facing 24 years in prison for the video pinned to the top of my Twitter feed. You don't know why I was there or what happened that day. You are just reading headlines. You so, broke so into I the Capitol illegally. So, so to answer to that, Derek, I think this goes to my earlier comment, Mario, that I brought up yesterday, right? Like of how the federal government makes examples of people, right? And I think this is something that is very important to highlight. This is something that is very important. For decades, it has always been a conservative policy, law and order, right? The rule of law that has been the broken window theory. I mean, remember on Monday, I think it was, on, I think Mario was in one of your space where people were praising Giuliani because of an, how, how he was a very strong district attorney when he was mayor. It was about the broken windows. The most minuscule crimes, the smallest crimes possible must be held, must be punished with full severity and the force of law to maintain. Because if not, you have a breakdown in the rule of law. That has been the standard procedure of the federal government for the past 30 to 40 years. That has been the procedure. That has what both, especially conservative politicians, have advocated. And even in the 2022 election about crimes. And now the problem is when that exact same policy is utilized, because that's what's been advocated, has been utilized against people that are January 6th because they because the, the Capitol 
was they were trespassing in the Capitol, even if it's a misdemeanor. That principal conservative ideology of broken window and strong, long and order is now being utilized against January 6th. That was my problem with this whole argument. And that's why we go back when the federal government has done this for decades. But that has been always been pushed. And to the 2022 election has been advocated. Of course, the federal government is going to make an example of the January 6th, because obviously many elements of the federal government, both the legislative and the executive and the judiciary, probably don't want this to happen again because everybody remembers it. I'm not disputing your motives. I'm not disputing you're a red-blooded American that's patriotic, that loves your country. But the, but to criticize the federal government, to utilize the tools that were given to them for the past 30 years, and then look, at why are you using against me? There's tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Americans of all economic background, of social class race who have suffered this policy and that has never happened on this massive scale before. This is just silliness. I think it's a little bit This is just silliness. Hundreds of thousands of Americans have suffered the type of treatment the federal government as directed at the January 6th protesters. Look at marijuana. Hundreds of thousands of Americans. Drug wars, Tom. Drug wars. Drug wars. Yeah, I'm talking about drug wars. Yeah, I am. I understand what you mean. And you're making an absurd apples to oranges comparison. You're refusing to acknowledge that the Department of Justice has, by its own admission, and the FBI, by its own admission, engaged in the most, uh, the largest criminal investigation directed at a group of people in the agency's history. There's nothing to compare. And I agree with you that the Justice Department and the FBI play games and prosecutions and too often politicize particular prosecutions. But we've never seen this comprehensive sweeping type of prosecutorial abuse directed at political opponents of a president whose targeting is based on their First Amendment protected activity or I'll let you finish. Now. Go ahead. And I know I want to. So, Tommy, can finish. Then, of course, Brian and William, we could quickly respond before we go to Kyle. Uh, we engaged in the type of um, uh, protest activity, however illegal, that has never similarly been pursued against anyone else in, uh, in, uh, involved in similar type of activity, as we highlighted with Kavanaugh and such. And as typical, we're hearing leftists justify jailing their political opponents. And today we saw both in, frankly, the Democrat and the Republican leader of the House start pressuring uh, Fox News to suppress First Amendment protected speech about government activity and misconduct. Our First Amendment's under attack. People are being jailed for exercising their First Amendment activities. This is the most significant attack on the civil rights of Americans in modern history. Our republic is tottering. And we've got a lot of folks who otherwise think quite clearly on issues getting distracted by their own politics or intellectual points to avoid the crisis, the rule of law crisis we have with the Justice Department trying to jail you for being a Republican or being a conservative or being a Trump supporter. That's what it comes so if, down before to. Brian, or before Brian, Legate, I think I think Tom wasn't here when when I think the previous speaker, Derek. Uh, mentioned the church committees 
and the 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 anti-war protests in the 70s and 60s and the 70s. Tom, I think that is a perfect example when this has happened in the past and a lot more egregious. No, it isn't a perfect example. It isn't a perfect example. It's one thing to take an approach. Uh, guys, 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 guys. It's uh, one thing to take an approach. Can I interrupt you for a bit? Can you get him up? Uh, sorry, so, so guys, uh, uh, we'll move on just briefly. To, don't interrupt so, Ian, me, dude. Mario, I'm trying to tell you something. I said get Jim up. He's here. Like, yeah, why man, you because... fucking mute me when I'm speaking? Jesus Christ. I muted I muted everyone. There were four people speaking at the same time, and oh. the panel was full. I don't. I can't bring anyone because the panel was full. So, so not oh, every shit, time okay. interrupt this. Yeah, don't, don't stop the space every time to bring up Jim or 20 other people that are requesting no, to no, speak. No, no, no. I'm just letting you know. Um, yeah, but just, you know. just want to go, yeah. just want to go to Jenny. I know you've been waiting for a while, but before that... Um, Brian, I'll let you quickly respond to Tom, but keep it very quick because I want to move on to Kyle. And just for the audience, there is no footage yet released. So, um, so Tucker hasn't released any footage yet today from January 6th. Um, I'm not sure if we can get, we'll get more tomorrow. Um, he did say a few things that are worth watching. It's all part of the thread, but, uh, nothing, nothing juicy like yesterday, at least not yet. Uh, Brian, I'll let you quickly respond before we go to Kyle. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, to, to compare what happened on January 6th to, events that protect somebody's First Amendment rights. This this isn't First Amendment rights we're talking about. They literally broke into the Capitol building to end the certification of a free and fair Who, election with Who's weapons. They? Who's, Who's they? they? The people that broke in. Americans. But yeah, that, so, that, so that, some people broke in, others walked in. Go ahead, bro. So if we do not go after these people, with the full extent of the law, what is to stop the next election from having the same exact thing happen where people say, oh, it happened in 2020. Let's stop the certification of this election because I don't like who won this so actually, actually, that question, and, that question there, this, and, and I'll go back to you, Brock, because I know you want to make more points. That particular question, Kyle, because um, also talked about this yesterday. That, that, that whole point is disingenuous because they didn't go so, after – how so? Because of, you had the 2020 riots, and how many of those people are prosecuted? How many of those people landed prison time? I mean, you're, you're talking about concerns about about elections, blah blah blah, and then meanwhile cities are burning down, but nobody's prosecuted yeah, it, it, for it. I'm so, sorry I mean, don't tell me you're American concerned you about this you're, one thing. Cherish democracy like we do here in America. Oh yeah, but, yeah, sure, yeah. You, you got what do you think of what happened? Revolutions, the color revolutions in different countries. Right now, you're staging a fucking you, color revolution Ian, Ian, what, in Georgia. But you, what do you really Ian, care Ian, about democracy. Democracy yeah, is so important to fucking Americas. Ian, what do you guys, 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 all right, guys? Ian, what do you think of uh, what happened in uh, Brazil? And many people saying that that, that was, uh, you know, that what happened on January 6th kind of inspired them to try to repeat the same thing, and maybe other countries or others in the US. We'll try to, I would love your thoughts on that particular argument before I go to Kyle. Ian? Yeah, I think that's disingenuous. I think that the Brazilian government is just using that as an excuse to crack down on peaceful protests. I mean, there's a lot of footage showing that most people are peaceful and that there are agents provocateurs. I know, I know there's people in this chat who are going to be like, oh, but that's a conspiracy theory. No. Look, the Brazilian government used this as an excuse to crack down. They're like, oh, look, these people are inspired by uh, January 6th. They're contesting the election, blah, blah, blah. Most of those people that were rounded up were not engaged in any kind of violent activity. They're out in the open and they're all getting arrested. You know, there's no due process for any of these people. So I wouldn't say at all like they were inspired by J6. I mean, mass protests of this nature happen every 
time. Like every time there's an election in South America, this happens. So this idea that, you know, J6 inspired these people and therefore, you know, it's dangerous uh, uh, for, you know, for the J6ers to go unanswered, for their, you know, their, their actions to be unaccountable for, otherwise it's going to inspire revolutions worldwide. Absolute nonsense. Revolutions have happened, or not even revolutions, but protests of any sort, whether violent or peaceful, wasn't a protest. have happened throughout it's history. People breaking into a government building to overthrow... He's asking me about Brazil. Brian, you were not there. And he's also asking me about, you know, about Brazil. He's I, I mean, we talking about people breaking windows to get into the building. You were not there, so? Brian. I, I know I yeah, wasn't but, there, but there's videotapes, thousands of yes, hours. Yes, so there's of there's videotapes of people breaking windows. So therefore, you arrest everyone, and then and you don't give them due process. No, no. So I think yeah, uh, I think Brian's referring. Everybody. They didn't arrest yeah, so, anybody. So let me let me, let me go to Kyle. Kyle, I'd love your like, thoughts look, on this argument. There's I, I many wanna, points. I just want to give you a, a simple point. A simple point, Mario. Briefly, please. I would say the people who broke windows. Absolutely, you charge those people. Absolutely. But the other people who just happen to be there, are you seriously going to charge them as well? I mean, that is guilt by association. You don't do that. It's not guilt by association. They all went to the Capitol. They all went to the Capitol. They all went there to overthrow the government, to, to, to stop the no, election. No, no, no. no, no but I said, yeah, William, William, hold on. Hold on. Guys, guys, please. So, William, just a point there on that point you said. So, if a few of them that were leading the pact broke the window and eventually uh, the police opened up the door because they couldn't stop them anymore. And, you know, human mentality. If you see others walking in, you'd follow them through. Like, oh, everyone's walking in. It must be okay. And you saw in the videos, a lot of them were walking in just having a look. Those people, do you think they should be arrested? I'm not talking about the ones that, that led the charge. not talking about the ones that broke the window or punched the police officer, whatever they did. The ones that were in the background just, just doing what humans do and they follow suit. If, if I saw broken glass on the floor and people beating police officers with flagpoles and, and the entirety of the situation that, the, that all of America saw on video, by the way, it was very well documented by the people that were committing the insurrection. If I saw that and then went to the Capitol, absolutely, I would expect to be arrested. 100%. I think, I think and, and, and I would expect so, to go to jail for longer than they went to jail for. It's important to know. So, so, so Kyle, uh, no, no, Heather, Brian, uh, Derek. Look, just just because Kyle is not unmuting and interrupting doesn't mean he doesn't get the chance to speak. Kyle, I'd love your thoughts on that particular question because I think there's, there's it's kind of two extremes. On on one side, like hey, everyone's innocent, and I'm not saying two extremes here. I'm just saying in general. On one side, everyone's innocent, and they were trying to what they're doing is patriotic. And then on the other side, like arrest everyone. No one should have been on the premises. And would love your your stance on this and your position on this and and the points that Brian made after Tom spoke. Okay, there's a couple of pieces to it. First of all, Allsource said something really early on that I put my hand up about, which is that uh, the government is not comfortable with the politicization of um, counterterrorism investigations. And that's not my experience. I won't say that that's false. I'll say that that's not the way that I experienced it starting in 2017 when I started getting counterterrorism briefings. And they were all about right wing extremists and domestic violent extremists on the right exclusively. There was no other topic covered. I can also back that up by saying that I went to Portland and I was in the middle of those when they had riots for 100, you know, 100 nights. I was there for 10 or so of those nights uh, doing surveillance. And then I also was outside of the White House when uh, this was probably September of 2020, uh, when they ended up moving Trump into the bunker the next night or the next day I was out on the street in front of the White House. So there was violence that happened. Now, if everybody on the on the on the panel that's on the, the sort of leans left or as extreme left or whatever you want to say, if any of these people want to say that all those people should be hunted down, all the security cameras should be looked at, and then they should all be grabbed and thrown into the D.C. prison system or the D.C. jail system, then, OK, that's fine. That's a position that I think I can all 
I, I don't necessarily agree with that either, but that's that's a position that we could come from. But if your statement is there were a bunch of protests, but they have nothing to do with it, even though they were destroying federal property, federal courthouses. If you've seen the federal courthouse in Portland when I was there, it was wrecked. It looked like it had been through a war. And so did the park in front of it. And so did a bunch of other places. They were absolutely destroyed. And then if you saw what happened to the Secret Service guys and they were really nice people, men and women who just showed up to do their job. All they want to do is protect the grounds of the federal buildings that they're supposed to do and, and the people that are under their protection. And they got pelted in the head with bricks and they had concussions and they had done 16 hour shifts because nobody would come or leave them because they couldn't get anybody in. If you want to say that all the people that hurt those guys and gals should be rounded up in a massive operation that has three squads of FBI agents all across the country going after them. OK, and then like that's the position. But if you're not going to be that, then you're not being very genuine about your position, about worrying about whether or not laws are enforced. And then the other piece of it is, and it's really important, the FBI has never gone after misdemeanors, ever. That's not what the FBI does. In fact, the lowest level felony they do is the 1001 charge, the so-called lying to the FBI. It's really uh, false statements is what it's called. And they don't do that. We were always even taught this at the academy. This is an also ran. This is a add-on charge. It's not a standalone. But the FBI has been changing its game dramatically since 2017, maybe 2016, maybe even a little further back than that. And they are starting to enter into worlds that they don't normally enter. And they definitely don't do standalone prosecutions for misdemeanors. So that's sending a message, and it's a political message at that. So if there's not uh, a weaponization, then you have to show me how that thing doesn't fit into the scheme of what's been going on. And it also has to fit into the scheme of who's at the top of the FBI, who's doing all these investigations, which leads to prosecutions. And that's really, really not easy to do because I know the people there. I've met them, and most of you probably haven't. So I can tell you what they, how they lean and the way that they operate and what they say. And I know people that were sitting in the, the command centers when this stuff all went down on January 6th and the day after. And they were gleeful that this was going on because they could write to how great it was going to be for their resume to be able to advance their careers. This is not an acceptable thing for federal law enforcement, which shouldn't have any say in the outcome. The job is just to go grab bad guys, whatever those bad guys are. But the, I, I promise you, when I've turned down fraud cases because people lost their businesses getting scammed out of $35,000, um, but instead we're going to go after people in Otero County in New Mexico, who same county, by the way, um, where, where Cui lives, we're going to go after those people because they might have walked around or yelled on a bullhorn outside the Capitol. This is trash. That is that's Banana Republic stuff. So unless you're going to get a unified position, you're not going to get support from anybody. And we're going to continue to be this like divided two people seeing the same picture and it's the Rorschach test. One person sees the duck, the other one sees the pretty lady. Um, I don't want to live in an America where that's the case, but that, that's what we're looking at. And so if you guys don't notice that we're looking at the same picture and seeing the different thing, it's in the middle. The middle is some people broke glass and that may or may not have been a big deal. I don't care about the glass, actually. Like we all just pay for it and we'll fix it. People who punch cops, that's violence. I don't want those. You suck as a person if you're going to fight cops. So let's throw you in jail for a little while and teach you a lesson. But same thing for the people who beat up the guys in Portland or ran after federal agents or the people that tried to stalk me and my surveillance team that were hanging out there. We were just sitting in cars and we had a dozen, you know, Antifa idiots come after us. So if you want to speak out about them, then this is the time to do it so that people can hear you and think that you're an honest operator. And if you're not going to do that, then and I'm pretty confident that people that are generally leaning right or libertarian will say, if you committed a crime, you should pay for it. But it's got to also be something that we do evenly. It's got to be evenly enforced, and the federal government can't be picking winners and losers. So that's what I got to say. I got to jump out of here because I got a bunch of things to do. I'll take a follow up if you had it, Mario. Yeah, Carl, just one question for you. Uh, in terms of the protesters, and, and correct me if I get anything wrong, protesters uh, yelling uh, during the protest and uh, after breaking in, uh, hang Mike Pence. And then there was a footage about Mike Pence avoiding the protesters within seconds or minutes. 
are, are my facts wrong? And what are your thoughts on that? I think people that are threatening violence, there's a potential statute there that it could be a violation. And sure, let's like, like I said, if you went there and there's there's a reason to believe that you committed a federal crime that is a felony and is within the prosecution range and they can document it, then great, like prosecute it. I got no problem with that. I don't think uh, my, my partner, Steve Friend, who, who decked out earlier, if there was a violent felony or a, a threat of violence that was a felony, then pr- prosecute it. I have no issues with that whatsoever. I don't know the timeline exactly. The problem is, is neither does anybody else because there's 40,000 hours of footage from a bunch of different cameras and it hasn't been released in a way that anybody can put together a real narrative. What we've seen is cherry-picked from the left for two years. Um, this is the Pelosi crew and what they did with the January 6th committee. And now we're going to see cherry-picked from Tucker Carlson and anybody gets it on the other side. And that's fair play, I guess. I'd rather see it all. Brian said he'd like to see it all. I say let it all out there. Let the internet sleuths go through it and put together a timeline, follow people around that, that seem like they suck. Because <laughs> like, there's definitely people who were doing things that were dangerous to human life they were doing things that were dangerous to themselves. Um, but there's no ultra secret writing on the back of the Constitution that says if you get a guy wearing a Viking helmet onto the floor of the house, then he suddenly um, overthrows the government. That's not real. Like, that's not a real thing. There was no possibility that they were going to overthrow the government, even with all the ideas. Even if they hung Mike Pence and did crazy things to all the people that were in you know, the, the people's house that were re- elected representatives, we have a continuity of government program. This would continue on, folks. Like the, the people that are elected would still be able to be there. We have a line of secession for all these things. You, you have to be a, a moron to not understand that you can't overthrow the government with a couple of spears and flagpoles. It just doesn't work. Kyle, um, who's and, the, who's and the guy lived... who told them to go there and to quote unquote fight for the quote stolen election? Everybody's responsible for their own actions. Like you're foolish if you think that Donald Trump saying something and then also saying peacefully make your voices heard. Look, you can cherry pick the same way that people did about the uh, the thing that happened in. Uh, it's not cherry picking. It's very relevant. It's very relevant. Trump's the one who who told them all to go there and to fight for the sole election and didn't issue any statement whatsoever on Twitter telling them to back down until it was clear that they already had lost the the insurrection, that there was no chance of them taking over the government. I, and, I got and, it. And, and look, you and, picked a team. I'm not on a team. My team is that I want things that are true to be happening and I want things I that picked are a team. To be happening. I'm, I'm on team truth. I would love for all the videos to be released because they're not going to go in your guys's favor. Like, I think it's uh, well, yes. there's no your guys. So, that's the that's the other problem that you're going to Mar- find. Mar- can I ask a question, guy. Kyle? Though? It is. It is. Yeah, it sure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Also, so, hey, Kyle, Kyle, I've got one more question really, for you. I, I really want to ask you this question because I think it's important and I want to understand better. So, when you guys were sent to Portland, because there was media reports that there was there was you know throughout the all the the riots that were going on, there were there were detentions. But from your experience, the people that were detained when when federal enfor- law enforcement went to reinforce Portland. Where those people would have been charged federally or through the state, just from your experience down there. I, I'm, I'm generally curious because I'm not. I see the reports that people were charged and detained, but I just don't know what channel they were charged, state or federal. So everything was charged locally. The United States Attorney's Office didn't want to charge anybody, and the the uh, the actual FBI agents assigned to Portland did not want to take any of those cases. So they brought in people, TDY, temporary duty, from other places around the United States to come in and work the cases in Portland. And then all of those cases were on a 30 or 60 or 90 day TDY basis. They didn't stay around long enough to work them. And then um, every time they interviewed someone and I saw at least two subjects that we were watching who, you know, there was pretty credible evidence that they were involved in um, federal crimes. They were let go out of local custody. They got interviewed by the FBI and and then released. They got interviewed by the case agents that were there because they were told um, that they weren't going to be running those cases out of the field office. They actually removed the FBI special agent in charge of Portland over all of this. It was such a disaster. And when I was there, which would have been late September or October, I want to say, um, I think it was late September, uh, the deputy director of the FBI, David Bowditch, showed up. Like he and I were on the same plane on the way home. 
and he went out there to go see what was going wrong. They they charged locally, uh, and then they were the, the prosecution was declined by the district attorney's office. That went away. The United States attorney's office on the federal level never brought charges, and so all we saw was a bunch of nothing. We saw a bunch of work. There was a ton of money spent on it. A twenty four seven command post out there in Portland, and then and what's what do we have to show for it? Zero things. So that's really disappointing. Like I said, if it's if it's even across the board and we're going to hunt down all the people that burned cities and destroyed federal buildings in other places. Great. Like, let's let's do that. Let's show that there's a, a, a non bias in this. But that is not the case. And to act like, you know, the commander in chief has overall control, as Mike Ben said the other day, of every apparatus in the federal government is either um, it's either ignorant or it's uh, it's it's very like maliciously framed because it's Kyle, so why do you Kyle, think those cars were actually Wait, wait. It's actually in the job description. His his job as chief executive, as chief executive of the United States, is to enforce the laws of the country. Like I don't know how you can say that, or how you can defer responsibility for the enforcement of laws from the president when he's. The I'm one, not deferring. You're, the... you're putting words in my mouth. Hold on, hold on. If you're going to say, I'm going to say something. That's not what I said. What I said was is that he doesn't have control over every single apparatus in the federal government because there's tens of thousands of employees and they act on their own volition all the time underneath the parameters that are supposed to guide them. But if they want to shade one way or another, they do. And if you think that's not true, like just look around at anything that goes on. Like there are presidents and CEOs are not responsible for what the frontline employee does at a McDonald's, for example. Like if that McDonald's employee is a racist and denies some service to somebody, that's not McDonald's doing it. That's, it's one that, guy that, who's a dickhead. That's true. So but that's what I'm CEO, getting at. If the CEO of McDonald's says, hey, let's attack black people. And then that person attacks, you know, a customer who's black. That is that that becomes the chief but, uh, executive's fault. William, I really want to get I really want to get caught because i think this is like i'm I'm learning a lot and i really want to get more so kyle like why do you think though that charges so if this so the local level and the state got it they didn't want to press charges from from if you can speak about it and if you can i, I totally understand but why do you think that the federal you know at the federal level no charges were brought against those people you're talking about portland specifically yeah well yes because i say because you were there so specifically portland after all those man hours etc did you get a feeling why yeah. they didn't charge i did i did it was, it's because they're from Portland and the people who work there and live there are from Portland and the people who choose to live in Portland and uh, and elect to be uh, residents of Portland have sympathies similar to Portland. I watch people say things that make no sense. They went up and yelled at cops and the cops were literally keeping rioters from burning their house down. And they said, wouldn't you like to just go home? Like, get out of here. There was like a, a couple like yelling at the cops who were actively stopping a riot from going into their neighborhood and they were mad at the cops. It's illogical. It's not a thing that makes any sense. But the people who live in Portland chose to live in Portland. The people who try to get out of Portland try to get out of Portland. My last partner escaped Portland in the same way. So the, the sensibilities of people that are willing to live there are the same as the kind of sensibilities of the people that live in San Francisco, for example. If you are an FBI employee who lives in San Francisco, either you're part of San Francisco or you're trying to get out of San Francisco. And the people that stick around and, and certainly the ones that, that take the higher level jobs there, they're sympathetic to the kind of people that would be in San Francisco. That's not a bad thing per se, but it is why you got the same Portland um, police bureau, the local, the local uh, lack of prosecution happened at the federal level as well, because they hire the, you know, assistant United States attorneys from the areas that want to live there. So they've chosen kind of the way that they want to live. That's like I said, not a bad thing to have a bunch of independent laboratories trying to uh, be the thing that represents the area they live in. It's just not what we saw that happened in DC. They decided to go after a bunch of people who were on the right, who even if they stepped out of bounds, they didn't go after people the year before that were on the left. Uh, and, and sometimes it was like only a few months before, if you think about September of 2021. Okay, So, so, so you, you think it, there's inherent bias based on 
the the attorneys were there like th- th- so you think like so like portland the people in portland let's say you know i think we, because we said oterra county new mexico so you think at, at, at it's kind of widespread though the idea that the people who stay there the the, the that they they are sensitive of who they want to charge or not and there's always that kind of that local i guess the term would be bias I, would you would you agree with that statement yeah, local and regional bias. I think that's that's pretty clear uh, because the frontline prosecutors and the people that are the senior AUSAs, these are going to be like your unit chiefs, your section chiefs in DOJ. They have a bias that they bring to from living in the same place and and working in that place for a long time. Um, you know, the United States attorney is always going to be a political appointee. So they're going to come in and go with the regime. Uh, but at the end of the day, a lot of the line prosecutions are going to get decided by people that are on the front lines. That's like that's who does it. And those people answer to a more senior person. Who's been there for, let's say, 25 years, which is the case in in the last uh, United States attorney I worked with, um, you know, the, the senior gal there, her name was Renee something or other. She'd been there for 20 something years. And she was like, yeah, I just hire like the cheapest attorneys, the youngest people possible. And then we tell them what to do. And she's based on someone who's lived in, you know, Las Cruces, New Mexico for the last 25 years. So she's adapted to that area. That's where she wants to be. I do think that that changes the culture and anybody who knows it, there's a reason why different districts are softer or harder for the government to prosecute in because of the types of judges that are there. And so the judiciary is a piece of it. The, uh, the prosecution is another piece of it. And then the agents that are actually investigating are another piece of it. Ideally they'd all be unbiased and they would just want to go for truth. That's just, that's not realistic for human beings. I don't think. Kyle, Kyle, thank you. I appreciate it. I'll give you my kind of anecdote here since we're going based off of anecdotes. So when all this stuff happened, I was living in Los Angeles at the time um, I mentioned earlier I had been helping um, some members. In the... You got a bit of an you got a bit of an echo, William. I'm not sure if you can get the mic closer to your mouth. Yeah, give me one sec. Um, uh, can you hear me okay right now? Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I, I was living in Los Angeles at the time, um, working with m- members of the federal law enforcement community. Um, told them ahead of time about a lot of the concerns I had about uh, January 6th coming up, because um, to me it was pretty obvious that that you know, what was going to happen. And I'll, I'll just go based on my experience, which, you know, was from Los Angeles at the time, FBI agents in Los Angeles, and they were extremely um, right-leaning, which I, I think you would probably consider LA one of the most left-leaning, um, you know, one of the most left-leaning districts in the entire country, um, you know, soft on crime, et cetera, et cetera. But the actual federal law enforcement there is that that's not, that's not how they operate. They're, they're very much on, on average, not everyone, um, but on average, more right leaning, and and that's that's been my experience with them. So to, to to say that there's somehow some bias across the country based on you know you know like the city they're they're in and, and that they're discriminating against some political party versus the other, that that's the complete opposite experience from what I've had. Um, Cops are right leaning, district attorneys. Yes, are we agree. What, what I that, that, what that's I'm not my at. experience. No, I, I would agree with you that generally speaking, and I, I probably know more FBI agents in, in Los Angeles than you do. But but my point is, is that the people that make senior executives there have chosen to live there on purpose. And the types of people that climb in the bureau right now are left leaning. So that's not to say that the people that are on the front lines and even the frontline supervisors um, are, are not on the right. I think they generally do lean right. And I think they're fair. But we're talking about two different things. Uh, we're talking about people that are making the decisions. I would say that most frontline prosecutors in general, when they start, probably try to lean towards the right because they're they signed up to be prosecutors, to be law and order, or they just want to be really good defense attorneys one day. Either way, um, they, they try to do a decent job, but they are very much influenced by the people that tell them what they can and can't bring. And supervisors are told what they can and can't approve for investigations. 
And if you think that that's not the case, like it, I, I don't know what to tell you, but that is the case for people that are at the top of the bureau for sure. Cause you can just see who they promote. Uh, we can run their bios and you can look at it and go like, okay, got it. Um, that's, that's who's at the top of the FBI. And so that's the, who's at the top of the FBI, by the way, in, um, in Los Angeles and has been, and those people are now in charge of other things. They're, they're assistant directors and stuff. If you go back two years, those people got rewarded, even though they were involved in corruption that was called out by the office of the inspector general, which is documented like the L you know, the whole Dodger gate thing. If you, if you were there at that time, which I assume you were, um, you know, they're all left leaning. <laughs> they're a hundred percent. Um, I, I don't think I have more questions, Kyle. I, I, I think you've answered all of them. And probably the last one, it's a bit unrelated, so I'm not sure if it's worth asking. But re, re, regarding what Trump did uh, during the, the protests, he did do a, he did make a video, a video statement t- telling protesters to go home in peace. But the argument is that he did it too late. Um, do you think uh, more could have been done to quell the protests? More could have been done earlier? Because there's been a lot of reports Possibly, of people yeah. in his circle, Listen, in Trump's circle, telling him to act faster, act sooner. End of the day, like they, if you're going to say that Donald Trump saying something was the proximate cause of why someone did something, like that's a really hard argument to prove, and that's why it hasn't been brought up in court in many meaningful ways. So they have that information. That information was not something that could be brought in court, and there's a reason why the prosecutors didn't think that was strong. And uh, I don't think it's strong either. I think we're all Americans. We're all like responsible. Even the even the 15 watt bulbs out there that are barely barely glowing, they're all responsible for their own actions. That's the nature of this country. That's the, that's the danger of freedom. I want it that way. I don't want anyone to be able to say like you know you can blame your actions on somebody else in that way. And I hope other people do too. I hope everyone just like think, owns their own actions. Uh, it's it's dangerous to say otherwise. Good point. And do you think January 6 shows the 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 strength of U.S. democracy, um, or does it show the opposite? Uh, I don't actually think it was a, a serious attempt to take down anything. So I think it's it's silly to argue. Like I said, if if you think that a bunch of people that went there with flagpoles and, and like one guy had a spear and some other people had, you know, some brass knuckles or something, if that takes down the United States government, like you don't understand how the United States government works. It's just not feasible. If you wanted to take it down, there's a, you'd have to do a, a coordinated strike that would be nation state level capabilities, nation state level organization, or you'd have to have a shit ton. And I, I hate swearing, but there's you'd have to have a, just a ton of weapons and capabilities that are operating in tandem because our continuity of government is very, very robust and has been since the Cold War. That you know, there's bunkers all over the place. There's uh, abilities to to fly planes that that have a resistance to a, a lot of different types of strikes. A guy in a Viking helmet going out there and people breaking down the glass in the Capitol building. It's a terrible look. It has no chance of usurping the United States Constitution. So that's, I want to that's try to get. Yeah, you, you guys see the Tom, before here. just guys, guys, just Tom. Do you mind if I do one thing before Carl jumps off, and I'll give you the mic? But also, Austin William, you guys weren't there when Carl was talking about um, the um, the uh, where is it? I've got the notes here. The um, uh, pipe bombs that were found, and they couldn't find the suspect. Now, Kyle, uh, I was researching in the meantime during the space. Um, and it, it seems, and a few people were DMing us, such investigations do take time. It's not too uncommon um, for for, uh, uh, for the FBI to take a few years before come, before finding the suspect. Is that a fair statement? Because obviously that's where your experience comes in. Well, you, I, I would just turn it back on you. Look, they've they've identified a bunch of people who had like not serious crimes, like property crimes and, and trespassing. And the most serious thing that's out there, the most pressing and most immediate need would be to stop someone that thinks they can throw an indiscriminate explosive device in a public area, particularly one that's in the middle of the United States, uh, you know, capital district. So if that's if that's what their priorities are, 
we should be asking different questions like how jacked up are the FBI priorities? Do they take some time to find things? Sure, of course, but not with the kind of information that we had, not the full port press that we were dealing with. That's really the issue. The issue was they said it's the most important case that ever happened. Like we identified the 9-11 hijackers pretty quickly. That was a big deal. You would think that this would be one of those things where someone wants to drop bombs outside of not just areas where anybody could walk, but like the future vice president was walking around, right? Like she was there. And you've also got to make arguments that, that, uh, that they weren't going to run this thing down. And, and, and that wasn't a priority for the people that literally just took power, um, that they didn't care that someone dropped the bomb that may have been aimed at them. Because it was a DNC Wait, and there was an RNC device, so that's not that's not normal to me. So the the question the question you're implying, I don't put I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that uh, they may know who the suspect is. I'm not I'm not sure whether you want to go as far as saying that's an inside uh, oh, they inside didn't job. Even but they may the know video showing their faces, Mario. Like here's a, yeah, yeah. here's the problem. So it's like they, they know have... the suspect. Get, uh, just I'll, I'll finish I don't know that if they know the suspect, right? But but the problem is, you know, they they put a bounty on this person. They want to find information about who the. Uh, the bomber is, and yet they don't even release enough information. They don't even release enough video. They cut it off when they have multiple angles, but they don't show the angle where you, you can see their face. Whenever they, you know, the person moves around, oh, they show that instead. It's like, it's like, do they really want to catch this person? That's the question. Yeah, that's the question. So, but, that's but, the only fair question. And I don't want to assign motive to people. I don't want to say that people are, are acting in uh, in concert or something. I know that I pinged a couple of different people that worked in the Washington field office, and th- and they were being silly about it in some ways. They were being flippant is more accurate. Um, when I asked them, how come we can't find out who this guy is? The answer was, well, obviously, he's a source, not necessarily an FBI source and not necessarily in this like was directed to do that thing. But finding out who this person was, if that's an embarrassing problem, like that's not an acceptable answer either, in my opinion. But it is it is an answer that we have to at least put on the table of one of the possibilities. And the other possibility is complete FBI incompetence, which I I don't think that's necessarily true. I I just I've been around enough people there that are highly competent and skilled. Um, there are people that are very intelligent that work at the bureau. So for them to not have this, it leaves more questions than answers. And the answers that they would lead to are not good for the bureau. Let, let's just that's as far as I'll go with saying that. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Kyle. So, so Kyle, I know you're going to leave. I would love to have. If, if Mario, if you if you ever get him back, because yeah, I think, and maybe one day we have this. Oh, Kyle, Kyle comes you, in. Yeah, no, Kyle, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll DM. The, the I'll comment, connect you. He comes in all the time. You said about the continuity in government and overthrowing government. You know, I I understand your point. I don't necessarily agree with it, and maybe that's a conversation from another space. But I think you bring. Oh, you don't. Oh, really? Hold on. Also, you don't agree. You don't agree with the continuity of government. Government. So because I think could... the, the reason why I don't necessarily because this isn't. I understand where Kyle is framing this in the sense of a decapitation of the U.S. federal government, right? And, and I understand where he's going with that. The, the, the issue is, is not necessarily the decapitation of the federal government, but it was the, is, is the erosion of what we would consider the transition between one president to another, right? Our democratic institutions, right? And I'm not saying that's what, I'm not implying one way or another, but when you study authoritarian regimes and how they come and undermine democratic systems, right? There's processes that they do, and, and a lot of it has to do more through the legal suppression of democratic right and press rather than necessarily absolute violence and military coups there's multiple ways a democratic country can turn this yeah. into an authoritarianism that is not necessarily tied to absolute violence that, that's, that's why right. I, it's I, like I when, a, that when a current a sitting president we'll talk another thanks time, Kyle. thank you so much Kyle. thank you so yeah, much go you. ahead tom see y'all. yeah it's like when a sitting president like obama works with hillary clinton the putative successor to uh cha- to target their intelligence agencies to take out their opponent and then continue with that with allied bureaucrats after he runs and wins in office and then spends four years trying to drive him from office through fraudulent impeachments, 
or uh, malicious and baseless and meritless criminal investigations. You know, that's how democracy is destroyed. That's how institutions are destroyed. That's how the republic is weakened. And then when the left was worried he's going to win again, they start gaming out how uh, we can um, have states threaten to secede from the union if certain electoral college votes aren't taken the way they want them to be pursued in Congress. So that's what the left had done during uh, the six years of Trump's rise and in his presidency. Uh, they were planning violence. They didn't need to use it because it turned out a better. The election result uh, worked out the way they had planned and anticipated, uh, but they were planning it. And the left repeatedly used violence and was supported at the highest levels of the Democratic Party to advance their political agenda during the Trump administration. So to be clear, dear listeners, the left doesn't oppose the use of political violence. The conservative, I, I, I conservative leadership opposed the use of political well. violence. The left has embraced political violence Tom, to achieve bullish, their yes. ends over you're the bullish, last yes. several years. Right, guys, we guys, saw that during bullish, the riots yes. that they endorsed let, and condoned. You're completely foolish. Uh, William, uh, you let me respond hand, to particular points. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so we'll, we'll just respond to the particular points. Um, Brian, did you want to respond to particular points made by Tom before we go yeah, to, the, no, to I, Jenny? I, I, mean, Mario, I, I think you're speaking broadly. I'm going to jump off. I had a really good time tonight with you guys. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Commentary, but uh, hopefully looking forward to this censorship conversation. Y'all have a good night. Uh, good, uh, Ryan. Good. Really important. Yeah. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you so much, Ryan. Political violence. What the fuck do you think Antifa is? Yeah, Antifa. Yeah, you, you think I? You think I endorse Antifa? Antifa is just an idea when they send people death threats and and threaten so, so, people. So, so Tom, beat people Tom, up in public. that would be like me saying that. When, when, the, when entire, did anyone like, endorse Antifa? Go ahead, Brian. Sorry. The, the entire Make America Great Again crowd embraces violence. I, I mean, you're broadly putting people into a box, and I'll tell you, I know I don't embrace violence. I don't support violence. I know William doesn't. So why do you guys I, defend Antifa so much? I, I've never defended Antifa. What I've yeah, said about Antifa, what, what I've said about Antifa is it's not an organization. There are people that say hmm. I'm part of Antifa. Some people who say I'm part of Antifa merely mean I'm against fascism. Some people who say I'm a part of Antifa are for violence, and I totally disagree with that. But to say that Antifa is any sort of organization that is planning and plotting to make to create crime or terrorism in the United States is just disingenuous. It's a lie and it's not true. But you don't know, I, I, you know, either either you're ignorant or who, or you're who, misleading. Who is the Ryan. of Antifa? Where are their headquarters? Where are sure, their well, you can. You know what? Judicial Watch was sued with Antifa. We were living. Judicial Watch was sued by Antifa. We litigated against lawyers hired by Antifa that were working for them. Who was the head of Antifa that What? Who was the head of Antifa? Who you ever heard of the Jack? I mean, I mean you're, you're talking about uh, – yeah, uh, Brian, you, you cannot be so ignorant as to presume that a loosely organized movement – that is purposely leaderless is, is no not an organization. organization. I, I mean, this is just so silly. And here we have the left trying to mitigate the violent threat of Antifa by suggesting it's not organized, when in fact it's deeply organized, that would well be like funded, me, and supported well, by people so, like so, you. So, so tell Tom, me who I funded Antifa. Tom, Can I write a check to Antifa? Can I write a check to Antifa? Tom, I suppose to, I suppose to, to, I suppose to, 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 
Guys, Brian. guys, guys. So, guys, please. So, go ahead, Brian. I like Brian, who it. do you Go think back. attacked the Atlanta Police Center? Do you think it was a figment of uh, everybody's It was a group of people who a group agreed of people, to attack. Like 500 it, it, people attacked it. it. Not one yeah, of them totally said, a, I am a member I'm sure of they're just completely not, not one of them did something. They randomly showed up, man. Just randomly showed up there. Some know. people no, did they, they, they didn't randomly show up, but they didn't, they didn't say that they were Antifa. They had no connection to any organized group Antifa, named Antifa. Though. If I got together a group of 10 people and I said I wanted to bomb... So Ian, Ian, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll let you finish your point, Brian, and then go Ian. So, so, so say I got to say I came, went to Mario. And I said, "Hey Mario, let let's get like four people. I want to pop the tires of 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 Ian right now on his car and hope he crashes. I don't want to do that, Ian. Uh, <laughs> now, now, would I just be Antifa because somebody says I'm Antifa? Like, like who is who is? None of these people said they were Antifa. None of these people have links to an, any right. sort of organization. Essentially, what you're you're saying, true. so you're saying, so so I, it's so a I just looked, I, was, I just so I I just I just looked up guys. So I just Ian, I just looked up uh, Antifa because I, I know we're kind of discussing that now. So I'll read out the following definition, and uh, and that's not. I don't think Brian is defending Antifa in this case. He's trying to make this point, and let me know what you think. The term Antifa is short for blah blah blah. It's a loosely affiliated and decentralized movement of left-wing activists who oppose, etc. It's not a centralized organization with a formal leadership structure, but, la- but rather a loosely organized movement that operates independently in various locations around the world. Is that a fair definition, Ian? Again, yeah, they, it's, they, like and, a com- and- it's like a communist revolutionary group with various cells to protect it from being shut down completely because you can never, quote, get the leadership. Yeah. Uh, it is a communist, terrorist, revolutionary movement. And Brian pretending not to understand that Pre- I'm not didn't deflect I'm listeners from understanding this dire threat to our republic. A dire threat Tom, to who's the CEO of Antifa? Tell me how many people did Antifa kill? It's not and about being the CEO of Antifa. When you all share the same ideas and the same ideology, you have the same... So, so racist Actually, people, Brian, what would you say, Brian, Brian, what would you say, Brian, hold on, Ian, Ian what, Brian, what would you say, what, what are your concerns with Antifa? What would be, if someone, if someone's a, if you're talking to someone from Antifa and they're like, Brian, what are your biggest concerns with what we do? What would you say to them? Yeah, anybody that uses violence or the threat of violence to push forward an agenda. And I could, like I'm saying, you could say that all racists are part of some some loosely affiliated group. Should I start naming racists? Let's name them racists. No, I'd say I'd say racist, racist. Anyone that's racist is more of an adjective. It's more of a, an identity. Antifa as but, a but movement is a thing. bit different. Antifa can just be people that consider themselves anti-fascist. So there's. What, what, what do you mean? That no, that's not true. That's no, not it, true. That's not true. I mean, no, it's not true. The term anti-fascist is a specific term used to attack anyone who's opposed to this group. You know, what I'm concerned about is that we have this space is being used to advocate and promote propaganda on behalf of or alliance with a radical terrorist movement. A radical terrorist movement. Yeah, Brian, you're defending a radical terrorist movement. You should disassociate yourself from their propaganda. I I want to go – Jim, Jim, I'll get your thoughts on this topic, and I want to go to Jenny because she's been waiting for a while. Jim. I've got a question. Tom. 
Is your position that Antifa was always a terrorist group, or has it just become one now? Thank you, Mario. Yes, it's a communist terrorist group that has as its goal to overthrow the United States Republican form of government and substitute with it a communist government. And they, when they use the term anti-fascist, they mean anyone who poses them as fascist. And when they say you're a fascist, it is used as a vehicle to justify violence ultimately against all and any political opponents. Send me because a list if you're of fascist, you don't members. deserve any protections or any civil uh, rights. So I want to I wanna move on. I want to move on. Uh, on. Go ahead. Right. Last question on Antifa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to so move on. It, Tom, I just want to understand your position. So even when, for example, Antifa and the you know, Japanese Red Army and so on and so forth, those kind of affiliations to Antifa, were they also terrorist organizations that come to you? I don't know what you mean, Japanese Red Army. I'm talking about Antifa in the United States as a communist terrorist group. Antifa is a long... Very, Antifa has a long history. history. That's why. You guys don't yeah. even know what Antifa is. You guys are saying I do. Like, you 10 different like things. How the fuck am I going to We talk do. You don't, you guys, You're, you're, you're defending the communist oh, terrorist group through propaganda. So, Ian, I'll let you answer Slyman's question, and then we'll go to, to Jenny. All right. So, Antifa is a long storied history from the 1930s in Germany, right? They were anti-fascist action, right? That was a communist organization. They committed a lot of violence back in the 1920s and 1930s. In fact, they went to, you know, uh, conducted skirmishes with the with the Nazis, with the SA, before, you know, Hitler took over. I mean, he took over, obviously, they were completely neutralized, but... One of the big reasons why the Nazis even came to power was because people were fed up of these uh, fights that kept happening. They were extremely violent. A lot of people died. Right? One of the big things about uh, Nazis is they carried this one, the blood flag. And the blood flag, uh, you know, came from the death of one of their uh, SA guys being shot to death by, by a communist. And communist was, in fact, Antifa. Now, no one is saying that Antifa were the good guys or the bad guys in this situation. This is German politics way back in the Weimar Republic. Years later, and this is, you know, throughout the 60s and 70s, you know, um, Antifa was back in, you know. Communism was on the rise with the USSR and with China and so on. So you had a lot of uh, so-called anti-fascist movements. Any organization that, you know, didn't like the uh, status quo, for instance, in West Germany, you had the uh, the Red Brigades. And this is where uh, Antifa started to grow back up again. And, and they conducted a lot of terrorist activity. And these, you know. These people, they took Germany, basically 30 of them, just, there was just 30 of them. They took Germany hostage through these actions. Obviously, it kept growing in, in the UK. Uh, there was a response to nationalism and, and Tifa again, you know, reared its ugly head. They wanted communism. They didn't like the way that things were going in England, right? The, and Tifa has been part of the punk movement in the 1980s and the 1990s. They again saw a resurgence. Uh, with, you know, with globalism. In fact, it was kind of like a response to globalism. They prefer internationalism. Antifa has many different, organ, you know, different roots and different motives, whatever. But the there is a commonality in, in that they conduct violence and they do believe in Marxism. This is their ideology and always has been. Late, the latest iteration of Antifa, the one we see nowadays, it, it's different in, in Europe as it is in the United States, but there are links. These people know each other. They go to uh, every single year, they attend a uh, they attend the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation based uh, event, you know, that's organized in in Germany in Berlin, where some of these leaders of these different cells, different organizations, different workers unions, whatever you want to call them, they meet up, they have conversations, they talk about strategy, they talk about tactics, 
it's it's a yes, you can say it's a loosely organized group of people, a very like-minded people. And yes, they do have the same tactics. They read from the same handbooks. They do black block tactics. And black block is is not a group of people. A lot of people think it's a group of people. No, it's it's basically you all dress in black. And so the police, you know, when they, they they can't identify you, nobody can identify you if you're all dressed the same. That's one of their tactics. And in the U.S., you know, we see them rallying around transgenderism. We see this in the U.K. as well, where they attack turf groups. Turf groups are. Uh, transgender-exclusive radical feminists. That's what they refer to any woman right now who's concerned about the transing of kids. They call them TERFs. And who is present at these events? Well, it's going to be Antifa. They're the ones rallying, you know, and, and in this case, it's a, a group of very uh, transgender advocates or they're transgender themselves. They do identify themselves as Antifa. This is something they wear proudly. They, you know, they carry communist symbols, things like that, things of that nature. And yes, they do commit okay. violence. There is that commonality. So when you say Antifa doesn't exist, it's just an idea. It is How many more people have been killed from Antifa? It is an idea, but it's more than... Uh, so, so yeah, I... Is that the rule? Is that the rule? They didn't kill enough yeah. people, no, so no, they, no, we, we don't have to worry about them? So I, think, I think, so I think we... we yeah, so, so I think, Brian, Ian, you both agree that, that violence is never okay. Um, and uh, I, I, want, I do want to move on to Jenny because I think we've discussed Antifa enough. Left, by the way, like I mean, on the right, obviously. Thank there's you, violence, Brian. Uh, Brian. Actually, Brian, would you agree there's violence? Brian, would you agree? Violence I'll, I'll go is to you never okay. Violence and is never it, it exists so that we can move on. It exists. Yeah. Uh, hey, hey, guys, there, what, just yeah, one yeah. quick thing. Antifa has a Jim, logo. hold on, Antifa, Jim. Antifa. Guys, I was pretty clear. I'll move on from Antifa. Um, Jenny, uh, I'll give you the mic, uh, but just before that, so Brian, would you agree, and Ian, would you both agree on this point, that uh, violence does exist on the left and the right, and it's never oh, okay? Absolutely. Is that a fair statement? Yeah. Ian, yeah. was that a fair statement as well? Uh, Ian? I'll get that as a yes. Uh, Jenny, the mic is yours. Thank you. I'm Jenny Cudd. I'm a January 6th defendant. Um, I did go inside the Capitol. Um, you didn't and let me finish, Mario. Ian, we'll get back to you in a minute, uh, okay? So I am a January 6th defendant. No, no just Ian, just no, Jenny. No, no, is, no, no, hold no, on. No. You asked Jenny. me a question, man. I'd like to answer it. You got okay. the, oh, the, Mario, the, do I have the, the mic? January, yeah. Hold on. Guys, guys, hold on. Hold on. Uh, we'll go back to the question just because Jenny's been waiting for a while. That's what, like a really, really long time. Um, so that's why I want to get go to her. And then I know that I thought the question would be yes or no, but I think it'll be more detailed. So we'll get back to that question if you don't mind, Ian, and and we'll because we'll probably lead to a bigger discussion. That's all. So I'll keep that question in mind. I promise you, I'll let you answer it. I was hoping for a yes or no. Didn't expect it to to get into a deeper discussion, which I have a feeling it will. Uh, but yeah, Jenny, I'd love you. You, you and uh, Derek and Lewis have been waiting for a really long time, and Heather as well. So I would love to give you the Thank mic. Thank you, Mario. Um, I'm Jenny Cut. I'm a January 6th defendant. I did go inside the West Terrace door that was opened by the police. And they were gesturing people inside. Um, I was inside for 19 minutes and was in the hallway above where Ashley Babbitt was murdered by uh, Capitol Police Officer Lieutenant Michael Byrd. And I saw people coming out with blood on their hands. And that's when I decided to leave. I was ultimately charged with four misdemeanors and a felony for corruptly obstructing official government proceeding before Congress. And I thought that this space was supposed to be about January 6th. And quite honestly, listening to a lot of you guys sounds like a circle jerk. And it's very frustrating for a lot of us listeners. So I'd like to redirect the conversation. No, no, that's ridiculous. To, that's ridiculous. You know, like totally to ridiculous. That's totally ridiculous. Back it's to January 6th, which is what the they, purpose yeah, is. Hey, hey, we're, we're, we're not going to be 
it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Jenny, you're welcome to criticize uh, the, the stage. We did talk about January 6th for hours early on. We covered it live. We did it yesterday for many, many hours as well. And we've done spaces on January 6th in the past. Uh, but again, I'm glad you're here. We'd love to get your thoughts and anything you want to add to the discussion. Yes, thank you. And so, I, yes, I do think it's important to figure out the why of why January 6th happened and the different security issues and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I care more about the human rights side of it and the fact that there are currently 83 political prisoners who have been incarcerated for over two years pre-trial. So these people have not had their day in court. They have not been convicted of anything. A vast majority of them have been denied access to a lawyer, Law and access order. to a legal library, Hold on, William. access to medical treatment, on and on. And we've got down here some of the January 6th people. Cajun Queen is the wife of an oath keeper. And we've also got the real J6 and Derek and all of these other people that actually have experience. We were there that day. We were peaceful protesters. And... I'm glad that Tucker has released this information, which is not new to anybody that is a J6 defendant or a J6 family member, because all of us already knew this information and had seen these video clips for the last two years. And what we would have, you say, so Jenny, what would you say from, from those videos, what would you say is the, the biggest highlight of yours? Which clip, which piece of information? Because nothing was released today and there was a few released yesterday, and which we've covered and we did in a space about yesterday. But what would, what would you say is your main highlight from those? For me, honestly, it's just that the average everyday American person is getting that information because most people are too lazy to go and read court documents and to see the charges and the criminal complaints and the statement of offenses and all of that. And to do their own research, they just look at headlines and get their information from news. So I think it's huge that that stuff got out. I Personally, I think the Officer Sicknick story is very important uh, because all of us that were there that day and the days after knew that Officer Sicknick was not uh, killed, beaten to death in the head by uh, Trump supporters with a fire extinguisher. And his family even came out on Twitter and made an official statement one or two days after January 6th, after he had passed away, and said, please stop politicizing his death. It had nothing to do with January 6th. But the most important story is the first one that goes out. And it doesn't matter if there's a retraction later. You know, nine months after January 6th, the D.C. medical examiner confirmed that. And then Tucker gave more information about it last night. But it doesn't matter because all of us January 6th defendants, who at the very most should be charged with trespassing, as I was, um, all of us have been called cop killers. I think it's very dangerous to paint with a broad brush on either side. I think it's the equivalent of saying that all white people are bad or all women are bad or like whatever it is. It's not accurate. It's always, it's, it's always, ignorant. I've always said it's always, it's always somewhere in the middle. That's what I always yes, try to it's find. Always like, somewhere, in every statement. It's always somewhere every, in the middle. Whenever you look at any issue, there's always positions and the truth is always somewhere in the middle. It's just trying to really find where that middle is. It's yes. always somewhere in the middle. So if we were to Can talk I ask the question? So, hold on, hold so, on before so we'll go, you ask a question we'll, we'll, and then we'll, I'm happy we'll, to answer it. Go ahead, Jenny. So this, about the broad brush statement, it's very... Like honestly, lady, like you that? So hold on, I know you're upset. Please mute that. I to say something. I'm being spoken over. Like like I... No, no, so... No, I will answer a question once I finish my statement since I have the mic. Yeah, so, 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 Ian... 
Of course, yeah. So just uh, Ian, I know that Jenny hasn't. That's the first time she speaks in the entire yes. space. That's that's so. Um, yeah, it's dangerous to have a broad brush and to apply it to everybody. So I know that there's. What you're doing to everyone that's on this call right now? Hold on, that's not Jim, true. Guys, I'm come on. I'm a big on. fan of a lot Hold of on, people guys, on guys. this call. Well, you're just you're you're totally <laughs> making yourself look stupid. And Mario, you, may I speak? Jim, Jim, that doesn't. Mario? Jim, that doesn't no, help no, no, me. No, no, I try no. to whatever. Yeah. I've had enough of this. I do not like. Okay. Yeah, she, she, Mario, she to get what's the? Uh, uh, what's the? All right, guys, guys. Okay, okay. So, so Ian, I'll let you. Is, uh, Jenny, uh, this is. I, I don't usually deal with those a lot. And Ian, Ian and Jim are regulars on the space. They both feel disrespected. So, so if you don't mind, Jenny, I'd love to get Ian. What, I apologize Jim, if you feel uh, disrespected. Yeah, I'm because not we were constantly respect. interacting in a conversation. Everybody gave Kyle respect when he was Jenny, speaking, and he's no somebody that has cares. a lot of education. We give them all me. So, guys, guys, let me do it. Slam and let me do it. Also, also, slam and let me do it. Let me do it. Let me deal with it. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Jim. What's what's you bothering you so much, man? And tell people how to speak. Okay. Yeah. She, she, not cool. she, listen, you're you. Uh, what point. you're not realizing, like, Jenny, is you've you got people who you are. Guys, 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 guys. All of you guys, please. please. Jim, I know Jim. Yeah, go ahead. You're slamming. You're okay. You're slamming. You're slamming. Go ahead. Yeah. So all it is is, uh, Jenny. You know, when you said it's a circle jerk, that was quite offensive because in reality, that conversation veered from the January sixth situation. People were people were saying that January sixth had some uh, extreme elements to it, and then someone retorted and said, "So does the left," and hence why the conversation about Antifa happened. So it was linked to January 6th. So when you came in, obviously, people who were actually defending, essentially, your, you being there, were then basically insulted. So I felt insulted. So that's basically the... Yeah, and I think, Jenny, I and, and another point that. to add so as well, like, I, I don't... I also I don't mind... My, can I finish what I said? Oh, you got a yes, lot yes. more than an apology. Yeah, yeah, I'm just really okay. to stop yes, you. yes. I mean, you don't understand Jim, what you're doing. Jim, can you stop it? Okay, Jim. Out. Okay, Jim. Come on, man. I think we've explained it to Jenny and she's going to apologize. Guys, 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 for everyone here, for everyone here, please, Ian, I understand. Jim, Jim, I understand. I, I understand. And I would like to move on. Thank to you, the Jenny. She's a yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. I, I, I understand. Say, I agree with you, Ian. Which is Please, yeah. so let's go back to the point. It's easy to get bogged down in the minutia of what is going on, or get offended, or whatever. I get offended too. I understand Don't that. Don't man. Like, but Jenny, just uh, Jenny, I want to go back in. I want to go back to to just uh, Jenny. I'll let you finish. I'll ask you a question, Jenny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm asking, you, I'm asking you a question so you can actually continue, continue finishing as well. Um, just on the, on the, on the, the, the point you made about the footage being released. Um, I do want to ask you one question there. Do you think it was unfair? Because I was discussed earlier. It was unfair that it was only released to one media outlet, whether you like the uh, Fox or not. And it should, and all speakers kind of agreed on this point. It should have been released to all media outlets. Would you agree with that point? Yes. I do agree on that. And more than that, um, I believe.
myself included, but my case is over now and I've been sentenced and off probation and all of that. But there are January 6th defendants right now who are facing literally life in prison that do not have access to discovery. So I don't agree with only releasing it to Tucker. I wouldn't agree with only releasing it to any one person. And also I think like, it's important that it wasn't released to Tucker. He had to go somewhere or his producers went somewhere to actually watch it and to pull the information that they wanted to present, just like every single media outlet does. So for me, it's very important to focus on the human rights violations, the fact that people are not getting due process, um, the fact that the basic rights are not being upheld for a lot of these January 6th defendants. And there are countless people in this space right now who are wives and moms and other January 6th defendants that can speak to that. Because instead of just getting bogged down in like, you know, why did it happen or whatever, why don't we actually do something about it? And why don't we... I want to go to Aaron. So guys, before... before, So Ian, William, Ian and William, just I want to go to other speakers, if you don't mind, guys. But before that... Before... I know, I know. I'm going to Aaron. I will... I, and I, like I, I will go to Aaron. We're not fucking children in here. I, I, Ian, I understand. I'm, I'm going to go to, so Derek, before going to you, I want to go to Aaron. Aaron, I know it got heated now, but, um, you know, heated, you've been in friend. our space multiple still times. Heated. Still, it's still heated. Um, would love your thoughts. You know, you've always been the, the voice of reason in many cases. What's your stance on all this? You know, we kind of moved on to Antifa. We saw the footage that was released yesterday. It's, it's interesting. It, Gives us, it, you know, paints a, a slightly different picture, or depending on what your stance was originally, a different picture to what the narrative is on what happened on January 6th. I think most speakers agree that violence is never okay, and most, not all speakers agree that a, a lot of what happened on January 6th is not right. But then again, that was a, a small minority. Um, and even Tucker in his first video yesterday, he did say that there's a small minority that did the wrong thing. Can't remember what his words were. They, they were violent. Um, what's your stance on the videos and what's your stance on, on the, you know, the polarization we're seeing in the space? Yeah, I think the dynamics going on in this space uh, are, are interesting. They're kind of sad. I mean, I, I respect everyone in this space. Certainly Jenny's have personal experience with J6 and, and the, the experience of being treated uh, as she perceives it unjustly. And uh, people she knows being treated unjustly, that's going to create very complicated sort of personal investment in this issue. Uh, there was some weird friendly fire going on that I'm still puzzled over um, with uh, Ian and Jem. Love you guys both. Respect you both. Share a lot of your opinions. Um, I, I think when things get riled up like this, this is an important point to go back to the, the rule of law. And at the risk of sounding like a simpleton, the, the law tries to minimize these human elements as best it can, always imperfectly. Um, but we live in a system where all of us are subjected to the same laws and we're, we're ruled by laws and not by people. We're ruled by laws and not by ideas. And if you're going to prosecute someone for criminal behavior, uh, all you have to go on is the law and all they have to go on in their defense is the law. And so... The Constitution guarantees a right of due process, a right to a speedy trial, a right to file a writ of habeas corpus if you're detained for an excessive period of time. And as far as I can tell, there are defendants in January 6th whose rights in that regard 
have not been respected because the issue has become so politicized. The other right you have is the right to discovery in a legal trial, which means you have the right to any available information that may have some bearing on your case. So the security state bullshit of we cannot release video footage that we have because it's a national security issue or whatever. No, the rights of the American system, uh, the American citizens who are accused of crimes under the law supersede whatever you think as the FBI or whoever your your national security agenda might be here. The Constitution exists for the citizens of the United States, not for an administrative agency, uh, not so an administrative agency can do its job better as it perceives it. That administrative agency exists for the citizens of the United States. We also have a legal system in which someone is innocent until proven guilty. And that legal system in many ways, and I think in this case, has been corrupted to the point where you have this bullying. And this, this should be an issue that concerns both the left and the right, right? When, 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 the, you know, the, the, when the blacks in the poor neighborhood are rounded up uh, as suspects in a crime and told if they plead, uh, and if they bargain for some lower level offense so that the DA can be satisfied that we did something about whatever crime was committed, uh, you know, then they'll get six months in prison, a year in prison, uh, or they can try to fight it and face 10, 20 years in prison. This is bullying. And this, this, this is, again, this is an issue that should concern people both on the left and the right, whether it's happening uh, to uh, you know, minorities in the inner city. With I, I don't uh, understand what this is about. With all due respect, Tom, I'm going to I'm going to finish my statement, Tom. Uh, or whether it happens to the defendants in the January 6th case, the law applies equally in both in both cases. Um, and I think what we're getting away from here, with the issue becoming so politicized, and I agree with the previous speaker that said, you know, this is not an insurrection. This is not an attempt to take down the United States government. A, a, a probably mentally ill or disturbed individual walking around with a goofy hat and a spear is not going to take down our system of government. Uh, crimes were committed, whether they were minor offenses or major offenses, depends on what you can prove in a court of law. All the people who were arrested are innocent until proven guilty. And if you don't have enough evidence to move very swiftly to a trial, then you need to release those people. Period. End of story. That is the rule Tom? of law. Whether you like that outcome or not, whether that outcome advances a particular interpretation of what happened on January 6th or not, that is how the law works. That's how the criminal law system in the United States is supposed to work. It's also premised on the idea that it's better to let 100 people, 100 guilty people go free than to unjustly imprison one innocent person. That's why the standard of evidence for a criminal offense is beyond reasonable doubt, the highest level, the highest threshold of legal evidence. You can win a civil case with a preponderance of evidence, a lawsuit with a preponderance of evidence. You can only win a criminal case with evidence that leaves no room for reasonable doubt. If you don't have that, the person may be innocent. They may be guilty, but it doesn't matter. If you can't prove it, they have to be let go. Period. And what did, I, I, th- I thought you'd agree with before going to Derek. I thought you'd agree with Aaron said. What, what did I, you, you know, like? Look, this this is about 
abuse of power. It's not about the rule of law. It's not about the way minorities are treated in the inner cities. Uh, this is about specific agency, uh, the Department of Justice at the senior levels, the FBI at the senior levels, targeting folks, abusing the powers entrusted to them by the American people to target people uh, who are on the wrong side of the fence? But wouldn't you, but Tom, wouldn't, isn't that the right, same but, as so? So, but uh, isn't know, rule of I, law? I, isn't the rule of law there? Isn't the rule of law? Aaron by a pox God, in both but their Ian, Aaron, Aaron, I think you agree. I think you agree with Aaron. I, I, I'm just I think not persuaded by this effort to to you know, and I you know, I respect you, but on this issue, let's cut to the chase. We all agree, no one should be abused under law. Okay, I don't need to come out and say I'm against the abuse of prosecutorial authority or 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 police abuse. No one no one necessarily approves of that. Here we're talking about a political political event, the January 6th disturbances uh, that has been turned into a vehicle for federal agencies to target the opponents of uh, political opponents of the president of the United States. This isn't about the rule of law in the broader sense of the word. I think you both agree. I think you both agree. Abuse is occurring. If that kind of abuse is occurring, I don't deny that it's occurring. I don't deny that it's occurring. But if that kind of abuse is occurring, what is the best defense against that kind of abuse? Yeah, well, you rule of law. That's why the laws exist. That's why the Constitution exists, precisely to protect all citizens from the depredations of the powerful and from the abuses of the powerful. And uh, Derek, uh, so Tom, I think you both agree the point. So, yeah, so no, you, you know you, what? You, I, let's cut to the chase. The Justice Department's corrupt. Those responsible for this abuse need to be removed. FBI needs to be defunded and decimated in terms of their ability to do this abuse anymore against defund- innocent would you say, Americans. Would you say, would you say the solution, politics. Tom, the, being defunded is a pretty extreme solution. Would you say somewhere in the middle? No, I think the FBI is irredeemable. Tom, you're batshit insane. That was a, yeah, that's a, a very sophisticated extreme. argument. That's a very sophisticated argument. No, I, I think it's, it's, it's a... It, I, I, uh, I, you I, know what? I... I, I don't, I don't, I'd, rather, I'd rather just avoid these attacks. I want to go to Derek. Yeah, yeah, Derek, you've been waiting for a while. This is the way the left operates. This is the way the left operates. They don't go like ahead, they, they don't like a straightforward analysis. And when they can't, un- when they w- don't want to grapple with the reality that the FBI has repeatedly been abused by president after president to target political opponents. So almost since its inception, I don't know what other evidence. But we I wouldn't. Need. I wouldn't discount. I, I wouldn't discount all the. As a little ca- yeah, as a, we saw it being used as a political police Tom, against Tom, Trump. Can I ask you a question? I don't. So, Tom, he's got a question point. for you. Uh, uh, I don't understand the point you're making about the legal aspect not being as important because you're right. If there's an issue with ju- the, ju- the judiciary and the entire system, but the ramifications of that are, and the way we know that is the fact that, for example, in this case which is an exhibit of it, that there's not been fair trial, there's not been due process. So don't you think they're both important? One may be more important, but the way you know that is by seeing what's happened here. You know, what we're going to see, the, the concern I have is that if to raise these arguments is to, uh, because in the, the, the Justice Department's going to say, well, we have given them due process. They're represented by attorneys. 
these are cases we're bringing before a court. They're pleading guilty. They are going before juries of their peers. They're being found guilty. And, you know, we're following all the rules. And and it's hard, based on that analysis, to go after this abuse. This is why those responsible for paying salaries or or um, directing their their um, their use of this prosecutorial power that there needs to be something behind that in terms of getting at that through uh, defunding this abuse, uh, bringing in those folks who are arbitrarily enforcing the law against some based on political affiliation and others because of political and and, and others um, and not others because of political affiliation or uh, ideological alliances. I mean, you know, this this isn't going to cut it, this sort of, uh, well, you know, we just have to rely on on the courts to get this done because the courts are being used to get this done uh, in terms of abuse of power. And so this is why Congress and uh, need to take steps to uh, uh, restrict and defund these agencies' ability to do this type of activity. I, I want to go to Derek because I know this will lead to a, an entire discussion regarding the FBI and defunding it being the solution. Because you know I, I don't want to discount the, all the good that the FBI does and all the people that work there that do the right thing and just do their job. I know there is corruption. There's corruption pretty much amongst most institutions, if not all institutions, different levels of corruption. And um, it's just a. It's not. I don't. I don't think the solution is always defunding any institution just to quash. Corruption, but the point you're making, Tom, is that we're past the ability to 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 fix the corruption in the FBI, according to you. But I want to go to Derek. You've been waiting for a while, man. The mic is yours. Awesome, thank you, Mario. Um, you know, first of all, I want to say I would support defunding every single three-letter agency and the government, including the FBI. But um, I, I wanted to speak on some things that were missaid earlier that that need to be corrected. But I saw that Julie Kelly popped in. She was actually on Tucker Carlson tonight. She had an amazing interview. To, in my opinion, what she said tonight on Tucker Carlson was by far the most important thing that was said on Tucker Carlson tonight. So please come back to me later. I would love to yield to Miss Julie Kelly because it pertains to the current conversation. Thanks, Derek. Julie, good to have you back. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I will say to um, the constitutional um, diehards like Aaron. Um, and I admire what you're saying, but this is not what is happening in Washington, D.C. Every single judge has denied change of venue motions for Trump supporters. And the result is that DOJ has nearly 99% conviction rate in jury trials. So the idea that these people have a jury of their peers is non-existent. And this is a rigged political judicial and legal system. I followed it for two years. I don't know how much Aaron or anyone else has, but for example, you have um, nearly all guilty verdicts returned on nearly every single count, including seditious conspiracy, which no American has ever been convicted on. In record time, you have the Proud Boys now facing trial for seditious conspiracy, and even through the uh, jury vetting process, you have six jurors who
who have admitted that they participated in left-wing demonstrations from anti-gun, the Women's March, and uh, pro-abortion uh, marches. Not a single one participated in a conservative uh, protest or demonstration. This is the most partisan, Democrat partisan city in the country who views the events of January 6th as personal, as a personal offense. And the fact that anyone here thinks that these defendants are getting a fair trial indicates to me that you have not covered a single moment of the trials, the motions, or what these judges are doing. It's a system and anyone who cares about the constitution rule of law everything uh, you know people here are rah rahing about that's not what is happening at Julie, all Julie I've got a question just on what you just said there isn't that um, a, a systemic problem within the United States as alluded to by Tom because what it seems like is in the US all of the courts seem politicized it doesn't matter if it's the you know, Court of Appeal, the Supreme Court, or even the lower courts. So isn't that, I understand we're talking about the January 6th, but isn't this just a wider problem within the U.S.? Yes, it is. I mean, look, (laughs) the judicial system, like every major institution, is broken, and we could see that. And But in the nation's capital, we should have the stellar, most stellar example of what the constitution and judicial system is best about what we have is uh, Julie just dropped out maybe someone called her so she'll be able to uh, also it's not sure if you had something to comment on what Julie's saying until she's back yeah no I, I, I just like again I'm just going to bring up like there's a reason why the federal when you go to federal judiciary like it's a 90% conviction rate in the crisis in the oh, Julie's rule. back. Oh, okay, sorry, are. Julie. Back. You just, Julie, just you dropped out for about ten, fifteen seconds. I think someone called you. Yes, he did. My husband did. Are you okay, in go, the go Pressman ahead. ruling by okay, Daryl Howell that set aside special detention rules for January six defendants based on their participation in the January six protest? This is unheard of. So anyone who thinks that this, and yes, the system, the the. The judicial system is broken in many ways. But if you go outside of D.C., say the case of Mark Houck, the pro-life um, a- activist who was uh, acquitted by a jury, or you even go to the defendants in the Whitmer Fednapping hoax in western Michigan, where two of the defendants were fully acquitted, two got a, mis- a-, a-, a hung jury. If you go outside of D.C., most Americans view this what this government, FBI and DOJ, are doing as highly partisan. The evidence is sketchy. And so anyone who can defend what's happening in January 6th just indicates to me you're not paying attention. You haven't covered it. We all saw it on video. Not all. So, no, sorry. Julie, if, if I may ask you. you if, saw what? If I may ask you a question. If, if I may ask you a question. So, so. I think because you're bringing up an issue about, you know, the 90 percent conviction rate. So the question for you I have is, I mean, that, well, or more common, if you want to if you want to counter argument, that is, if you look at federal judiciary cases that go to the federal courts, conviction rates are over 90 percent. Most of them, right, a huge majority of federal judiciary cases actually end up in a plea deal. Right. 
I mean, that is the vast majority of cases in the federal court system. That's how they end up. Right. And so when people, you know, I, I'm going to bring this point to have. I mean, we've had decades of very strong political opinions in the U.S. Congress and in the executive branch that has been very the notion of tough on crime. Right. The, so this is the result of 30 to 40 years of a judicial. No, it isn't. You keep on saying it. There's no evidence that it has anything to do with crime policies. We're highlighting the political involvement of the Justice Department, the politicization of crime. But Tom, but that's the point. No, you because again, yes, it is. It's completely tied into it, right? It's like everybody. There's a difference between a policy that results in hard, tough on crime. There's between specific prosecutions and targeting of people in a specific time frame over a specific incident that is basically a political dispute. I mean, that's you're you're kind of mixing the two no, because you're un- saying that, inappropriately. No, the political dispute. To, again, we, we don't have any other cases related to January 6th. That is outside of D.C. of what happened. Well, I, I, but of course, because that was politically the, the political juice behind the prosecutions are the images we saw related to exactly. the disturbance of death of capital. No one is dis- no one's disputing the right work. to prosecute violent activity from but that Tom, day. I find it the question is whether that... the Justice Department is going overboard in smearing and targeting people who otherwise would never face such prosecutions, or even worse, going and going a far field and targeting others in states who were just involved in First Amendment activity through um, election dispute um, uh, issues and, and debates in the various states. Uh, this is not this is a, a question catalyst. about Tom, what happened in these other there places. Was there was a catalyst that triggered a response. You cannot ignore We're the saying catalyst. the response is corrupted, but and you're, you're, politicized and, are and needs to be curtailed. No, people, people are blasting this idea, the politicization of the judiciary branch, which everybody forgets. A federal judge gets appointed by the president and confirmed by the Senate. Of course, there's going to be politics involved. Of course, there's going to be. I mean, you're 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 whistling past the graveyard, and, and you're talking about political but, judges in the most political city. In the country, a very small town, very connected to the federal government, unlike any other city in the country where they're all in cahoots and you have a very small jury pool at 92 percent of whom voted for Joe Biden, that survey after survey conducted by defense counsel, including Google Analytics, show that the people who live in Washington, D.C., view the events of January 6th far differently than anyone else. And they are more... But Julie, where did the crime happen? Where did the crime happen? Hold hold on. But are you saying that change of venue never happens in any criminal No, but where did the crime... But why would... But again, where did the crime occur? What crime? Most majority of federal forces, most federal judiciary court cases occur in the district that it happened. Parading? But... uh, uh, parading in the Capitol, uh, construction of an official proceeding, a 1512C2 that is a post-Enron law that has been bastardized to criminalize political dissent that has to do with tampering with evidence that this DOJ has weaponized 
as a felony count that has led to, that is added on to mostly misdemeanor counts, including parading, to force people into plea deals that has resulted in pretrial detention for extended amount of time. That's what you think is justified? I'm not you saying it's justified. I'm just saying it's normal. Trial. It's I've absolutely normal. How many trials you've covered? It's... I've asked you how many trials you have covered. So uh, the trials I've covered is specifically rate. So I, I will. So the it's January six. No, but I've covered Name extensively. One. I've Name covered one. extensively. Uh, Garcia Luna, Eastern District of, of New York. Specifically, no, no. I was January embedded. six trials. No, January no, no. But the, what trials. your argument, but no, but my argument is not necessarily tied to January 6th. My argument is that you're trying to single something out that is a common practice by the federal government across administrations, both Republican and Democrat. Okay, the utilization so of me, laws to achieve a specific me, case is fine. standard procedure. It is let standard me, I procedure. Will, if I give you that, then I will ask you what trials you have covered related to January 6th and the use of 1512C2, which is a post-Enron law that has to do with tampering with evidence that is an Andrew Weissman favorite that they have now slapped against 300 defendants to criminalize political dissent. I'm asking you what trials, again, I did this last night, what cases, what charges, what defendants do you think are so out of line that you really think people who walked into the Capitol building at 2.45, 3 o'clock, after the joint session had ended, using obstruction of an official proceeding as a felony to justify pretrial detention for 20, 22 months, to slap that as a felony to criminalize political dissent. It's not one or two people. It's 300 you don't know what you're talking about. And that's what I find offensive. When you're talking about rule of law and constitution and due process, it has all been eradicated in the D.C. District Courthouse, in this uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office, Matthew Graves, and the news media. I have covered it. You have not. Uh, Julie, I, I love, I, th this is what I, I, I think is amazing. Like, and this is why you're right. I don't cover the January. No, you're right. I didn't cover the January 6th. I cover yeah. what I cover well, the most, which obvious. is the drug war. And I know I can tell you both at the local, state and federal level, governments abuse the law to achieve the results of what they want in a policy decision. Okay. And the okay. ultimate okay. irony. The, hold on. Let me finish. 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 The ultimate Make where I point. find it's almost like the agreement we're trying to find. And where we all agree upon, which is actually one of the main reasons after George Floyd protesters were going on, was to protest the weaponization of the judiciary branch to target people regardless of the crime that was committed. Because you have people on low-level, nonviolent drug crimes serving 20 years. So if you want to come to me and say you're having hundreds of people being prosecuted because of January 6th, I have tens of thousands of nonviolent drug users for marijuana that now is getting legalized in more and more states, but it's still not legal in the federal system. It's okay, still drug crime prosecutions getting... are of a different character it doesn't than matter. prosecutions, American citizens, and it gets mass prosecutions of, of individuals based agent. on their First Amendment speech. No, well, that's the not. difference you're, here. You're, 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 it's just, that's my point. It's like, the outrage of January 6th. It's a different matter. It's a different matter. One's a broader policy debate. This is a government, this is a government corruption issue. One's a policy debate. 
This is a corruption issue. Whether the prosecution by the Justice Department of people for typically First Amendment protected speech or targeting people with severe criminal penalties in situations where they otherwise wouldn't be targeted because of their First Amendment protected speech. There's nothing comparable in our judicial system in recent American history. You would have to go back to the last corrupt, uh, to, to one of the worst corrupt presidents in American history, the Woodrow Wilson administration, to find similar types of prosecutions. It, it just hasn't it happened clear, before. The to complain about the drug war is so far field from this discussion. It's so it is. It's beyond belief that you keep on bringing it up because as if Tom, it's relevant. You're talking about 300 people. I'm talking about th- tens of thousands of lives. We're talking about policy debates no, this, about how no, to handle drug crimes as opposed to Simon, targeting uh, folks Simon, in Washington uh, D.C. over First Amendment protected speech. There's a vast difference. Okay, I I agree with what you're saying. The closest comparison to January 6th happened six months before that day, and that was the riot at Lafayette Park, which prompted the shutdown of the White House that prompted um, Donald Trump and his family to go into shelter, which was the most comparable. You had federal property. You had attacks on federal police officers, far more egregious and dangerous than anything that happened on January 6th. Lafayette Park is the closest comparison. Do you know what happened there? Those charges were dropped. And not only that, protesters sued the city and park police for police brutality and misconduct. Do you know what the same DOJ did? They entered into an agreement with the protesters who sued and blamed park police who were attacked, park police, secret service, et cetera, federal police officers on federal property that prompted the lockdown of the White House as they tried to burn down sections and overcome the fences there. And those charges were dropped and the same DOJ entered into a civil agreement asking those law enforcement agencies to re-examine how they handle mob situations. Six months later, you have the same far less egregious, far less dangerous protesters who were rounded up, subjected to armed SWAT FBI raids for misdemeanors and nonviolent felonies that is still ongoing, by the way. Julie, That's the closest comparison. Okay, Julie, I've got a question. So wouldn't I think a lot of people on the other side may argue that actually these on January 6th was much more violent because they actually invaded into the building. Whereas in the example you gave, they didn't manage to actually get there. What would your answer be? Wait, they invaded the Capitol building? Yeah, so on January 6th, they managed to actually invade into the building, didn't they? So when you say the word invade, what do you mean? Because in Okay, Newark, okay, let me rephrase that. Yeah, they let me were allowed that. into they bro- the building they, well, to have well, well, some of them were allowed in, but some of them, the video shows of they smashed uh, certain windows, didn't they, on certain parts of the building. So it wasn't okay. it it wasn't that everyone was allowed in. Do you agree with that, Julie? No, not everyone was allowed in. The majority. Do you know what the majority of charges related to January six is? Do you know what the biggest charges for January? No, no, tell, us, tell us. Parading in the Capitol. A class B low level misdemeanor. What was the worst? What's the worst charge from the from the capital? Uh, seditious conspiracy. 
Conspiracy, by the way. Conspiracy, a thought crime. Yeah. Um, Can you compare this to the Brett Kavanaugh riots and how those people were charged versus us? Um, I would be happy to. So in 2018, you had hundreds of protesters invade, I'm going to borrow that word, uh, invade Senate buildings to stop another official proceeding, which was the confirmation of a Supreme Court justice. Um, They also were arrested, many of them. But what usually happens in Washington, D.C. is political protesters who violate the law or they invade, and I'm using quotes, invade a public building as government proceedings are going on. They get a $50 fine. Usually they are dropped and they go on their merry way. Those protesters got far closer to anyone, including U.S. senators, accosting them in elevators, accosting them in public streets. They got far closer to any lawmaker than anyone on January 6th did. But they were heralded as heroes. And they faced no such charges, felony obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy, even though you had people like Elizabeth Warren outside of the Supreme Court instructing those very same protesters to go into set into the Senate and protest and cause hell. You also had when the announcement of Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation was announced by the Senate, you had protesters in the Senate who were screaming at Mike Pence when he announced it. They weren't subjected to pretrial detention for two years for obstruction of an official proceeding. Julie, what was so the damages on the 2018? What was the damages to the Capitol in the 2018 Kavanaugh protest? What was the estimated monetary damage to the Capitol during the 2018 protest? What what difference does that make? What difference it, does it that matters. make? It matters. No, no, it matters. Uh, it's comparison. Well, no, it doesn't matter. The damage in the Capitol, by the way, was caused by police. So, what, what, oh, what, were... but what? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Why though? Um, Why did the police have to use? Okay, what was the damage so, for twenty? So you're suggesting if they didn't damage anything, they could have come into the Capitol. Twenty twenty one. If it was so peaceful and people were allowed in, why was there over one point five million worth of damages to the Capitol building? And I witnessed. I witnessed what went on in Kavanaugh with violence. Tom, Tom, I witnessed the violence. Okay, if there, if the police was required, if the police caused the damages, is your argument? Then the question yeah. is, why did the police had to use that type of force to reestablish order that they clearly lost? It was one point five million dollars worth of damages the Capitol building after okay. the January 6th okay. event. Okay. Okay. I've got a so who should pay for that? And and by the way, everyone, including extreme and i know that you're a, you obviously are a def, you know have defense for poor defendants who are entrapped by the government on bogus charges so people who can't even afford it, afford attorneys are now being forced to pay fines and restitution for that so that's being compensated i i hope that you're okay with a little bit of damage to a government building because you'll also recall that when Brett Kavanaugh was being confirmed, you had lunatics who also overran police lines to pound on and try to enter the Supreme Court where he was being confirmed. Do you recall that? I don't know that there were damages being assessed. Julie, those people are in those people are in jail now. Who who's in jail? No, they're not. You're just making stuff up. Who's you saying have, they're in jail they now? Won. 
you are completely making things up. I will agree with you that, uh, and I have long been a critic. That, that wasn't me, by the way. System. That was, uh, yeah, just to, that was not also Julie, just a heads up. That was uh, William, just to make sure you, you differentiate. Go ahead, Julie. Okay, so no one languished in jail after they tried to beat down the doors when Brett Kavanaugh was being uh, confirmed or when they occupied Senate office buildings for weeks and when you had lawmakers instructing them to go do what they did. Um, you actually had stars, celebrities, etc., who were bragging about it. Um, but look, there is no question that there's a double system of justice. This is proven from 2017 inaugural riots, 2018 Kavanaugh. You could go through a list. What is happening to these people, for the most part, is a travesty. And I agree, and I've long been a critic of our judicial system. I have witnessed it when I worked in politics long ago. But what's happening now, no one should support or defend. And if you are still this upset, I said this last night, 26 months later over a four-hour disturbance, and you really think that people's lives should be destroyed, that they should be on TSA terror flight list for being charged with misdemeanors, they should lose everything, then I'm not really sure how I convinced, can convince you Julie, that... Julie, Julie, people are still... Trump is so upset about a 12-hour quote-unquote disturbance that's also called the election that he lost three years ago. He was tweeting at 2.30 a.m. Uh, just a few nights ago, getting upset about the election results. So I don't know how you can say that people are, or make fun of people that are upset about people trying to overthrow the U.S. government when the person who orchestrated... No one tried to overthrow the U.S. government. That's false. That's false. You're saying false things. Alert, alert. (laughs) Alert, alert, alert. Tom has me block on Twitter. Alert. Republicans like... Go ahead. Sorry, that was me. Okay, wait, wait. Oh, Uh, go ahead. Let's do this. Go ahead. Yeah, let's just do this. Okay. So I know, Matt, you wanted to bring something, and then I did see Heather. So, Matt, if you want to bring, just respectfully, Matt, by all means, bring up your point, and then we'll go to Heather. Who's Matt? There's not a Matt on stage. Uh, I'm sorry, William. William, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, William. I got his text message, <laughs> yeah. and it's oh, good, Matt. William, yeah. sorry. <laughs> William, did you, is, was there a point you wanted to make before we give the mic to Heather? Just without I, any personal I, attacks, please, William. I, I think I said pretty much everything. Um, like, I, I don't understand how you can... Um, how you can accuse people that <laughs> I, I think I said everything. I, I don't think I need to take anyone else's time. Oh, cool. I'll, I'll I appreciate it. Heather? I've got a question. Okay, wait, wait. Thank you guys. Wait, 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 let me get to my points here. Cause I think like we're sort of gravitating away from the facts of January 6th, right? Like there's, let me remind everyone. There are two sides of that building, right? There's one side where there was a lot of violence. There's broken windows. There was another side where 20,000 pound doors that should have been locked were open and people were let into the building, right? That's totally different. Those people did not smash windows. And some of those people were scheduled speakers that were on that, those steps and were surrounded by a crowd of people. And when those doors opened and flashbang grenades were shot by police into the crowds, the only place they could go was into the building for safety. And the other side of the building where you which, have... Uh, just had on this on these doors, because I know it was mentioned earlier, in, and I wish we we mentioned it in the beginning of the space, because we had, uh, obviously, uh, uh, ex-Capitol police officers in the uh, on the panel, and mm-hmm. we had Kyle. 
Um, but can you, does anyone else, uh, so, so Sulaiman also, well, Jim, I, Brian? Yeah, like, I don't know. No, I want, I want to learn more about this. I want to, I want you, I want to, like, keep it focused on you, Heather. So you'll, you'll be on the mic for a bit. But on those doors, I just want to understand it better. What do we know? So there were doors. Uh, can you tell me again, like, where are these doors located? What do we know? As in, what evidence do we have? What stories do we have? Just want to better understand it, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Derek can also talk about this because, as he mentioned earlier, he went through those same doors. I interviewed over the weekend Dr. Simone Gold, who went through those doors, along with her security detail, John Strand, who was hired to basically protect her as a speaker that day. And he followed her into the building once they all got pushed in there because of the flashbang grenades. When they first showed up to that, they both said the doors were closed. And it's on camera that eventually the doors are opened, but they don't know who opened those doors. But once the flashbangs went off, and we don't know why they were used, because at that time, from all of the people that I interviewed there, there was no unruliness on this side of the Capitol. And they all ended up, you know, getting frantic once those loud bangs and stuff went off, as you can imagine a crowd would, and people started pushing the, the front of them into the building. And so a lot of this stuff is all on camera. Derek can talk more about the specifics of those doors, but this is something that begs the big question because there are two different sides of the Capitol where people were entering. And I don't, I, th- I don't think it's fair to conflate what happened on each side. And I just wanted to make one more point on the other side where there were people smashing windows. To my knowledge, I don't actually know the names of anyone that was physically arrested and charged with the breaking right of those windows. But I do know that there was a man by the name of John Sullivan, right, who was arrested at prior BLM riots. He's on camera inside the Capitol saying to burn it down. And he was also in D.C. the night before posting on a platform called Discord using the hashtag counter intel posting uh, pictures of himself in Trump gear. He had a group which John Solomon of Just the News documented very well. Um, He had a group called Insurgents USA that was scheduled to meet and protest Trump at the Capitol on January 6th. Um, prior to the entry. So these are known Antifa BLM rioters that have been previously arrested that were posting pictures of themselves in Trump gear and that were seen on camera inside the Capitol saying to burn it down. Why is he not sitting in prison right now? And how did he get an interview on on CNN less than like two weeks after the Capitol, right? Like, so, like, there's just so many questions. If you want to say the people breaking windows belong in jail, we still need to make sure that those are legitimate Trump people or were they Antifa or who were they? And I think it's wrong to assume that those people were all Trump supporters. Wait, 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 Heather, Heather. So you say that they should all, anyone breaking in should go to jail, but then you also say that they're simultaneously not Trump supporters, but then you say that they're also Antifa, but then the, the people that are in jail are also Trump supporters. So how does that... So, how does, no, I'm that's saying a, that a, it is a yeah. fact that there are Antifa that were there that day. It's a fact. They're on camera. Look up John Sullivan. He's on Great. camera. So they'll, they'll be in so jail. So it's wrong they'll be to jailed. assume... So you, you both agree, so Heather, Heather, you both agree that whoever broke the, the whoever broke into the building, we just, you're saying we don't know who it is, and, and this it's is a question Donald to ask, but whoever it is Donald should be charged Nicola. accordingly. Yeah, anyone who Donald broke in, broke in, should be charged accordingly. And, and I think the fact that these people are saying they're Trump, Trump supporters. Yeah, hold on, hold on, sorry, you both speak at the same time. Sorry, William, I'll let you finish your point and we'll go to Julie. I think she's adding something. Go ahead, William. Yeah, so, so 
anyone who broke into the Capitol should be arrested, put in a jail for many, many years. And uh, I, I want to remind people that at the beginning of all this stuff, everyone on the right said that these were all Antifa you know, members infiltrating, trying to make Trump look bad, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, put them all in prison, throw them, put them in jail, throw away the key. But they did that. And then they figured out, oh, wait, these actually aren't Antifa. They actually are Trump supporters. John I mean, Sullivan was not a Trump false. supporter. John Sullivan was not a Trump supporter. Oh, but that could be. So the, maybe John Sullivan was there. I don't know. Uh, it would be good to get videos. But uh, maybe he was there. I, th- I just don't think he, he's a representative of, of hundreds of people, thousands of people that were there. But it's a valid question. I don't want to dismiss the question they're asking, Heather. I, I want to go to Julie. I think you were adding something as well. Um, so Dominic Pizzola is on trial right now as a member of the Proud Boys. He smashed uh, the window on the Senate side, and he has been incarcerated now under pretrial detention since January 2021. So he's on trial now. On, on what um, charges? On um, breaking, on vandalizing the Capitol and seditious conspiracy. So you have five members of the Proud Boys, including a few who entered Ethan Nordeen, for example, who's on video walking through open doors on the Senate side with Capitol Police standing right there. But aside from the fact he smashed the window and he has been um, under pretrial detention order since uh, January, February of 2021. So he has been detained and he is being charged and is now on trial. Aside from Antifa, we know that there were numerous FBI informants, and we know this from trial and we know this from reporting. What we don't have an answer on, and Chris Ray, et cetera, will not answer what those FBI informants and undercover agents, and there were undercover agents for DC Metro, there were undercover agents, we see them that were armed, that were walking to the Capitol, plain clothes, in plain clothes. What they did, what their involvement was, we still don't have an answer. So the idea that all of this was organic, that it was provoked by Donald Trump, that this caused the uprising, we know that there was intel for DHS, FBI, the Washington Field Office, DC DHS that had intel, that had informants who were working with some of these so-called militia groups months before. We still don't know what they did. We know that informants... Julia, I I was one of those people and pretty much all we did was inform them that a bunch of you... like uh, I'm not going to say you, but a, a bunch of lunatics were going to overthrow the or, or attempt to overthrow the U.S. government. And the FBI was informed of that well ahead of time. Wait, you're an they didn't do anything. You were an informant, you're saying? Wait, I, I informed federal law enforcement of things that were happening. That That's, I, I don't know. Wait, you told, but, okay, so this is interesting. So you told law enforcement that something was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? The chief executive didn't do anything to stop it. What? Oh, oh, this is fascinating because I've heard many times. So you told law enforcement that something was going to happen. Did you tell the FBI, DC? Yes, yes, I told the FBI. I was in contact with many people actually in the FBI. And And they they knew something was going to happen. And you know what? The chief executive didn't do shit to stop it. And the question is, though, why? We know that they had a threat. Because the, the guy, the guy who ran everything, who told people to go to fight for the, for, you know, to fight then, against the election. 
Clinton is the person who who wanted the election results overturned. That's what? why. No, you skipped over a really important part. So you, as a quasi-informant, or you had intelligence that something was going to happen, you I'm, noticed... I'm not, I, I never said I was an informant. I said I was in contact no, no. with the you FBI have... about, about events that were happening before they happened. And how did you collect that intelligence? Open source intelligence, social networks. Uh, I don't... I Gab, I, I don't remember all the exact ones at the time, but there were many, many people on many of these, uh, not as much Twitter, actually, but more so uh, darker parts of the Internet, um, who were talking about basically wanting to overthrow the government. And that was very concerning to me. And I forwarded it to appropriate law enforcement uh, authorities, and they didn't do anything with it. So the, this idea that, that it was all you know, orchestrated by the deep state and everything else, you know, m- maybe that's the case. But from my perspective... The person who had the most to gain from people overthrowing the government was the person who told them to go to the Capitol to try to stop the election. So do you well, do you oh, think that like all well, 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 the public- hold, on. hold on, hold on, Heather, hold on. I'll give you the mic a bit. Go ahead, Julie. Hold on, hold on, because we've heard this from numerous sources, including informants who are run into the Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, etc., that um, they were worried that something was going to happen. We know that the Washington field office, Stephen D'Antuano was collecting intelligence from 56 field offices. They had a threat tag called cert unrest 21. Um, And it was not just Trump people. It could have been BLM Antifa because we know it was happening in Washington throughout 2020, including the marches in November and December So the question, though, is why if law enforcement, including the most powerful, no no city in America has more law enforcement agencies than D.C., why they kept the Capitol intentionally unprotected if they had all of Julia, Julia, maybe or Julie, sorry, maybe it was because the guy who had the most to gain from this, if the U.S. government was overthrown, was the person telling people to march to the Capitol to, quote unquote, fight. Oh, he said peacefully peacefully and patriotically. And he also told people that they needed 10,000 National Guards troops. We have that in testimony. We have that from the... Then why weren't they there? Why Why weren't they being dishonest about... Liam, uh, Liam, Liam, uh, sorry, William, I got a question. So you said you gained this intel from the dark web. Can you elaborate a bit more? Because I find that interesting. Yeah, that that was my exact question as well. Where did you get that intel? What type of intel? Anything you can remember... It would be great. And then, what was the re- the response from the authorities? Um, I don't. I don't think I said dark web. I said open source intelligence. Um, some of it was from the dark web, but that's also open source intel. Anyone can go on the dark web if you have any modicum of uh, technological experience. But it was all information gained from public, you know, public information gained from the internet. Um, and it, again, to me, it was very obvious what was going to happen, and I. I informed people that were in federal law enforcement at the time. The only reason why I even knew people that were in federal law enforcement at the time is because I had some of them show up at my doorstep because I was I was doxxed by not even doxxed. I was swatted by um, some people on the far right who made up allegations that I was going to shoot up a school. All this bullshit. FBI showed up at my door to investigate, found out it was false very, very quickly. And and through that interaction, I, I I conveniently got contacts with people in federal law enforcement. And, and from that, um, 
in, in kind of my position being someone who is, I, I guess, a public figure, you could say, on the left-leaning side of the internet. Um, I had a lot of threats naturally thrown in my direction. I had a lot of things that I could pass along their way, and they either you know, acted on it or they didn't. And there were many things that were concerning. Again, nothing that was not on the public internet, and I, I passed it along. They acknowledged it. And that was that. So I. So, so I, I, I'm really interested on, on I'm personally curious about this. So, what type of things did you see on the web that gave you that indication? What type of messages? I know it's a long time ago, but what do you remember? It's pretty fascinating. People, I, I have screenshots. Like, I can definitely get you, Mario, a, a pretty extensive compilation of documentation of all this stuff because I, it's in my, <laughs> it's I, I have screenshots of, of it all, but. Um, a lot of it was on Parler, um, and I'm trying to think. I think Gab was another social network at the time. Truth Social, I don't think, was even out from my recollection. From my recollection, but um, just people saying that they were going to basically overthrow the government, that they were going to stop the election results, that they were going to assassinate everyone in Congress. They didn't agree with the election being "quote unquote" stolen. Um, the same kind of rhetoric that led people to to break into the Capitol and, and face multi-year prison sentences as they are today. And people are still, for some reason, defending them. But the so William, kind of... William, just to get to your point. So is so you've told us a story, a timeline. So is this the first time you informed uh, to the FBI? No. Not as, so you've done it previously. So you had a relationship. I, 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 there is, I, <laughs> people keep saying inform as, in the context of an informant, I've I've done consulting work for different different companies. Different, I, I've done consulting work, and there have been people that have made, made pretty serious threats against the United States government. That I'm obviously going to pass along to people in the government. That I just like anyone and any patriot would. Um, if, if someone says they're going to shoot up the CIA headquarters, like someone who told me they're going to kill me and my family did, I'm, I'm going to pass it along to the government. So Mario, if I may, because so Will is not the only one. Like I know, like yeah, yeah I want to, I want to make the, the, the like, position clear. Also, also, I just, I, 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 I let you. So the way I'm going to frame this is first, I want to clarify my position. Now, I don't, I don't want to paint you in a bad picture just for sharing information. I think anyone that sees something concerning should share it with the authorities. So that wasn't my intention. I was just genuinely curious about what you shared, what you saw. Um, and before you jump in, also, do you mind, Slaman? He's got a, a couple more questions because he's pretty fascinated by this as well. And then we'll go to you also, if that's okay. Go ahead, yeah, Slaman. Yeah, so because so, uh, for me, it's, you know, the psychology of when things happen is quite important. So when you're looking through these different applications as well, some of it you said is like the dark web and some of it's just normal applications, social media applications. You're looking at them from the perspective of possibly informing on, on these people, isn't it? So you're actually, are you looking for this information? No, I mean, for, for me, it was more so I was getting death threats from me and my family. Um, so so to, I guess to, to get specific, I had there's a person on Twitter who said they're going to come to my to my parents home and assassinate them and assassinate all my family members. Um, so I, I obviously was concerned. I looked into it. Um, I found out the guy had a manifesto on a some site called Pastebin or something. Um, he, he posted pretty extensive documentation about how he's going to blow up the CIA headquarters in Virginia, in Langley, Virginia. He had scoped out the facility. He had pr- he, he wrote in writing plans to to take over 
the CIA headquarters. He he had, he had documentation about um, their their schedules for security. He had plans for uh, IEDs that he was going to plant. He had very very extensive documentation. Um, this this was really where all this started. And uh, but, but, uh, so William, just before just before you just uh, ask the next question, I just want to say to everybody, like you're just answering questions. Like this shouldn't be a reason for people to start, you know, giving you hate mail or attacking you or being mean, because that's that's not what it is. This space is just for everybody to give their information, give their side of the story, and then let us have a holistic understanding of what happened. So I just want to make sure and implore anybody listening not to start acting crazy, basically. Now, uh, William, another question is, so, um, I mean, I want to understand this right. So basically you're saying that you were angry based on these death threats that were happening. And so that was the reason not, not as much angry as more so concerned about my own life and my family's life and people I care about. Cause I was, I was getting at the time for just merely saying that, you know, like it, things that I think most people consider, even if you don't agree with me, like would consider things that are valid to say without getting death threats. I, I was saying that the election was not stolen. And, and you know, I, I disagreed with this, this entire mentality that people are going to, you know, the, the, I saw them openly saying they wanted to overthrow the government. And I said, that's not, you know, that, that's not right, et cetera. And I, I passed along information to various law enforcement agencies. And again, it started, if you want to go to the root of all of it, it was because I was swatted by some people on the far right who tried to claim that I was going to shoot up a school, completely fabricated. And then from there, it went on to me getting death threats from people that actually had legitimate intentions to, to, to take over the CIA. And I, I pass it along to law enforcement. The guy is now sitting in prison for many, 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 many years. Um, Who? Is not, Who's was he arrested? Was he arrested before? Uh, uh, yeah, if you could mention his name. And uh, was he arrested prior to January 6th or, or after January 6th? This particular person was, was prior to January 6th. It was in the rhetoric leading up to January 6th. Um, I, let, let me get back to you on whether I, I, I'll, I'll was, he, was he arrested for threatening you and put in jail for threatening you? Why is that not public? Threatening to blow up the CIA headquarters in Langley, Virginia. And okay, is that not public information? It is. It, it was actually reported on the Washington Post. Okay, so it's so the name is public. Why can't you disclose it? Will Weaver. Okay. I, you know, I, I just want to go on the record that I believe some of what you're saying. I don't believe. A lot of what you're saying, I can't tell the difference. But I trust Tom, you as far as fine. I can throw you. That's fine. You blocked me on Twitter for a reason. You don't have to believe yeah, and, and, you know, that's that, that was my warning. I saw that I blocked you, and I block people for good reason. So if I may, if yeah, I, may also, I think, so ahead. Yeah. So I think because I, but William is touching a point, right? Like, I don't want, like, the, the rhetoric that was going on. So before I created my account, there was a lot of, and I know people talk about it, but there was a lot of OSIN accounts that are very popular that were tracking this and posted a lot of the messages that we're seeing, not only in Parler and Gab, Twitter, but others, as, as, as William said, more the 4chans, the 8chans, and even more dark webs areas. Like, there's a lot of accounts that would just publicly post on Twitter kind of concerning rhetoric, and a lot of them, and there's one specific account that's no longer active, that because of past experience and past history, he was very intimately familiar where to find a lot of these dark web forums where they would have these conversations, and he was sharing that, posting it actively. And again, it's like, you know, there was a there was a concern prior to January 6th. A lot of people who were tracking this were concerned about it. I think there is a legitimate question. I think Julie and everybody here else 
you know, uh, 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 Heather, Tom bring up a, a, a legitimate concern of like there was a deep failure at Washington, D.C., not only the Capitol Police, but in general, that act, proper action was not taken. And I think I am not of the belief that this was some sort of conspiracy to deny Trump his election and the, the whole slate of electors. I, I think it's just historical incompetence of the U.S. government, just like 9-11 and the failures of the WMD in Iraq. And I think there has to be a general investigation, hopefully bipartisan, to look at the deep root of the causes of what caused this and how can it be addressed because it could be any it could be any actor can do something like that. But the problem with this incident and this event, unlike other threats and plots, is that there was a lot of public information that talked about this. Uh, and there was well, a was it more people... was it more than yeah. uh, more than usual also? So I'm curious, still sticking to what, what William just shared with us and his discussion with Julie. And I know Julie, I've I've got your question in mind about why exactly didn't the authorities have more more capital police, etc.? Well, well, so I mean, that's a good good question. But, but, but is that relatively I, I, common? I looked at the information. The re- one of the reasons there wasn't sufficient security is because the left and their allies were controlling the security decisions, and the key violence they were worried about was violence between Trump supporters and their allied leftists. And they weren't terribly interested in securing the Capitol on January 6th any more than they were interested in securing the Capitol, uh, uh, the nation's Capitol, and I mean the nation's Capitol generally in both instances, uh, during during the effort to murder President Trump at the White House. Uh, the left didn't want the, ca- the U.S., uh, our capital city, protected uh, because they thought it would get in the way of their allied efforts to intimidate and threaten uh, Trump supporters. In fact, because of the lack of security, it it helped create the, uh, you know, you had too many people, some of whom took advantage of the situation and engaged in violence and in, in illegal behavior. All of that was because of poor security decision making that was seen uh, to get Trump as opposed to protect the populace. I was someone who was calling for strict security or 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 um, securing the nation's capital for a year prior and the fact is if 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 trump's desire uh to bring in better security for the capital was followed there would never have been a january 6 and i don't mean like on january 6 i mean generally speaking the left opposed securing our nation's city from political violence and it resulted in january 6th in part and then so you've got Mark, William. Mark, before I've got, though? I've got, yeah, yeah, I've got a question for you. Also, just want to kind of William's point because he's made it earlier. Is that the point you made, William, earlier? Is is that Trump, uh, you know, did the same thing that Tom said the left did, and that's to allow the protesters to get into the to the to the building and and stop the certification of the election. Um, that's the point you wanted you made earlier, William. But also, um, I want to go to you before going back to Julie. Um, is that relatively common to have like, – was it more than the norm? You know, there's a political Highly event more. by a president. It was, it was significantly higher. Anybody who was tracking this one, this is, the rhetoric that was coming out was significantly, significantly higher. And to, to just let me – like these – I know people like to make fun of these accounts, but these accounts have done phenomenal jobs. And I just use this, and I want to get into this discussion. But like these – some of these specific accounts, for example – in December 2019 and January 2020, started were one of the first people to start reporting about concerning developments in Wuhan, China, and COVID. These guys know what I, I am very fortunate that I have a chance to talk to them. They know how to track it. They are 
and, I'll, and I think they're young age. I'll, I'll second all this, not to yeah, not to interrupt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, What's what, what what point? So you're saying the accounts that were spreading that rhetoric are accounts that should be taken seriously? Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. The people who were tracking this this oh, rhetoric. And okay, okay, it. okay. Yeah, these okay. these accounts. They and, and and I think one of the benefits is, and I think people just don't undermine like the the, the fact that they're young, they're very technological seven, and they know what to do. And a lot of these people, and there's one specific account. I don't. I'm not going to mention his name because he left already. He's no longer active because of his own history. He was very embedded in right wing extreme right wing politics. And he knew where to find these accounts. He knew where to find it. And he was sharing a lot of the concerning developments prior to January 6th because the specific type of rhetoric is what Will is getting at. And I'm not trying to imply that the people, all the people went to January 6th were following that. No, but what I am saying is that there, there was this legitimate threat concern. Well, couldn't the authorities take action? Through. But I'm, I'm just saying if all this was reported, couldn't it have been squashed? Like this is one of my big questions. Uh, couldn't all this have been squashed way before – uh, they managed to get to the. To, to I, I think the issue, Mario. Again, there should be an investigation, and in there has to be a reasoning why there was failures. But this is the problem that you run into generally in these events, right? And specifically, sometimes you have some actors, right? And what they do is they leverage whatever side it is. They leverage First Amendment protected rights to then do their actions that are illegal. But they, they, they managed to utilize First Amendment protected speech, protest, mass protest, and then they have a specific political agenda that they want to achieve through violence. And they leverage that people have to manage these. Let's say the law enforcement has to make sure, OK, well, here's a protest. This is a sanctioned protest. We have to make sure the crowd is controlled or good and they're, they're marching along or whatever. And then you have these bad actors that leverage that situation to commit an attack or violence or a terrorist attack. And that's always kind of like a, you know, a nightmare scenario. It would be great to have, you know, uh, if we could have had. Um, um, mm. uh, uh, Kyle on, Larry, I, I, got, go, I, I don't go, mean to interrupt, Tom. but I, ha I have to run. And I just okay. want to end with the following point. The big news today is that two elected powerful senators, Schumer and McConnell, um, have, are trying to censor videos about the topic we're talking about. And I would hope we all can agree, at least the honest ones amongst us. I don't think everyone is particularly honest here. No, I think I think that we want would agree all this that... information to come out. News that on, the FBC on. under Biden is harassing Elon Musk for allowing this type of discussion to take place. And I'll be That's talking about it later tonight time. on Fox News. So I hope you all watch. Thank you for, for uh, bearing with me tonight. Hey, good to have you as always, Tom. Uh, William, would you agree? Uh, Jim, I'll go to you right after because I want to go to Julie on that same discussion with William. And then we'll go to Jim because he's been waiting for a very long time. Um, uh, just a question for you, William. First, do you agree with uh, Tom's uh, comment? Because you, know, you could agree on some things that nothing should be censored, including these videos by Fox, even though I'm sure you don't like Fox. Uh, and everyone should have access. One hundred percent. I I don't think that. Okay. Um. I don't. I don't think we'll see that Republicans voluntarily give that video footage up. But I I would love for it to be made public. Um. I I, I, don't I think, think it will. I think there've there's been indications that it will be shared with other news outlets. Now there's the argument that being shared with Fox creates an early narrative that's hard to dispel. That was mentioned earlier in the space. But so I think all of us agree it should have been shared with all media outlets and the public from the get go. But at least being shared with somebody rather than nobody's is a good step in the right direction, whether you agree with Fox or not. Uh, I do, if you don't mind, William, because it's still based on, on what you shared with us. You and Julie were having a really good discussion, and Julie had a lot of questions for you. Uh, Julie, I, I want to go back to you if you want to add anything to the – or ask William more questions because that, that was a really interesting discussion between both of you. 
It, it is. So first, I want to address the surveillance video. So House Democrats have had this 41,000 hours, the 24-hour reel of January 6th. They've had it since March of 2021. They could have released this to anyone. They are actually involved in obstruction of justice by not making this available to the FBI and DOJ to produce as discovery evidence to defendants. So I'll just set that aside. Um the people responsible for securing the Capitol at any point, especially January 6th, is the Capitol Police Board. That is made up of the sergeant at arms for the House, who at the time was a man named Paul Irving, the sergeant at arms for the Senate, who at the time was a man named Michael Stenger, who unfortunately died last year, the architect of the Capitol, who was just removed by Joe Biden, and the ex-chief uh, of police. They are responsible for securing the Capitol. Stephen Sund, who was the then acting chief of police for the Capitol Police, started petitioning his own board January 4th, January 5th, and throughout January 6th to have reinforcements, including the National Guard, at the Capitol that day. Not based on intelligence or whatever open source, you know, commentary posts from who knows what. But because there was so much violence in Washington, D.C., from June 2020 throughout the year, where in November, in September, November, December, BLM, Antifa rioters, activists attacked Trump supporters, actually confronted lawmakers, including people like Rand Paul and other lawmakers when they were leaving the White House. He wanted more security. They denied those requests repeatedly and intentionally delayed throughout the afternoon on January 6th, his desperate appeals for more help. The question is, and to what William is saying and others, an investigation as to why the January 6th committee completely buried any evidence that they produced in an appendix in their 837 page report um, that talked about security and law enforcement failures that day. They intentionally left the Capitol insecure. You had Capitol Police, and I've been at trials and I've heard testimony. You had a Capitol Police officer a few weeks ago at the Proud Boys trial. She was very angry that they did not get more direction and did not have more support from Capitol Police. You had five or six officers stationed on the west side of the Capitol at like one o'clock. That's when the breach occurred. You had DC Metro police who showed up at one o'clock, one fifteen, in full riot gear. They don't even know the Capitol. They've never even been inside the Capitol. They started throwing flashbangs and sting balls and rubber bullets and maced the crowd outside. Um, it was if you don't want to believe it was a largely inside job, which I do, then you also have to defer to the point that it was total incompetence, lack of direction. Yogananda Pittman, who Tucker Carlson discussed tonight. Wait, wait, Julie, Julie. So, okay, so you say it's an inside job. So all these people that have been here that have been talking about why they were at the Capitol, why they you know tried to overthrow the U.S. government, you're saying all of them were also in on it as well? Or what is your argument exactly? Dude, there? nobody here in this space said they tried to overthrow the government. and you No one tried to overthrow the government. They, they broke into the Capitol. Here. So like, why, why were they doing that? Uh, 2,000 people didn't break 
break into the Capitol to overthrow the government. And most people who are there. Julie, Julie, there's literally pictures of them with signs saying. No, I think what Julie, I think what Julie's saying. So I think, William, I think what Julie's saying is that there was a small minority that did that. And then the rest just followed through. And that small minority, I think what she's implying is that that small minority um, might have been either an inside job or influence, or at least it was facilitated. I'm not saying I agree with this. I'm just saying what the narrative is. Well, well, what does Julie mean by inside job? I think probably people want to know. What do you mean, Julie, by Inside job started. Was it? Yeah, so, yeah, maybe. That law enforcement agencies intentionally. That law enforcement agencies intentionally left the Capitol unsecure. That you forces elite commandos assembled at Quantico the weekend before January 6th. You have calls between DOJ. DOD, DHS, where they're apparently sharing information about what was going to happen. You had undercover agents who we know were embedded in these groups. We know that they were on the ground early on January 6th. Michael Sherwin, who was the acting D.C. U.S. attorney, was undercover at the Ellipse and walking with people, talking to law enforcement. Julie, I actually agree with you here. I agree with you here. They knew about about the attack and they didn't do anything. Dude, could you let somebody speak and like maybe raise? No, your I think hand Derek, it's good. I, I, I usually, I usually stop interruptions, Derek. I usually stop interruptions, but that, that's William agreeing with Julie, Derek. This is a pretty rare room moment, so I let him, I let him through. But yeah, so uh, William, I'm glad you agree on that point. Uh, well, Julie, I'll let you finish, and then William, I'll, I'll give you the mic. So the idea that Jeffrey Rose and the acting AG had assembled special forces at Quantico the weekend before was in high-level secret conversations with other cabinet members that we still don't know what they were about, that those forces were deployed to the Capitol early on January 6th, in addition to undercover informants, undercover agents with other law enforcement agencies who were with the crowd at the Ellipse, who were then with the crowd as they moved, informants with the Proud Boys who are at the first breach point, you have unidentified people who we know were rallying people to go inside the building. Let's not even talk about Ray Epps. Let's talk about people who were on top of the scaffold, who had bullhorns, who were instructing people where to go. You had Capitol Police who were a combination of two things, mostly one. They didn't know what the hell was going on. They were letting people into the building. We have this on surveillance video. We have DC Metro who is provoking the crowd, attacking them with what they call non-lethal munitions, which resulted, by the way, in the deaths of at least three Trump supporters, not including the shooting of Ashley Babbitt, which also inflamed the crowd, which, by the way, I heard from another Capitol Police officer testifying in trial when they started throwing the stun grenades at the crowd, unprovoked, unnecessary, on grounds, that that inflamed the protesters. So that's where a lot of the clashes came from. So the inside- Julie, but that's what happened in Lafayette. You're you're making this argument, but that's literally and what, what happened, happened Lafayette. at Lafayette. Okay, so right. what happened at Lafayette? <laughs> so, Julie, I have a question. Hold on, hold on, Julie, Julie, I let you. I let. So, so Julie, I'll give you the mic to respond to the Lafayette point and. Uh, 
Uh, you both have very strong personalities, so we'll keep it calm. Also, so I'll let you make your point and respond to Julian. I'll go back to Julian. I know there's a few hands up, so we'll go back to other speakers afterwards. Go ahead, also. Yeah, so Julian, my question to you is, yeah, so, like, I got it, like, the whole inflaming and the tension, so that I agree, because that's Lafayette, they were, we all saw the videos, like, they fired sun grenades because there was a curfew in place during daylight hours for them to leave, and then that caused the riot afterwards, so I agree with you, like, de-escalation is probably the best, and people went through, but you bring up the D.C. National Guard, Julie, you do know the D.C. National Guard reports direct, it's the only National Guard that reports directly to the President of the United States, Right. All other National Guards report to the to to the state governor and then they have a secondary chain of command through the federal system. So you have Title 32 and Title 10. Title 32 is through the state. Title 10 is then is 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 active duty federal. Right. The D.C. National Guard is the only National Guard that reports directly to the president of the United States and receives orders from the president of the United States. If President Trump was so concerned about January 6th, he could have easily mobilized the National Guard. And sent them in. All sorts. Hold on. All sorts. No, hold on. Let me let me let me get in here. I've been waiting. Listen, this is an important point. Julie, give me Julie, give me a moment. Sorry, hold on, Jim, Jim. Jim, yeah, yeah, so, so, Julie, uh, uh, Julie, do you mind if I get Jim to respond to that point? I think he's going to support you, Julie, because yeah. he's been waiting yeah. for a while as well. So, and then we'll go back to you, so, Julie. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Jim. Uh, and Julie, I, I worked on Capitol Hill for eight years as a chief of staff, so I, I know this stuff inside and out. All sorts. Are you also aware of the fact that even though the D.C. National Guard is, as you rightly say, directly under the authority of the president, were you aware that the president of the United States the administration in general has absolutely zero authority on Capitol grounds. That includes all the office buildings. It includes the Capitol itself. Every building associated with and under the control of Congress is off limits. And the president of the United States has no authority to put the National Guard on there. That call is 100 percent on the Speaker of the House. Are you aware of that? Okay, then don't put it. Okay, if you're so concerned, if, because no, your no, no, argument is. No, 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 it's not a matter of whether the, I'm concerned but I'm gonna answer about Jim. It's a matter that the President has no authority on his own to send them there. So he can, no, I'm sorry, Jim. No, I'm he sorry, all sorts, you're absolutely wrong. Not, There's no. Hold on, Jim, 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 on, Jim. Jim you you're just made right a point. That, that also that you're right that he cannot put it at the Capitol, right at the doors of the Capitol. Okay. There's other areas in D.C. where the protests were marching that was not under the control of the Capitol when they were in from the from Washington Memorial all the way straight to the Capitol. He could have. Why would he stop concern, them all sorts? Why would he stop them from going there? Thank you. Exactly. No, you listen to me. Exactly. My point. Hold on. I'm interrupting. You've had all sorts. You've had all night to make the choice and to mute people. I'm going to tell you something. I got a question for you all sorts. Explain to me this one thing. Let's say that every person that went over to the Capitol, I got two questions for you. I'm going to go one at a time. If every person that went over to the Capitol, if none of them broke a window, but they were able to force themselves in, is that an insurrection? If they didn't break the window, but they were forced to go in. So if they it's not forced the them their way it's, in, is that an insurrection? So the, an insurrection is not the method. It's the end I, state. I, I, just answer the question I asked, please. I'm, yeah, it's an end state. So okay, why are they so doing here's it? The question. If you're telling no, no, no. So what is an insurrection? All sorts. I've got, I've got a third question now. What 
is an insurrection? Define an insurrection for me. Like legally or my personal opinion? No, legally. What is an insurrection? All right, let me Google it. Let me get the oh, exact goodness. quotation. Point. An Hold insurrection on. is when people take up arms or use a specific means to overthrow a government. Now, the last insurrection... No, real that, no, insur- no, I want the, the actual, last no, I want the, real no, 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 no. insurrection of all source. You talked CFR all code? night What's all source. CFR code? All source. Well, I'm a co-host. All source. You have talked all night long. I have not. I've been sitting Hold back. On, guys, 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 sorry. Two seconds. So, guys, just two seconds. Jim, you asked a question. I was just Googling it. Um, so, I've asked the uh, chat... GPT to define an insurrection as a lawyer. The U.S. legal code defines insurrection as a specific offense in the context of the federal crime of sedition. Under federal law, insurrection is defined as an attempt to overthrow the government of the U.S. or to prevent the execution of any law of the U.S. by force or intimidation. The, the penalty for conviction of United States. That is the definition under U.S. Yeah. Okay, so all Code sorts. All sorts. Got it. Got it. Here we go. Insurrection or rebellion. Now, we know what a rebellion is because in reality, the last insurrection, if I can throw that out there, that happened was called the Civil War. The The earlier point uh, that Kyle Serafin made about the fact that we have a continuance of governance you have to go to war to have a real insurrection in this country. Now, there's one other point that you made, and I want you to answer this for me. Tell me, is there any legal grounds by which we can describe anyone as having, quote, used, uh, uh, leveraged the First Amendment to do something else. Is, is there any legal grounds for that all source at all anywhere? So I'm, I'm just going to be clear, like for when I'm referencing the CFR, the codes of federal regulation, no, 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 I'm past the insurrection. It, point. No, I've you been, made no, a point I'm earlier your, about I'm first amendment speech because no, 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 because you're, you're assuming that the only way we can accomplish an insurrection is by challenging and destroying the whole of government. Yes, because that's the only way not, you can do it. You have to have that intent. That is not what the CFR says. Yes, is it is. Rebellion and insurrection. No, you still not. haven't defined insurrection. It takes rebellion or whoever insurrection. Incites, so are we agreed that it's not a rebellion it, that took place? Who, so it's if you're challenging... What's the root the word of rebellion? Of Bella. What is the What does the Latin term Bella mean? You could say war, yes, but war. again, okay, you're so making, we're agreed that okay, but that's not how the code of federal. So would you say, hold on, uh, Jim, would you say, uh, would you say that the protesters were trying to stop the vote in the Senate? No, they were not there to, to I, I, and I posted this up earlier when we didn't have room for me to come on, but, um, no, they were not there to stop. Now, not in the sense of we're going to walk into the Capitol and we're going to stop this process. No. That was not what was taking place here.
at all. Would you say? Would you say some of them? Would you say some of them were there for that reason, and others were? There not? were people. The vast, vast majority of people who were there that day were protesting what they anticipated the outcome of the count of the vote to be, which is entirely a protected activity. Because, by the way, just to reassert here, the Constitution. Jim, Jim, before you carry on, so your, um, if I understand your position right, your position is that it was a protest. Yes, when absolutely. Some, by the, but, but, but by the way, there were a handful for, for, of people. I don't them, know the exact number within, of people, Jim, Jim, but there sorry, were a Jim, handful Jim, of people. Jim, 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 he's got a question for you just quickly, Simon, and I'll give you the mic. I'm going to let you carry on. You'll probably just say a quick yeah and then carry on. And your position is that within that protest, there were some people who took it out of hand. Yes, there were. And those people who committed actual vandalism or any real violence. And by the way, there was almost only vandalism. I'm not aware of any real violence that was committed by protesters who were not already shot at by tear gas. And so all that stuff that was happening Can on I the say, west side uh, of so the Jim, Capitol. Jim, I've got, I've, not, I've got another question yeah. for you, if you don't mind. And, and then I want to go to Julie. And, well, and well, hold on. I got one more question for all questions. Yeah, you know, there's. Yeah, I'll, I'll, before that, do you mind if I ask you a quick question? And I asked it earlier. Now, I'm one of the people that didn't look into this until obviously starting to cover it in the show. So it, it's a question out of ignorance, which is great because then, then you'd be able to educate me. In the uh, early days, there were a lot of videos of protesters coming in and, and yelling, hang Mike Pence. Now, I know this is a small minority, but then there is also reports of Mike Pence avoiding um, the protesters within seconds or minutes and, and, and running away. And I think, I don't know if his family was there or not. Can you first correct if I got anything wrong? Please do correct me. And second, I want to get your thoughts on this particular point. Um, how serious would you consider this, knowing the vice president was seconds or minutes away from protesters yelling, hang Mike Pence? But again, if I did get something wrong, please do correct well, me. Well, by the way, I've known Mike Pence since the ni- early 1990s. Okay. Uh, what he, I do believe he was truly very, very concerned about what was going on there. And I do believe that he personally felt that he was at threat. But the anybody who yelled that phrase should absolutely go to, and we're in the Capitol there, having forcibly gone in, should absolutely go to trial. And you may come up with the two, and I don't even know that it would raise to this level, but you can definitely pursue, do we think that they were being insurrectionists? And that's perfectly fine. As many people in the space have said. Jim, don't you think, sorry, Jim, just because what, based on what you said now, isn't that kind of uh, contradictory? Because, and, and I'll explain why. That basically, because you, you, your position was it was a peaceful protest, but it got out of hand amongst a few people or some people. But then you're saying Mike Pence had genuine fear. Why would he have genuine fear of a peaceful protest with a few people getting a hand? Well, no, but he wouldn't. Uh, I can ask. I can answer. Yeah, I think this is like this is. He had genuine fear, but he wouldn't. He wasn't there. There were protesters in the building. So he was being irrational. Yeah. No, well, I, well, I don't know if he's emotions. being irrational. So what, what maybe he's being. Maybe he's being. Hold on. Maybe he's being rational. Maybe he's being rational as well. Like they were hanging, hang Mike Pence and. There's always the plausibility that they would have harmed Mike Pence. Maybe yes, maybe not. We just don't well, know. I'm well, just more importantly, pure speculation. Mario, more importantly, Mario, you need to recognize that um, I do uh, that. It de- also depends on the extent to which Mike actually v- heard with his ears or saw with his eyes any of that activity. It may have been 
reported to him. I mean, keep in mind uh, that tonight on Tucker's uh, space, he was talking to the one Capitol Police officer who was trying to get the Senate uh, cleared out. Um, you know, that, that they would have also ultimately have checked on the vice president because he's president of the Senate. So uh, I don't know the degree to which Mike actually heard that. But what is important here is that uh, he may not have fully personally himself understood all that was happening. He was much of it would have been reported to him, although he might have heard something. But I didn't say fear. I said concern, FYI. So I didn't I don't know if Mike was afraid, but he was obviously concerned. He's expressed that he was greatly concerned. But but the, the, the broader point here is this. See, because what I keep hearing all night long, and this is why I'm so vociferous on this point at this stage, everyone keeps saying that they keep pointing to this being an insurrection. And I got to tell you, there were definitely people who absolutely, and I felt this at the time. And by the way, I'm guessing the, the J6 committee has my text because there were people in the White House I was texting saying, Get the freaking president to do something about this. I was concerned. But um, but one of the things that really bothers me is that no one's willing to admit that the probably 95 to 99 percent of everyone that was at the Capitol that day was there just to give a verbal and a public protest with their presence to say, we believe that there are inconsistencies in how in the electoral votes. And we want our elected officials to send that back to the states to get it looked at. And I'm convinced that had they been even successful at that and it had come back in, with the legislature saying, no, this was rightly done, then everyone would have been fine, even though they'd have been upset. And that's the thing we're not talking about. There's a small group of people that committed vandalism. And maybe there were people that said, kill Mike Pence. And that is such a tiny number that and to have have this broad brushstroke over everyone that was there is a canard. It's a lie. They were not there to overthrow the government. They were there to pull so, protest. Jim, 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 Jim. Go ahead. Go ahead. He, he yeah, William, I'll let you William respond that we've got to Julie shortly as well. And I know Derek and uh, June Queen are waiting for a while. So I haven't I haven't forgotten you guys. Uh, uh, William, go ahead. Yeah, just real quick question. Um, who told them all that the election was stolen and to go to, quote unquote, fight against the the illegal election? Yeah, results? I know what you're saying. And but you're you, saying it's yeah. Donald so Trump. But here's the point. So they and and others, they do. That does not matter in the sense that nobody, the vast majority of people were not there to overthrow the government. They were there to protest. So and we say, have an yeah, absolute so right Trump... as Americans to First Amendment speech to do such a protest. Absolute right. You, so, Mario, Mario, I, I, I get, I get what you're point. Mario, if I may, I think, and Jim, because I understand what you're getting at, right? And I understand there's people who went to protest because they legitimately wanted uh, the legislators to look at the Electoral College. Got it. And I understand that. I get that point. And I'm not denying that there was a significant majority of the people. But the fact that to say that because there was, even though there was a minority, the fact that there was a minority that you agree with that probably wanted to stop the procedure, to stop President Biden from being certified or whatever the procedure was, then that is where we can have that conversation about the, the whole quote unquote issue of insurrection. I'm not, what I'm getting at is that the, the the notion that because it was a small group of people or was poorly organized that failed 
and it failed miserably, does not exclude the severity of the situation. No, it, they, but, but right? you are misrepresenting the severity of the situation because you're also not taking into account what Julie has been so effectively pointing out. There were many, many. But how many people were, were charged for sedition conspiracy? Which, there are many ways in which it's been two years, and you had to Google insurrection, bro. You don't have a clue what you're talking. No, about. no, I had to Google the CFR, the Code of Federal Regulation. I have in my opinion of triggered CFR. for two years and had to Google the term insurrection. You don't know what you're talking. The about. Code of Federal Regulation, specifically. Because the code of federal regulation. Well, that's all that matters. Your saying, opinion doesn't matter in a court of law. No, it does because here you, you are arguing that the code of that you guys are arguing that for an insurrection that, to be true, you, you still have that to define insurrection. insurrection happen, it has to be armed, and it doesn't. And insurrection yes, it does. A rebellion US, has to be no, armed. No, it doesn't. And it, no, hold on, Jim. Jim, the, hold on, Jim. The at least the definition I'm looking at, Jim, um, just on on the definition. It doesn't say anything about having to be armed. It just has insurrection is defined as an attempt to obstruct it again. And we're pretending to, play, you know, to, you know, we're pretending to be lawyers here, so we'll kind of move on to to uh, uh, Julie and then Derek afterwards. But insurrection is defined as an attempt to overthrow the government of the U.S. If you could do it without arms, good on you. Uh, but if yeah, like yeah, yeah. no, 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 hundred thousand people came into the the, the reason I brought the, okay. the reason I brought up that it, it's it, it about arms is rebellion uh, in the CFR doesn't even matter. That's off the table. That is arms. Insurrection is a different sort of thing, and it doesn't require arms. But I'm going to tell you this. what? That's my point. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay, I get that. But here's the deal. Tucker Carlson talked about tonight, and all the information we had even before Tucker Carlson got the tapes indicates that what the Capitol Police did exacerbated already great tensions. It is the responsibility of Nancy Pelosi to make certain that there was protection on the Capitol. They refused the National Guard, which is the right of Congress to do. And the, and you are absolutely wrong in all of your discussion about the use of the National Guard. There was no reason to stop people from going over to the Capitol at all. The National Guard had no authority to do anything like that. And and that's why I'm going at the point. That's why I'm going at your point. So, so guys, guys, I want to... Wait, one, one other thing. Yeah, so, so uh, this is where the, Jim, this is where the, and, and I'm going through the comments. So anyone that uh, wants to ask a question or, or, or give their opinion, just bottom right corner, you got that purple circle. And I was going through them. It just seems there's like two extremes, Jim. On one extreme is like the president did this on purpose so people could stop the vote. And on the other extreme is that no, uh, Democrats did this on purpose to paint the protest in a bad light and create that narrative. Um, and I don't know where the, the truth is. It's probably somewhere in the middle. It just there's, it seems there's mistakes that were made. Were they intentional? Were they not? We don't know. But the questions worth asking. Is that a fair summary, Jim? Before we go to Julie, because I know, and then go to Derek. Well, I mean, it, 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 it's a fair summary of how people think about it. But by the way, the president of the United States, and I'm speaking specifically of Donald Trump, is entirely within his right to say that he, whether he's being stupid about it or not to say that he thinks that there were inconsistencies in the election and that the election was even stolen. He's an entire, and we've gone through this other times in American history. And, and, and the thing is, Brandon Straka being here is the perfect example, anecdotally, of course, but, but many times over multiplied that, uh, of, of why this whole idea that what was taking place, and I'm talking about broadly here, that everything that was taking place on January 6th was an insurrection. That's bullcrap. 
That is not what was going on. There were some people who committed vandalism and made threatening uh, uh, gestures within the Capitol. And, and, and those people need to be adjudicated, which, by the way, they have not yet been adjudicated, their case. Yeah, so, 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 so William, William, just quickly, before I go, before I go to Julie and, and uh, Jim, I just want others to speak if you don't mind, but just William, I want to see if you agree on that point as well. I'm trying to find points you agree on. Would you agree that the majority were there just protesting or going, going with the flow and there's a minority that broke in, that did the wrong thing and uh, that led to others coming into the building? Is that a fair, a fair statement that you, you agree is a possibility? It, it's really hard to say. A, a majority is technically 50% plus one. Um, so I, I think that it's very possible that, you know, that, that half the people there were just useful idiots um, for Trump's rally. Um, but I, I, I think it's hard to say. I, I, it, so I, I'll, I'll just get, I'll just maybe it'll help you answer it. Because if you go on, I'm just trying to see how many protesters were there. They were... Um, okay, it doesn't say how many there was. I just asked the question, but they, I'm sure. Does anyone know how many protesters were there on January? I, I don't 6th? know if anyone did an accurate count, but there were certainly thousands. Of thousands. People. Okay, so how, it is estimated the thousands of supporters. Doesn't say the exact number. So, well, so what are you saying? It's like it's, if it's over fifty, hundreds of thousands on January six. It, 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 it was yeah. not hundreds of thousands. Okay, so thousands. okay, so either way, either thousands or hundreds of thousands. This it's a pretty big number. If more than fifty percent wanted to stop the vote, I'm sure they would have done. They would have. They could have done a lot more damage because we saw in the footage a lot of them were just walking in, taking photos, looking at the documents. Um, it, like the narrative made it seem like they were just looking for these senators to stop. You know. Harming well, Julie's them. So points just, are it doesn't, perfect for that because what I, I want to go. Yeah, we'll go. We'll, know, there, there's there are other. I know. I, I, we'll go. I said talk to Jim. We'll, we'll go. We'll go to Julie because I know she dropped out before, and uh, I see Brandon's unmuting. I'm not sure if he wants to add to the discussion, uh, but we'll go to Julie, and then we'll go to Derek uh, and uh, and Kajun Queen as well. But Julie, I would love you to to continue what you were saying earlier before you dropped out. William, what's the thumbs down? I thought we agreed on a point. What did not, I thought we were not, good? Not, not no, not entirely. Um, I. I, I don't agree. Um, <laughs> but they, don't you, so William? Don't you think so? Yeah. So I, I sorry, I, I implied that you agreed. But it, looking at the, that footage, doesn't it show that many of the protesters were just there sightseeing and, and going with the flow? It's like, hey, I'm, I mean, I'm in the Capitol building. It's pretty fascinating. It, What's there? Like they weren't, they weren't looking to to to, to harm anyone. Uh, maybe some were. I'm saying all of them weren't. But I just don't. I don't want to. What I'm seeing here is that where either you or Jim and others are just trying to paint everyone in one big brush. Some are painting everyone a bit one, like everyone's innocent. Others are painting like everyone is 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 you know evil or has bad intentions. Uh, it just seems like the minority had bad intentions. Or is that do you disagree with that statement? No, no, I'm, I'm not trying to paint everyone in a bad brush. I just so Brandon, understand. hold on, Bram, Brandon's probably going to correct me. He's going to probably say who's painting everyone is innocent. So yeah, Brandon, I, I yes, missed that's there. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I realized it as all I right, said it. All right, you, yeah, I realized. Go, go ahead, man. I just, I just won't even speak my point. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, go ahead, man. No, I was just correcting something I said. But yeah, go ahead, William. I'm disappointed that someone's interrupting. That's that's no, no. Derek, Derek, sorry. It reminds me a lot of, I don't know if you guys remember, we withdrew from Afghanistan.
and I don't agree with the way that we withdrew, but we withdrew and mean that it wasn't an insurrection. Um, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. I appreciate it. Uh, can, I'll go to, to Julie. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. No, no, yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, Julie. Julie, okay. I know, so Julie, I'll I know you've been waiting for us. So maybe, Brandon, do you mind? Yeah, right after Julie and Derek, if that's okay, Brandon. Um, yeah, Julie, okay. go ahead. So, William, I'm I'm trying not to laugh at your comparison, but could you name maybe five defendants charged in January 6th that you would compare to the Taliban? Could I name them right now or, or like... How about three? How about three? <laughs> three defendants. I, okay, Ju- Julie, I, I couldn't... Julie, Julie, I couldn't name one person in the Taliban. So no, I, I don't understand no, what your point no, is. You I'm, I'm talking about general comparisons between the behavior exhibited between the two I'm not going to let you sit here, and I'm not going to let you. Julie, 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 I cannot name a single person. No, I understand. So, so, Julie, I'll let you. Yeah, fair point, right. William. So Julie, William, I'll let you make the point William based on those questions. Yes. Yeah, so William has already displayed his ignorance a, a number of times. So I'm going to clarify one thing that was happening when the breach of the Capitol occurred. It was not the certification of the Electoral College. What was happening was Paul Gosar and Ted Cruz were about to start a dispute, a constitutionally protected protest of the election results in Arizona. What was going to happen on January 6th was 12 hours of public debate over six contested states where you had at least 18 Republican senators, over 100 House Republicans who were going to contest the results and call for a 10-day election audit commission. That is the proceedings that the left, the Biden regime, a lot of never-Trumpers like Mitch McConnell wanted shut down that day. That is what was happening when the Capitol was breached. The joint session had been adjourned at about 1.15 when Mike Pence adjourned both chambers that had been assembled to dispute and debate under constitutional rights and the Electoral Count Act to dispute those results. So the idea, now, William, I see you laughing, and you can laugh because you don't know what you're talking about, but that's actually the public record of what was happening. So to compare what was happening to the Taliban is absurd. A lot of people, there were some rabble-rousers, there were some people who committed crimes who are being persecuted, prosecuted far more than any political protesters. But the idea that this was some coordinated attack that was launched by Donald Trump when the actual first breach of the exterior West Side happened when Donald Trump was still speaking at the Ellipse and his people who were at the Ellipse when his speech ended at 1.10 didn't even get to Capitol grounds until 2 o'clock far after the first breach occurred, which was Ryan Samsell, Ray Epps, some of the Proud Boys, and their informants. This is fact. So um, to compare this to a domestic terror attack, these are the facts of the day. What... Julie, what the, Julie, it, it, it is a domestic terror attack. People are in prison right now because of the domestic terror attack. Oh, yeah. So to ignore the reality is not going to change it. So you think... William, you think what happened on January 6th is comparable to 9-11 and those people are comparable to the Taliban? Julie, was any, Julie, Julie when Julie, did I Julie, mention 9-11? Julie, anybody, when did I mention 9-11? Okay, one second. One second. Julie, was anyone 
charged, because I think you mentioned this earlier, but maybe I missed it. Was anyone charged for terrorism in relation to January 6th? They have not been charged with terrorism, but as the um, jury conviction, as juries are coming back with convictions, DOJ is asking for domestic terror enhancements for their sentences. Okay, so there could be some, there could be some people who could be charged for domestic terrorism. Well, Christopher Ray and Maybe Marcy in the Sweat- future, if you cross your fingers and shake your toes and like shake your butt and everything else, like maybe. Is this guy like a provocateur? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it, William. I didn't get your point. I'm still, asking, I'm still asking William to tell me five defendants that he finds are domestic terrorists. So while, 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 while William comes up with those names, Derek, Derek, uh, uh, Derek if you've been no waiting for a while, no, I do. I, I do want to get Brandon to speak and, and of course, uh, uh, Kajun Queen as well. But Derek, you've been waiting for a while. Yes, I have, man. Almost uh, over two and a half hours at this point. So I'm hoping that I can make a few points from this amazing discussion. Thank you, Mario, without being interrupted. The first thing I want to say is uh, some of the people on the left keep calling this a democracy. We're a constitutional republic, and I think it's important for people to understand the difference in that. Um, It's also important to understand that the original election deniers was uh, Hillary Clinton and Stacey Abrams. So this is not a uh, conservative issue or left issue. This is uh, this is a matter of national security for our country right now. Uh, No one attempted to overthrow the government. There was no insurrection. We are the most armed people in the entire world. And we showed up to the Capitol that day with uh, flagpoles, cell phones and uh, American pride in our hearts. So no one was there to overthrow the, the government. I would say, so Derek, I'm going to let you continue. I'm interrupting not to move to someone else, but you just made an interesting point. Um, so I just want to kind of highlight that point that, uh, again, the U.S. is, is one of the uh, per capita, one of the most uh, one of the countries with the most uh, most arms and all the protesters there or the majority of them. Um, didn't have weapons. If they really wanted to overthrow the government, they would have gone down with weapons and have achieved that. So it's a, it's an interesting point to make. Um, but I, I wouldn't also say that all of them weren't there to overthrow the government. Maybe there's a very small minority um, that was there with those intentions. Uh, but really interesting point. Yeah, and, and it's not just Americans, Mario. It's it's the conservatives are the ones with most of the guns in this country. And uh, as you said, I mean, we, we showed up there unarmed. Uh, with, once again, flagpoles and cell phones and uh, uh, American pride in our hearts uh, for that day. The other point I want to make is, you know, it's unfortunate that the spineless jellyback rhinos and our uh, elected representatives used people entering the building to, uh, you know, choose not to give us the 10-day reprieve that we were asking for. Uh, They should have went forward with that because it was the right thing to do at the time and stop using us as an excuse for them to to cave and and, and vote the incorrectly. The the other couple points I want to make that um, has been missing here is just how big this building is. Um, I was on the east side of the building. Uh, Everything that you guys have seen on the news, and quite frankly, most of you, well, not most, some of you guys in here don't have a clue what you're talking about. You're just repeating CNN talking points. Um, I never saw any violence that day. I never saw any destruction that day. And when I say any, I mean, I saw nothing uh, that was even remotely violent or destructive. Um, And I I saw women and children. I saw veterans in wheelchairs. There was a street preacher there. There were people singing and fellowshipping with each other. Uh, There was no violence whatsoever. Uh, I I saw that on the news like everyone else. So um, there was four sides of that building. And um, there's four stories and then there's individual stories within that. And people got to remember that. The other thing is um, Trump 
never i mean you have trump said to walk over to the capitol but that was the plan from the get-go there were planned speakers over there and there this was not a stop the steal rally i believe it was called march to save america the plan was always to walk from the cat from the ellipse over to the capitol so the fact that the mainstream media has tried to, t- to paint that as uh as as you know uh, bashing trump for telling people to walk over that was the plan was to walk over there the entire time uh, two more quick points, and, and, I'll, and I'll quit with, uh, with, with here. Um, we, we've we've uh, you know established within this conversation, and it was established a long time ago, but sp- specifically here tonight. That there was um, not enough Capitol Police to control. least 99% of the people were there peaceful uh, patriotically uh, were, were in awe that they were at the Capitol and were very respectful of the place the last question I will leave you guys with here in the audience is um, when have you ever known a group of criminals who are begging literally begging to have their crimes published everywhere we, we are so-called domestic terrorists we are so-called insurrectionists we are so-called these terrible people and we are begging for these videos to be released for the entire public. When have you ever known a group of criminals who says, please, 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 I'm begging you, broadcast my crime to the entire world for them to see that? Derek, Derek all, they, no, were no, no, they were released. They were released. No, 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 hold on. And, um, and, and then the only people who are trying to hide, you know, usually it's the criminals who are trying to hide things. Derek, the, they, the videos they, were released. William, William yeah. Hush, William Hush, I'm almost finished. Um, when the, the, the people who are hiding this right now are the government. The, the, they're, they're saying these guys are domestic terrorists or insurrectionists. You can't see the videos. Just take our word for it. Derek, they released the videos. Hush, they released William, them. Hush, William. They you released can, them. You, you You're lying. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll William, I'll give you, I'll let you, I'll let you, William, I'll let you make, hold on, will you, I'm, yeah, I'm, William, I'll let you make that point after Derek is done. Yeah, go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. 30, Derek. Yeah, 30 seconds and I'm finished, okay? Um, the, the government is saying, no, you're not allowed to watch the videos. Just take our word for it. Trust us. These are terrible people. And then um, I guess I wasn't going to say this, but I guess it's uh, definitely relevant now. Uh, William and a few others in here suffer from Trump derangement syndrome. It's really strong. You guys should go get that checked out. Um, so, actually, William, I'll let you I make the... A, I have a quick go question ahead. for Derek. Uh, Derek, what were the other artillerymen at the, the Battery of Fulton Moultrie saying? Wait, what is your question? My my question is for what would what were the other artillerymen at Fort Moultrie saying when you were protesting at the Capitol? Um, all I know is that the people around me were peaceful, singing this national anthem, no, 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 uh, no, no, being being very patriotic. You, I'm asking you about the artillerymen at Fort how Moultrie. Would I, if I wasn't with them, how would I know what they were saying? So the people no, I'm I was simply with, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm simply asking. So is it the, what's, what's the point behind this, Austin? No, the point behind this is for the for the other men and women who were, you know, as as Derek says, patriotically firing upon Fort Sumter. Um, what were their opinions on the Union when you were doing this? It's amazing because there was no one firing weapons except for the man who murdered Ashley Babbitt yeah, no, on but January what, 6th. What, 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 about, what, what about the people who were, who were trying we can to do what about We can the do house. what about we'll go, we'll go, we'll go to, we'll go to we'll, yeah, Austin, before going to you, and William, I'll just let you make, you, I'll let you make that quick comment before going to Brandon. Uh, you wanted to make a quick comment after Derek about the footage being released? 
Yeah, I mean, not not really anymore. I, I, again, I kind of made my point. I want to let everyone else who's who uh, who hasn't had a chance to speak to speak. But um, I think that people like Derek are are really, frankly, making the point for everyone who's saying that this is not this is not like a normal a normal thing. They weren't there to to defend the government. They were there to. <laughs> to do very specific things. So I'll, yeah, we I'll, were there I'll, to, to, to peacefully exercise our natural rights of free speech, natural God-given rights of free speech protected by the U.S. Constitution. That's what we were there to do that day. To say anything otherwise is just a CNN headline talking point. You, fire up on you sound like a CNN parakeet right now. Brand- That's what you sound like. He probably Brandon? thinks the Twitter files are fake too. So, so Brandon, Brandon, uh, let's stop the attack, guys. Uh, Brandon? Brandon? Okay, uh, William, 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 William. Brandon? Hey, um, so I joined you guys a little late, so I apologize if my... I just have a question, and maybe it was already covered, uh, but uh, this person, Legate, his name is William, is this correct? That That's not the question. Correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, no. Good question. Uh, Thanks a lot, Brandon. We'll go to the next yeah, speaker if you don't have a joking, guys. Thanks for having me tomorrow. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's been a great space. Thanks, guys. Um, Brandon, no, 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 no. nice to meet you. you. You blocked me on Twitter before, but nice to meet you again. Well, I, it's a, probably a great decision that I made. But um, my question is, I wanted to get in while you guys were discussing the definition of insurrection. And I don't want to get in the weeds about armed or unarmed. Honestly, I don't care. But I do. I think that to have an insurrection, you definitely have to have a plan. So my question is, William, was there a plan? Was there an organized plan to insurrect on January 6th? I, I don't think that the Trump supporters were particularly um, intelligent or organized in their, the manner that they tried to overthrow the U.S. government. But I think that they certainly were angry and serious about their plans to try to kill to kill Mike Pence and everything else they said publicly. Um, <laughs> I, I don't I don't think that's there's any question about that. They they publicly stated their plans to try to kill Pence. They 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 tried to. <laughs> literally break into the Capitol to overthrow the the election results. So to right. claim and, otherwise is a bit ridiculous. Well, and I think that you and I can probably actually agree on the point that like nobody should ever break windows and it should never go to that level. You know, I, I completely condemn window breaking and, and physical altercations with police officers and, and things like that. Um, so Brandon, I, I'm sure we can probably agree with overthrowing the will of the American people. Do you disagree with, you know, the idea of killing the American Congress to instill your personal opinion on how the election should go. Uh, why, why is those are two vastly election should go not not a a valid effort? Oh, someone right. under- no, no, no. But th- then then we find agreement here. We find agreement in the idea that we are conflating the ideas of window breaking with the ideas of overthrowing an American election. There's something different between breaking a window and. I'm honored that you think that I was capable of overthrowing the government. I I really am. It says a lot about me that you guys think that I was capable of overthrowing the government. That's that's impressive. I don't think you were. Derek, Derek, we don't we don't think you are. I believe that much about you. I believe in the power of a riot. I believe in the power of a, a of thousands of people. In a in a logistically placed core to do something like that. 
I don't think that Derek himself can run into Congress and punch out every fucking congressional representative. I believe in the even if I could, that wouldn't be overthrowing the government. That's what you guys are failing to understand. No, no, no. no. Can we get back to Brandon before? Can we get back to Brandon? Yeah, Brandon, Brandon. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. Right. So the point was, I I mean, so I feel. Also, before I ask your question, we'll just let Brandon finish his point, if you don't mind. Go ahead, Brandon. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, William, I, you were trying to get your dig in, which is fine, I don't care, but I mean, you were trying to get your dig in about how Trump supporters are too stupid to plan or organize, which I, I think in, in your quest to get your little dig in, you actually completely cut your own point off at the knees, because if people are too stupid to plan and organize, certainly they're too stupid to have an insurrection. Where I think we can come together on this is that it was inappropriate for people to break windows and it was inappropriate for the small percentage of people to fight with police officers, but you can't Brandon. just have a, you, you can't right. have a spontaneous insurrection. You're you're right. I agree. You guys were too stupid to overthrow the U.S. government. That's why you guys failed. It's not that's not some like rocket science no, or secret. No, that's not that's but that's so not what we're talking Absolutely about. Absolutely agree. But wait, wait a second. Well, so, that's so, not what we're talking okay, about. Brandon, the, go ahead. The, the point isn't whether the point isn't whether or not we succeeded. The point was whether there was an attempt to try. And you can't have an attempt to try without a plan. Please let him talk, man. Please, William. William, you interrupt everybody, man. It's okay to admit defeat. It's okay. He can interrupt me. No, no, it's okay. He can interrupt me. It's not a big deal. I just, the point is, I'm trying to draw the distinction here between what is a riot and what is an insurrection. You guys are the ones who are hanging on very, very tightly to the victimhood because we all know that victimhood is power and we know that the left derives their power from victimhood. This is a tactic that you guys use when you manipulate racism. It's a tactic that you guys use when you manipulate minority status and you're using it with January 6th as well. Calling it an insurrection makes you victims and gives you power and you don't want that taken away from you. What I'm trying to tell you right now is that we can come together and agree that a riot happened. Riots are spontaneous. They break out. They, they're unpredictable. They happen. Insurrections are planned. You can't, you sit down. You, you have a plot. You have a plan. This person's going to be here at this time. This person's going to be at this door at this time. We're going to come in there. You're going to kidnap him. You're going to tie him up. You're going to, there's a plan. There was no plan. A mo- there was a huge crowd of people and a very small percentage became angry and began to riot. Just like happened every single day in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement that you guys loved. You guys cheered on so, Brandon, if, Can I ask you a question, day. though? I, I think, I don't know if you, I, I, so I don't know if it was you or Derek, but I think I think somebody said, like, well, if we tried to kill Congress, it wouldn't be an insurrection. I, I think that does fall in the definition, but I think that, does that, not that would like fall something in the definition I would say. of an insurrection to try to kill Congress. But my question to you, Brendan, I think, I think there's... <laughs> okay. Please don't. So I, I think that, that definitely was not me that I, said that. I just want to put that out there. Okay. I, I, I think no it was said there. That, yeah. I think, I think, but I think you said it tongue in cheek. I got it. I got it. I think he said, I understand. But Brad, I think I have a question for you. I think it's not, and, and maybe he, he, I'm trying to see if we can expand this a little bit because I think what the issue, and this is where it might get conflated, right? I think there's the issue of the January 6th protest slash riot, right? That divulged into kind of like this riot. But I think there yes. was this, there was that. Plus, right, the attempts consistently since the elections of ensuring that President Trump stayed in power. And it's maybe the individual aspects of it. Right. So like the the the, the alternate 
electors that had no backing from any st- state secretary, like uh, uh, state secretary of state. Nobody signed off on that. You had so you had like the the electors. You had members of Congress, and then you had the Trump rally, and then that rally divulged in the, in, into a a riot. And it, it is it possible that maybe the 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 individual aspect of it might not fall on that? But do you think maybe in a holistic picture? If you take everything from the top down and all the events that were trying to done, that that might have been an attempt by Trump to stay in power that might meet that definition. Or is there a different definition or you just don't agree with that? No, no, no. Okay, so there's two two points I want to make. And so the first the 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 first point I want to make is that, uh, you know, I I'm a former liberal, former Democrat turned Republican. I voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I hated Trump in 2016. The first time I ever heard of the concept of an alternate state, uh, a slate of electors was when Hillary Clinton and her supporters were actually trying to do that very thing. I didn't even know that that was a thing. And uh, it was a huge movement by the political left, which I was a part of, by the way. It was a huge movement by me and other liberals and other Democrats to encourage an alternate uh, slate of electors to install Hillary Clinton and not Donald Trump into office. That was the first time I ever heard of that. So Donald Trump didn't do anything uh, that hasn't been done before and, in fact, was done in the previous election by Hillary Clinton supporters. But the second thing that I want to say, and I think where we can possibly find some common ground here, is, you know, you guys, again, hold on so tightly to this sense of offense that, oh, my God, you know, democracy may have been subverted and you people were trying to steal our vote. Do you not understand that that is exactly how we felt? And we didn't feel that way because we're retarded. And I know that somebody else here made this point that Donald Trump made people uh, put like put this idea in people's head or made people feel this way. This is, again, a huge key difference between the left and the right. The right doesn't need to be told what to think. You guys need to be told it's an insurrection. You guys need to be told if you tune into your. But I think, Brandon, I think where you're in your head. Hold on, let me finish my point. Let me finish my point. You can push back, but just let me finish. Uh, Where we can find common ground is that we believed that our votes were being stolen for a vast number of reasons. One, uh, mail-in voting was completely out of control and something that was supposed to be approved by state legislatures. And because of COVID, these were being signed off on by executive orders by governors, which is not the, the correct way to change voter laws. So that in itself was not constitutional. And in addition to that, mail-in voting uh, uh, ballots were coming in. They were being counted after the due date. Ballots were being counted that didn't have signatures, that had mismatched signatures, ballots from dead people, ballots from uh, convicted felons. I mean, it was out of control. It was one of the most out of control elections in American history. I can't sit here today and say definitively that there were enough uh incorrect or invalid ballots that would have swayed the election. I don't know, which is why I wanted a forensic audit of the vote, which is why I went to D.C. on January 6th, along with hundreds of thousands of other people, because we wanted to know that if Joe Biden was going to become our president, that he authentically and truly got 81 million votes from cast by one single voter who was alive and an American citizen and and a legal And allowed to legally vote in this country. We did not believe that that was the case. So the way that you guys feel about what happened on January 6th is how we felt for two months 
when we were trying to make sure that that election was not being stolen from us. And Brent, so, Brent, uh, no, let me, sorts, I think... Wait, hold on. Let me, let me ask this question. Let me just ask this question. Let me just ask this question. Let me just quickly, sorry, because I really want to, and I know, Austin, you want to jump in. I'll pass you the mic later. But I want to, I, I think, Brandon, where I think where I can make the differentiation, because I understand your concern. I think, and I don't want to go to the, like, the whole legal, the, because there was a lot of Holy court shit, cases going. about the election. Wow. But, but where I think for you, where I think the difference is, is that, the, so we had the election in, in, in 2016 when Trump was elected president, right? In November 2016, right? We had the night and then we kind of, it was pretty clear that Michigan was going to go for Trump and then he won. I think the difference is because I, 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 I know what you're talking about, that there was this liberal attempt from people on the left. But I think the fundamental difference is that Hillary Clinton, the day after she conceded, right, said, no, Donald Trump won. And she actually was in the inauguration, of Donald J. Trump as president. I mean, and she had, I mean, there was actually a moment where Donald Trump thanked Hillary Clinton in the, I think it was the luncheon or the dinner at the inauguration day and said, Hey, I want to thank Hillary Clinton for being this, you know, for, for, for being here and, you know, you know, being my political opponent, et cetera. And I thank you for being here. And she was there as the former first lady I can during address the inauguration that. of Donald Trump. But I think, but I, I think, can address you that. see how that can be a little bit different than Donald Trump to this day has not conceded the election. That's And the reason why is because Hillary Clinton had no reason to believe the election was stolen. And the, the reason why people were trying to push for the alternate slate of electors in 2016 is not because people believed the election was stolen, but because people became so... People were already t- Trump deranged, but nobody believed he was going to win. Everyone kept believing the mainstream media that was saying, yo, he has a 3% chance of winning. And by election day, it was like a 1% chance of winning. And lo and behold, he cleaned her clock. And then all of a sudden, everybody freaked out. And they're like, oh, my God, we can't have Donald Trump as our president. What the hell is happening? What can we do? What can we do? And they tried to cook up this scheme with the alternate slate of electors because they couldn't fathom the idea that Donald Trump had actually won the election and he was going to become president. But nobody had any legitimate reason to believe the election had been stolen until they created the Russian collusion delusion, which was total horseshit. And we all know that now as well. But we had a legitimate reason to believe that the election had been stolen. And by the way, Donald Trump has a legitimate sorry, what, right to believe to say what he says about the election, whether it's right or Good Julie, what'd you or say? appropriate or not? Um, let's let's go to what Brandon just said. Hillary Clinton to this day still insists that tr- Donald Trump was in cahoots with Vladimir Putin and the Russians to rig the election. Most Democrats still believe that that's true. Donald Trump's first half of his presidency was hijacked by the Russia collusion hoax, which was orchestrated by the same people who brought us the impeachment and January 6th. So all of a sudden now, to Brandon's point, we're supposed to believe that what we heard for four years under Russiagate now all of a sudden is criminalized to doubt the outcome of a presidential election? I don't think it's criminal, Julie. I'm not thinking it's criminal. But I, because what I was trying to do Wait, is it I, was I, criminalized. We had a special counsel rounding up people pretending that some. No, the election denial, the, the election denial. Right. No, because no, I think, it wasn't denial. It was that the election was rigged because Donald Trump was in cahoots with Vladimir Putin to sway the outcome of the 26th. Well, I, I, well I'm talking the 2020 election, right? So no, 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 you, no, no, no. 
But that was okay. That was fine. And Jamie Raskin stood on that floor in 2017 and tried to object to the outcome of the 2016 election. Was that somehow seditionist? No, no. So it's not seditious. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, I think you, as a, wait, a congressman. Did you, believe in, did you believe in Russiagate? Did you really, did you believe that Donald Trump was that did you believe in the Russiagate hoax? No, I, no, I, I clearly the, the the Mueller investigation came out that there was no there's no evidence that 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 the Trump administration had any direct coordination and and, and, and collusion, I guess, is a real collusion, quote unquote, with with Russia. I'm not saying that. But I'm that not. I'm not the, trying to go to the 2016. I'm trying to go to the 2020. I, Denying so the results I'm, of the 2016 election was mainstream. You had an entire group of people called the resistance. Hashtag no, but right. But and so, so but again, what I'm trying to argue, what I'm trying to I'm trying to, to see where if, if people can understand, I think this is kind of where the conversation I had with Brandon is I think the, the issue is not a singular event, because I think you guys bring up good points. But I would go back to you, Brendan, if I may. I think, you know, there was legitimate concerns from your side, obviously. And, and, and what I would say is that that was played. And I would like your opinion on this. Right. Because. I think where a lot of that was kind of settled was in the court of law. Now, I would like to repeat. So there was significant amount of trials that the Trump campaign put across multiple states after the 2020 election to try to say, hey, we have X, Y and Z concerns. We have the mail ballots. You were saying it exactly. Not a single. And even it got all the way up to the Supreme Court. And let's not forget there was a there was a case where I believe it was like 20 plus Republican state governors, right, filed a motion to the Supreme Court to to, to argue this case. And the Supreme Court didn't hear it. And 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 there was a final case of the the Supreme Court said, we are not going to rule any way, shape or form on this validity. President, you know, President-elect Biden. There were no trials. You said trials. There were no trials related to the outcome of 2020, including at the Supreme Court. They but because they they refused to hear it, right? Because the Supreme Court has found no no standing on it. They said we do, and and if anything, standing, right. that's why that that's the issue, right? Because what what the argument, the only one that made it to the Supreme Court was it was when they when I think it was the the I think if I'm not mistaken, it was multiple Republican state governors sued California on how they ran the election. And the reasoning they did that was like, this is a way we can get it to the Supreme Court because now you have an interdispute between states and that is an automatic measure that gets sent up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme no, Court said, was, absolutely not. It's Ken Paxton, so you don't have your facts right. Yeah, Ken Paxton, correct. The Texas Attorney General, yes, correct. It was not governors and they did not sue California. It was Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And yeah, okay, perfect. Okay, so Thank you. Please... So you're saying that there were trials going on. Let's make sure that facts are important. What you just said is not accurate. There were no trials. And the Supreme Court, the Ken Paxton lawsuit, was Republican AGs. They didn't sue California. They sued states where there was proven election fraud by Democrats. But why didn't the Supreme Court want to hear it? Why did the Supreme Court not want to hear it, though? If there was proven fraud... Why did the Supreme Court, there was a reasoning why, and I think you know which one it is. Wait a second, but there were also lawsuits that went to the Supreme Court, including Pennsylvania Republicans, and you had disputes by people like, um, but why wasn't that heard? Who said, 
uh, you know, but uh, hold, hold on a second. It doesn't matter whether or why this was heard unless you're trying to make the point that w- because they were heard. Can I jump in on that? These, Is anybody talking? What? Yeah, yeah. But, no, but, but uh, because I, I, the whole, all sorts, all sorts, all sorts. L- listen, if it. The only way that it could matter what the outcome is Julie coming the, out or is it me? Of the no, sorry, Brandon, somebody's... Brandon, uh, yeah, no, no, Jim is speaking. You can't hear him. Brandon. Yeah, you guys I'll can't hear him. That's why I was trying to trip. I'll bring Jim you. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, now only Brandon can't Should hear. Should I leave? So, so yeah, I'll bring you. Should no, no, I'll bring you down. Don't worry. I'll, I'll sort it. I'll sort it. I'll sort it. Don't worry. Yeah, go ahead, Jim. Okay, ahead. so, so, okay, sorry. So it does not matter that the courts said or wouldn't take the cases or ruled against them, which they talk about 60 plus cases and it was mostly the courts wouldn't take them. It wasn't that they were found wrong. There was no adjudication on any of them, not even the Supreme court case, but that doesn't matter unless what you're saying, what the point you're making is that if you went and protested at the Capitol, therefore you were an insurrectionist because the courts had ruled against all your stuff. Well, that's that we still have a right to protest. Like we have a right to protest. I a hundred percent. Hold on. Hold on. I want to, I want to put a fine point on this all source. The First Amendment doesn't just say the right to free speech, but the right to a redress of grievances. And grievance is obviously an emotional term, if it's if anything. And when you've got people out at the Capitol standing there like Brandon, who didn't do a damn thing, who was only standing there because he wanted to tell the people in the Congress that there is something going on here that I believe is a problem, and I want you to hear me out. That's a redress of grievances. So there's very limited evidence of an insurrection taking place. There might have been, in fact, there have been no cases of insurrection. Let's just point that out, too. Like, you're talking about how these courts could not go and make any case. They didn't find anything on all of these voting things. Well, they also haven't found a damn thing when it comes to anyone related to insurrection because the case isn't there. And I just put up in the the definition of insurrection. And it specifically points to armed purposes in the in the dictionary it's just crazy the way that we have been characterizing people like brandon straka who has been a man who even probably didn't ideologically entirely agree with donald trump on things but just believed in his dang country and wanted to stand up for it and wanted to tell people to care and he gets treated the way he did it's absurd it is a misuse of justice and we should be pushing back against that and we don't have to answer to people about whether this was an insurrection it wasn't brent, right. brent uh, just, let's, ju- let's jump quickly said, Go ahead, Simon. Mario, Mario, also, uh, yeah, let me let me run no one second, let me just ask. Uh, yeah, so Simon will go. Yeah, yeah. So what we'll do is just, uh, Austin, you'll have right after Brandon, we'll go to you. And I know that uh, Kaju and Queen has been waiting for a while as well. Yeah. So we'll go. It's Simon, you'll ask your question. Then we'll go to Brandon, Austin, and, and Queen. Yeah, yeah, hey, my I'm question just taking Austin, off. I just want to was... say thank you, Mario. Oh, thank you so much, Heather. Thanks for joining. I appreciate all you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, go yeah, ahead, Austin, my question, uh, my question is, uh, this is a question to you. And maybe it's uh, my lack of understanding of uh, what was happening that day. So, what? Let's say let's go the worst case.
this scenario, what, how could this, how, what, what could have occurred in terms of the protest? So let's go, let's assume, although I think Brandon's kind of di- diminished that argument, but let's assume that there was a plan and there was this idea that they were going to overthrow the government. What could they have done on that day that actually would have caused the over- overthrowing of the government? That's, that's what, if you can answer that. Who's the question for? It's for Austin. Yeah, I think it's Austin. Yeah. Oh, it's for me. Oh, oh, yeah. So, um, looking at sort of how the U.S. security apparatus operates, and as we've seen from footage shown by both Tucker Carlson and the January 6th committee, obviously a ton of people were running into either secure bunkers or secure uh, methods of transport there. Um, I think the worst case scenario, based upon what was happening on that day, was some people like I'm and I need to preface this worst case scenario would have been killed. Um, and I think that would have been based but, 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 upon. No, but Austin. Yeah. So, so I accept that that could be a worst case scenario, but yeah. how would that have over, overthrown the government? Oh, it wouldn't have. And I think that's a, that's an argument towards, you know, I, was there I'm some seeing, sort I, of yeah, impetus I'm... towards, you know, exhorting some I'm... level of anger towards an opposite side for sure was this a fully planned coup i would disagree yeah so that's where i think all this falls down i think it falls down and i'm just being balanced here it falls down in two regards first of all is as brandon laid out at the beginning when he was speaking with visit william that there there doesn't seem to be a plan to do so because a you need a plan B, you need to carry it out, and three, there needs to be the result, and it seems like all three aspects. No, are but you don't need. No, you don't need a result. No, if no, they no, tra- but, but, if no, they no, planned. No, no, no. So Austin, no, I'm no, gonna, no, I'm gonna. No, what I mean I'm is gonna, not a result, Mario, a potential, Mario, potential Mario, result, Suleiman, a potential I have, result. I have an excellent argument. Right, for go you ahead, Austin. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Suleiman, I have a question for you. How many people of the opposition wait? I didn't. Party... I didn't even get to answer the question that all source asked me. Before, oh, okay, so yeah, Austin, I'll let you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin, go ahead, and then we'll go back to Brandon. Yeah, 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 for sure. Let me pause my question very quickly. How many people of the opposition party is necessary to kill to force an issue? That's my question to you. Like, what this is outrageous. And Brandon, like, Brandon, go ahead. Now, Simon, let's let's let's, let's 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 have Brandon jump in if you don't mind. Go ahead. No, I, I, I am more than to my question. Yeah, I'm about to right now. I'll I, answer I the question. Than, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I'm more than happy to have like a you know a, a serious debate about these topics and issues, but it's outrageous for you to keep insinuating that people were there to commit murder. You have literally no evidence whatsoever, and like we're not required to take that assertion seriously, whether you believe it or not. Like, you don't get to just sit, come into the space and just be like, they were trying to kill people. They were trying to kill people. Like, we're not uh, required Brandon, can I actually, to take Brandon, your can, mental can I, illness uh, On this point, Brandon, Brandon uh, yes. on, on this point, people sorry, sorry, it's Austin, Austin. Over Fort Sumter, we're just doing it for fucking peaceful purposes. Where, where are you coming uh, up Brandon, with this just doing what for peaceful analogy? Are you freaking kidding? So if, if I may, though, so, Jim, Jim, Brandon, I think I think – one of the things that I think is important to highlight, though, right, and, and, and I think this kind of goes to the, the issue of the concern, right? I think a lot of people, when they talk about, and, and I brought this earlier, and I, I know Kyle is back, and I kind of had this conversation because there's this idea, and I think, Jim, this goes to your point, right, an insurrection, et cetera, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be on whatever, but the, the point of what a lot of people forget 
And you guys make this argument on the left with Antifa, right? And I think what the argument is, and I think we all acknowledge that a rise of authoritarianism, right? One of the hallmarks we see throughout history from both far right and far left, Nazi, fascism, communism, is that there is this identity and this notion that authoritarian utilize mob rule, right? It is not. And and I think where, where is the happening all this? So, Jim, Jim, just, uh, Brendan, 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 so just uh, Brendan, just back, also, so I know you went on, on a bit of a tangent, just back to the point you made quickly, Brandon, and then we'll go back to, to other speakers. Um, you said that nobody wanted to kill anyone. Uh, wasn't there messages... It, prior to January 6th, in which they planned to enter the government and they planned to, um, uh, correct, again, I'm not, I'm not stating facts, I'm just asking a genuine question. Wasn't there messages from some people, a very small minority, that meant harm to some of the people in the government, including Mike Pence? Was there such Mario, messages can early you, on? Can you let me this is going to be, come on. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon, and then Austin, go ahead, guys. Yeah. So look, this is literally, this is going to be a matter of opinion. Obviously, anybody who's Trump deranged, who hates Trump supporters is going to believe that people were there with an intention to kill. But you have to understand it. And in any heated political situation, there's always going to be heated political rhetoric. Yes, I'm aware. I, w- I didn't hear it or see it, but I, I'm aware that apparently people were ch- chanting, hang Mike Pence. When I hear that, that doesn't concern me whatsoever. I, to me, that sounds like, heated political rhetoric that you would hear at any event. I mean, I've attended numerous uh, political events where I've actually seen leftists have Donald Trump life-size dolls that are literally hanging from nooses. And the number of times that I've heard people threaten that they wanted to kill Donald Trump or do harm to Donald Trump, I don't take it seriously because I know it's heated political rhetoric. I don't clutch my pearls and go, oh my God, I'm among people who want to commit murder. Oh my God, these leftists are trying to kill people. I'm like, no, I mean, they're Trump range, they're stupid, but this is just heated political rhetoric. And I would, and the whole thing about the gallows is so dumb too. I mean, they, they've shot those gallows from, uh, from angles and put, put, to make it look like it's a real thing. The, the actual thing was like five feet tall. I don't think you could have actually hung a Barbie doll from those, those gallows i mean it's the stupidest thing in the world that people are trying to pretend like that was like an actual gallows that somebody could so, have been so Brandon, also from. i'm gonna support i'm gonna support your point as well so i just researched my uh, an answer to my exact question and, and the answer is there is no credible specific messages before jan 6 indicating that supporters of trump were planning to kill lawmakers senators or, or mike pence during the the the, the insurrection riots protests but, whatever you Mario, want to so the answer is no could i just really could I just really quickly answer the question that AllSource asked me for? I can do this very, very quick. Yeah, he was go asking, ahead, and then we'll go to Austin. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll be very brief. He was asking about the uh, the, the the courts and the trials and the, the cases, etc. Um, look, I'll be the first to acknowledge, like, they brought a lot of cases, I think somewhere around, like, 25, 30, something like, I don't know the exact number. And the vast majority of them got to- tossed out of court. That's absolutely true. But the, in the vast majority of cases, the reason why they were tossed out was, one, standing, as you pointed out, and two, um, missed deadlines. That was another reason why a lot of these cases got tossed out. And all I would ask you to consider 
is that this was a very unexpected thing that happened. It was an election night. Donald Trump was doing very, very well. And it seemed very clear that he was going to sail to victory. Then all of a sudden, at like two in the morning, pipes started bursting at locations and all of these random things started happening and they had to shut down the voting count. Then the next thing we know, we all go to bed and at 3 a.m. there's this straight spike for Joe Biden where like billions of votes came in in the middle of the night. It took a while for us to try to even figure out what had happened. And we were, the clock was ticking and it was on very limited time. I'm not asking you to agree with me. I know you're never going to agree with me, but all I'm saying is that, I mean, there was a very, very, very small window of time to even try to understand what had happened. And through the process of trying to understand what was happening, then they were trying to file lawsuits in record time to, to get this all out. And it's very difficult to unpack a mystery like that within a couple of weeks and try to file lawsuits and try to make it all work. I don't think that the court system is designed to actually handle something like that. And so I don't think it's solid evidence to say, well, all of these cases came and then they were tossed out. Well, yeah, but I mean, we were trying to unravel the, 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 the mystery of what had taken place and try to file proper lawsuits and try to do it on time. And I think overwhelmingly that failed. But the final thing that I'll say on the matter is just so you guys know, I think I could speak on behalf of every Republican in this country when I say that if 74 million Democrats were outraged because they thought the election was stolen and all of the, that those Democrats wanted was a forensic audit to prove that Donald Trump had actually won the presidency, I don't think a single Republican would have objected. I think we would all been like, yes, let's do it because Number one, we're confident that we did win because our guy is awesome. But number two, we want peace and unity in this country. And we'll never have peace and unity in this country if we deny the other side the ability to know certainly that they lost the election and that we won the election. Why were you guys so, Brendan, so if I, opposed because I think, to that can, I, I think this is an important point because I understand. what you're getting at right and i think so the the whole concern obviously is and, and but let me let me just make this clear right like you know we have passionate debates you know and i know jim and i have argued back and forth we still follow each other and we still talk and when a lot of my best friends are diehard trump supporters and politics be damned right but i think one of, one of the important things i think that that from the mail-in ballot point because i think this kind of goes at the motive of january 6 right and i think what people forget like let's look at ohio i think let's look at the state of ohio if you remember an election night, when Ohio came through across the board, it was blue. Ohio was blue leading to Biden leading. And the reason why is because unlike the other states, in Ohio, they have a law in which mail-in ballots are counted first, right? The mail-in ballots are counted first, and then the in-person followed in Ohio. So what you saw in Ohio was the exact opposite that what you're speaking about, about like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. But because in those states, mail-in ballots are counted afterwards, after the in-person voting. And I think it created this perception. But again, a lot of this was brought up to attention prior to the – like these were known facts prior to the election happening. Everybody knew the laws, and there was actually an attempt in Pennsylvania to change the law – through the legislator, to have mail-in ballots counted first and then the in-person ballot. And there was a deliberate effort not to have that happen. So I think the, my, my only concern is like when people criticize that and are concerned, and I understand from your point of view, I absolutely get it that it's a concern. I would just go back to the example of Ohio in which the exact opposite happened and Biden lost 
badly in Ohio, but the initial impression was Biden was going to win because of the mail-in ballots. Do you mind if I, I jump I in Mario to, for to, a second? Yeah, yeah, Mar- Mario, yeah, yeah. so, so I do want to go. Yeah, yeah, of course, exactly. So, Kyle, I, I want, I've got a few questions for you, Kyle, but Cajun's been waiting for a very long time, if that's okay, and then we'll go to Kyle, because me and also have a few questions from Kyle to continue the discussion from yeah, earlier. Mario, and, uh, but and Queen, Queen's uh, husband has been locked up for 700-something days pre-trial, nonviolent crimes, so you guys want to hear from her. Yeah, of course, exactly. That's why I brought her up. Uh, uh, Queen, uh, pleasure to have you. Hi, everyone. And my name is actually Angel Harrelson. My husband's a retired oh, wow. Army Sergeant. Uh, sorry, go ahead. My husband's retired Army Sergeant Harrelson. He was one of the Oath Keepers that, uh, in the first trial, first group uh, Oath Keepers trial. But he also was one of them that was, uh, that was not convicted of seditious conspiracy. Just so everyone knows that. And I'm the one that posted the uh, definition of seditious conspiracy in the bubble chat. So everyone can educate themselves. And my husband got arrested two, almost two years ago. And he's been sitting in the D.C. jail. He's been sitting in the D.C. jail. Today made 727 days. I've only seen my husband once. Just once I've seen my husband. And that was just recently a about a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks, I have to look back on my calendar. And I have to reschedule and hope that I can see him again. He hasn't even seen his children in almost two years. Because he's because of the COVID bullshit. And that is all this is uncalled for. I mean, everybody's arguing about all this stuff. For one, my husband is the one that's being pictured all over the face of everything. He's the one that's holding up his phone in the rotunda, taking a picture. Really? It's just a picture. And they call, they got people calling even me and my children insurrectionists, domestic terrorists. I've even had our lives threatened here recently, actually. Last night, I had my life threatened. And I don't see anyone saying anything about that. And it seems like everyone else is okay with that. Everyone, uh, from what I understand, some people are okay with the families and the children being hurt in in the middle of this as well. And I'm getting very tired of people making threats at my children and my husband and myself, I've, all, I've almost lost my home. I've almost lost everything because they tra- they took his VA benefits away from him. I had to fight to get that back. Got that back, and he got sentencing coming up in May. The end of May, he has sentencing coming up. Now, I know my husband is 100% innocent because I've seen the videos, but that's not all the videos. And I know for a fact that is not all the videos. Angel, Angel, I've got a question and for you. I'm, um, Angel, I'm, uh, finish, Angel sorry. Angel, one second, just uh, a specific question uh, about what you said, in case I missed yes. it. Um, what was your if husband charged for again? Go look on my profile. Sorry, what was, your, what was your husband charged for again? My husband, he has six charges. But he only got convicted of three. 
and everything. And what were the what were the what were the so that's the, what were those charges, uh, Angel? Everything is everything is on my profile. I keep everything open. I have put everything out in the open. Nothing. Yeah, but if you let that people who are listening know, because obviously you're on the uh, all non-violent yeah. and non-destructive. Sorry? Why are you What's talking French? Why are you Austin, Austin, tell them so what, what he was convicted of, please. Back to bed. Go back to bed. Um, um, so I want to go ahead, Andrew. I'll let you wrap it up and then we'll, we've got a few questions for uh, Kyle. Go ahead. He was charged. He was charged uh, before before the trial ended. He was charged with seditious conspiracy. Um, fifteen twelve, the obstruction charge. He was also charged uh, with um, interfering with the police officer, which that was something that it was a little bit different than what I thought it was because it's not exactly as I thought. I had to actually look that one up. And, and I appreciate you sharing that. Go ahead. I'll, I'll let you. We, we can go through the charges on your profile. I I, uh, I think it's worth it. And, and I'm sorry for what you've been through. And I hope uh, you know he, he he receives justice. Um, I do want to go to if you don't mind, Angel. I'll just I'll let you finish it off, and then I want to go to Kyle with a few I, questions. If that's okay. I just got one thing to say. And my husband, we actually appealing it right now. We are appealing his case because we have the evidence and we have the proof he's innocent. And it came from the government. And that is a big deal. And they still deny in him. The judge denied the evidence in court. And so we appeal in it. Angel, can you let everybody in the crowd, uh, what you told me the other night, the mood in the D.C. gulag when uh, they, they, about the Tucker Carlson tapes coming out last night, not tonight, but last night, what that uh, atmosphere was like there in the gulag. You was on the phone with your husband when they were watching it. Can you, can you let everybody know that? Yes, I was actually, I was on the phone with my husband talking to him and I can hear everyone in the background hooting and hollering and I didn't know what they were hollering for because I wasn't watching it. I had to actually catch up on uh, on Twitter and Rumble and all that. And my husband told me, he says, um, they found out, they found out Tucker talked about uh, the videos and it showed videos from the Capitol and the guys were hooting and hollering. They had hope. Derek, you're going to make me emotional. They had hope and <clears throat> it's given them faith. It's given them hope. My husband told me, even if that just that little tiny bit, even though it was nothing to us, that just those little bit, it still gives gives him hope. It gives him hope, and it gives my I do wanna, uh, gives my children hope. Their father from home. My my his he's missed his son graduating high school. He's missed his son graduating boot camp for army boot camp. He's fixing to miss him graduating army um, infantry training coming up soon. I got to do all this by myself without their father. And for something that people claiming he did, but he didn't do. So when somebody's going to tell me he did something, they better come back with some fucking evidence. I'm done. 
Thank you for sharing, Angel. And, and I agree. Um, anyone that's uh, that's under arrest, there should be evidence for that, and there should be a just trial, and that applies to everybody. Um, I do want to go and thank you for sharing the story, Angel. Um, don't know the story w- w- about Mr. Harrelson. Um, so uh, yeah, I do hope he receives justice. Uh, I do want to go to hey, Mario. Kyle. Mario. Yes, Brendan. Mario. Uh, sorry, um, I have to attend a meeting, but I really hope you guys are still going in like 15 minutes when I'm finished. I'll come back. But um, if you're not, okay, thank you okay. so much. Uh, if you are, I'll be back in like 15. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. I, I want to let the audience know that Austin did unmute by accident when he came up and started saying something in French. Um, so just a heads up there. Uh, but yeah, I want to go to Kyle. Kyle, welcome back, man. Hey, I know thanks. that me and also are waiting for you to come back, so I'm glad you came <laughs> back. I know you wanted to add, before we ask you questions, I know you wanted to add a few points to what was said earlier. Yeah, I had to go and uh, record a podcast. That was uh, that was a pressing need, and I had a couple of reflections while doing that. Um, but one of the things that was really interesting that uh, Brandon just mentioned, and I think it's incredibly important, and I think that people need to sit and look at themselves, then do self-evaluation, and decide whether or not they're comfortable with the idea that everything gets forensically audited uh, if the other side has a positive result and the quote unquote, your side has a negative result. If you are not comfortable with things being exposed to sunlight, then you are a part of the problem. There's no question in my mind. doesn't matter what side you're on. If you don't want to be opening your, um, what you're into up to scrutiny, you got a problem. The, uh, I, this podcast I just recorded, I just called it the American Rorschach test because I think the January 6th events, however you see them, it tells so much in a, just a quick snapshot about the way that you are looking at the political landscape. It is an ink blot that you see either, you know, two people kissing or a man with a beard yelling or whatever the heck the thing is that you look at. You are seeing one of two things right now, and it's riot or insurrection, and that it tells us a whole bunch about the way you see the rest of the world. And that's not a good thing to be so polarized. Like, it's a very specific polarizing event, but it doesn't – I think it's a symptom. It's not, uh, it's not the cause of any of these things. And so I just – I think people should be critically evaluating themselves when they take this – this uh, this ink block test that we're looking at, and it, the position should be nuanced. There's another thing I wanted to add, and this kind of goes along with what Brandon said. Uh, some of you guys, most of you probably know who uh, William Shipley is, Bill Shipley, or, or Shipwreck Crew, came into a space the other day, and he said something that I thought was absolutely profound. And if you're not on board with this, you're also part of the problem in this country. And I mean the problem being the divide. Okay, I don't mean that you're on one side or the other. The problem is this: the federal government is not supposed to have a stake in the outcome of the justice system. And and that's very, very important. The, the federal government's only stake is that the process is fair. And if people don't understand what that means, it means that it doesn't matter if the prosecutor wins or loses. Their job is to present a, a process clean set of evidence and exculpatory evidence on both sides. And then the jury is supposed to do the job. We're all supposed to be part of it. And I say we as being someone who is a former investigator. The investigator's job is to uncover all the facts that they can. The prosecutor is supposed to pr- present the most compelling case and decline prosecution when it looks like it's not going to be uh, favorable. And then they're supposed to present it to a jury. And it doesn't matter what the jury decides because people in the federal government get paid either way. I get paid whether I did an investigation that resulted in an indictment or one that uh, ended up being a declination. So there should be no stake in this. But unfortunately, this has become a thing where it is very, very, um, you know, process heavy or win base or loss base based on the outcomes. And that is not the government's job. So that's really dangerous. It's a dangerous line that's been crossed with this. And then uh, there was one other point that I had, which was that 
people probably don't know this, but during that whole discussion about the lawsuits you guys were getting into and that they were filed on different states and so on, the neutral arbiter is supposed to be something like the FBI that goes in and, and looks for election crimes. And there were plenty of credible allegations that may or may not have been true, but they were credible allegations. They were good enough to launch an investigation and the FBI did not investigate. And I know that for a fact. Okay, we brought these questions in the Washington field office up. And one of the things that happened was an ASAC who's been now removed, a guy named Timothy Tebald, that people probably know his name if they're following the FBI saga. Uh, he's been you know, requested to do a, a subpoenaed interview, I believe, in front of the weaponization committee. But Timothy Tebald was removing agents that had like a decade or more of experience because he believed that they were probably conservative and do that. Like these people had no strikes against them on their records. They were just, you know, basically happened all over the country in different field offices that these were not investigated. And when the questions were brought up, they were dismissed. And the supervisors that asked them were told either shut up in color or you're not going to get your next promotion. And most of the people that shut up in color got promotions. I witnessed that happen for several. So that's really important that these were not fairly adjudicated on all levels and that there was a like there was an actual weigh in on the federal government's part, including the in investigative side. So I just wanted to say that as a as a thing that I've been thinking about for the last hour and a half. And uh, if you have weird questions, I'll try to answer. them. Yeah, I know we're, we're going to be wrapping up soon. I did bring up uh, uh, Phenomenology, who did a great space on this with Grant as well. So just a quick shout out to her and Grant. Uh, but all sorts of Simon, did you have more questions for Kyle? I think he just gave a great overview uh, and made a few good statements to kind of wrap up the space. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I did, maybe not a question, but I, and I know just going to get in. I know Mario and I talked about it, but like I do want to say there was recounts during the election. There was audits on a lot of the machines. Like there was a lot, and now. I think this is the thing: is what, at what point is enough, right? And maybe yeah, so I'll read. I'll read maybe I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll add ahead, this quick point. Maybe I'll add this point to kind of make the point you're making here about having a forensic audit. Um, so a forensic audit would involve a more extensive and in-depth review of ballots, voting machines, and other election materials. However, many election officials and experts have argued that such an audit is unnecessary and would be unlikely to uncover any significant irregularities. So in this case, the argument is, you know, I can I can ask someone to and I'm not I'm not taking a position here. I'm just kind of making a point that some would make. I can ask someone to investigate, you know, that one of my competitors uh, is a criminal has conducted fraud. But an investigate a criminal investigation won't be launched unless there's enough evidence to warrant one. So some would argue that there isn't enough evidence, and there's multiple cases. You know, Trump and his and his team have tried to challenge the election results. Again, I'm just um, stating a position on this. Have tried to challenge the results for, for through various means. Went through the legal system, lost all cases except one, and even that one wasn't won. I think there's a I can't remember what the outcome was. We discussed it in a previous uh, space. So the argument they make is there isn't enough evidence to warrant a forensic audit, which is very extensive and and uh, you know would you know will probably take a, a really long time. So just wanted to make that point. I'm not saying a forensic audit is not a good idea to to conduct. I don't know what evidence there is for, yeah, for to support so, election fraud. I, I'm not a lawyer either, so just all these disclaimers are important to state. It's very important to note that that's not the advocacy position that I'm holding here. What I'm saying is that if there are credible allegations of potential election fraud, which is a crime then those allegations should be investigated in a nonpartisan way by a group that can do that. And in theory, that's supposed to be the FBI. That's who's charged to do it. And they have squads set up to do that that have experience doing so. 
and those people were not allowed to do their jobs. That is a problem. Now, what the results of those would be should be the results of the, of the investigation, and that can be either in favor or against the people that made the allegation. That's, that's totally irrelevant. The answer is that they have to be investigated fairly, and then if there are crimes, they need to be prosecuted. And if they're not, then they're not prosecuted. They're declined. If there's not enough evidence once they open up the case for the predication, if it falls through, then it falls through. But it has to be given a fair look, and that was not being accomplished. And it, and those are not to say that there were like widespread you know, cheating or fraud. It means there's all kinds of election fraud, whether it's people who uh, – or all kinds of election crimes that can happen, whether it be people that had false ballots or were doing harvesting in places they couldn't. Or that were other, you know, you know, they were doing uh, electioneering or any number of other allegations that were made. And there were plenty of them that were interesting enough that they should have been opened because this was such a contentious thing. But unfortunately, as we're all seeing and we've been seeing over the last couple of years, the FBI is not a neutral observer in this thing. It's weighing down on the scale and it's looking for a particular result. And it can't do that and still maintain its status, which is why half this country is looking at the FBI like an enemy. And and I would say rightly so because of the way that it's been acting. So it's a it's an unforced error on behalf of federal law enforcement to do that to yourself and wreck your own credibility. And they did it. And it wasn't everybody clearly like there's thirty six thousand or thirty eight thousand employees there. But there's a number of them that have a lot of influence on what goes on on a national scale that made some really awful decisions. And they're pretty much uh, lousy human beings from my experience around them. And many of them I've met in person and I don't have a very positive outlook on them. Um, it's their own fault for acting that way. And so anyway, that's that's and, the point. It, it, that's not a forensic audit. Uh, that's a different animal. And on the election result, again, there's no liberals on the panel. I think everyone went to sleep. Uh, but just to kind of make a point they'll probably make, uh, there was uh, more than 50 lawsuits filed by by Trump and his and his team. Um, more Most of them uh, were withdrawn, but there's only a handful that had any impact that went through. One of them, there's three of them here that I have in Georgia, a recount. Um, there was a recount requested, and that was confirmed. That, and that recount confirmed Biden uh, was victorious, was the president. In Pennsylvania, a federal judge, a judge ordered the state to set aside a small number of ballots that were cast by voters who had not provided proof of ID. However, this ruling did not ultimately change the outcome of the election in the state. And in Wisconsin, a judge ruled that the state could not count certain absentee ballots that were submitted without the required information. This ruling affected only a small number of ballots and did not change the outcome of the election in the state. Now, again, I know that will lead to a whole new discussion that probably will be good for another space. I just wanted to mention a few things that the question is, is that enough? Um, uh, you know, are the, is that enough in terms of investigating whether the the election was uh, was fraudulent or a, a forensic audit was necessary? I, I think, think I need I think to educate we're talking myself about things, a, a though, bit more Mario. to be able to do a space on this. Yeah, not even. Okay, into yeah, true. I, I I was just gonna one one yeah, exactly. But I just want to kind of make that comment on something yeah. that was mentioned previously, so not on what you mentioned now. Um, uh, but yeah, not not to kind of respond to the point you made now. But otherwise, I, I will kind of have the co-hosts uh, wrap it up. I'll, I'll give the mic to. Um, to maybe Brandon, I'm not sure if you're there, I know you're jumping off for a few minutes. Uh, Brandon, Jim, Aaron, you guys are regulars, and Ian is there still. Uh, as regular speakers, want to get your quick thoughts, maybe a minute or two, uh, on the on the discussion, and um, then we'll give it to the co-host to wrap it up. Anything you want to kick it off, Jim? Maybe keep it to about sure. a minute if you can. Sure. No, I just, I, I want to emphasize, I think we've got to rethink uh, a, what what really happened on January six? Because there have been political political opponents of Donald Trump have wanted it to seem like something it absolutely was not. If you can find a person or two 
who had bad intentions and they did something that is truly criminal, go after them. But there are too many Brandon Strakas out there who got treated like crap, who have been called things that they absolutely were not. They were totally there because of their love for this country and their belief in it. And they were well within their rights to do it. And so I, I think we, I'm glad we've had this discussion because we've absolutely got to rethink wh- what this is all meant. And I'm glad Tucker Carlson's getting this info out there. Appreciate it. Uh, I'll give the mic to Ian. Final thoughts, Ian, before we go to Aaron and phenomenology. Just keep it as quick as possible. Thanks yeah, for coming yeah, back. Yeah. Absolutely. I know I just had a phone call. Uh, I want to say, you know, the truth will set you free, right? And, and not only that, but I want to issue a warning, right? To people, uh, you know, everybody on this space is listening in and you're following what, you know, Tucker Carlson's putting out there. I mean, he's doing a tremendously good job here. No one else is doing it. You know, he got access to the files, got access to all the uh, videos and, you know, expect more to come, right? But be warned, there are going to be people who are going to try to take him down. They don't like what's coming out right now. They're going to you know, go after him if, if, with any means possible, whether it's to smear him, um, dredging up all kinds of nonsense on him, to try to distract you away from what he's revealing. I mean, we see this time and again. Elon Musk releases the Twitter files. What do they try to do to try to take him down, right? If they can't do it through legal means, they do it through illegal means, right? Smearing him. Same thing here with Tucker. So just keep an eye out. Take notice. Remember the names, you know, when, when people, you know, you see people calling him out, ask yourself, why did what would you say? That? But do you say, would you say that, uh, I think you do disagree with the fact that it was only released to Tucker instead of, uh, only to Fox instead of uh, all media outlets and the public. Um, and the same way I, the CNN would have bias if, when they do their reporting on it, if they do get the footage, they'll have their own bias. MSNBC will have their own bias. I, uh, I'm sure, I would say Fox had their own released. bias as well. The, fi- the files should be released to everyone. You know, I think this should be done through, say, maybe Judicial Watch would be a pretty good example. Just put all the files out there. I would like to see that eventually. But for now, I mean, let him do his job, right? And yeah, better right than, better than nothing. It's good. It's good to get it. It's good to get a narrative uh, different to what the, the, the narrative of the of yeah. the committee. So I think you that know, balances yeah, out the narrative well, of the committee nice and of and the narrative case. and the narrative yeah. that was created in advance. Yeah. So that's a good. It's a good balance. But yeah, it'd be great to get other. Um, you know, other outlets in the public to have access to it as well. Austin, uh, your final thoughts. I know you dropped out earlier and you accidentally muted and started speaking French. So the mic is yours. Yeah. So the, the entire reason I started speaking French, and I think that's inherently important is because I'm Cajun myself and I saw a uh, Cajun in the, um, in the tagline of the person I was talking to. And the reality of the situation is that folks like her and I have been speaking French until 1963, based upon the fact that the British tried to eliminate us in Nova Scotia after the French and Indian War. I thought you spoke French by accident. Uh, oh, and, and your final thoughts on no, the no, discussion? No. Uh... No, my, my, no, no, my final point is the, the idea of patriotism and the idea that, look, uh, through my ancestry and my ancestry, we fought at the ba- Battle of Saratoga. We fought at the Battle of Yorktown. Um, there's a very clear reason for that, and it's because my family in particular was, uh, you know, tried to be eliminated after the French and Indian War. So the, this idea of sort of like false patriotism and everything like that 
I mean, it it's fucking nonsense. It's absolutely fucking nonsense. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, it just simply rubbed me the wrong way. That but do you agree that? But I think the. Would you would you come also? Would you come to a conclusion that? Um, I know you disagree with what happened, and rightly so. I know there's some that were violent. Um, some might refute that, but you know we've got a lot of footage of many of a minority that was violent. Uh, but would you agree that a lot of them were there peacefully? They were there based on a narrative that you might disagree with that the election was fraudulent. Um, but them being there peacefully and they didn't break any property, they didn't intend to overthrow the government or stop the vote. Um, is that a fair assessment after seeing the footage and having this discussion? So somewhere is it like trying to meet it, meet you in the middle somewhere? Yeah, no, meeting me in the middle is that I'm sorry, I'm I'm a bit emotional right now based upon the fact that you know I spoke French and then that that's how that ended was uh, I don't know it just hit me the wrong way and I understand that probably was a a technical glitch. But when it comes to January 6th, I think what we need to do is we need to look back on that. We need to look at the analysis. We need to look at the information that was being put forth at the time from both sides. Uh, one of which was that the, the election was completely legitimate. The other of which was that the election was, was sort of fraud. There's kind of fraud, everything like that. Um, I personally, how I look back on that as an analyst is that the timeline there is far too short to assuage people who are doubting and is equally far too short to sort of like upgun people to do something like that. I When I look back on January 6th, I look at a certain amount of – a certain few amount of people who were willing and able to sort of like upgun their agenda – and I look at a ton of people beneath them who didn't have enough time to be given like information or to properly analyze something like that. And so I think there are sort of instigators that need to be, that have been investigated and that have been arrested, everything like that. I'm getting a ton of laugh emojis right now, and that's hilarious. But I think the vast majority of the people who have been investigated and arrested in, in sort of the post-January 6th, um, Hoopla! I think a ton of them were were conned into it. Man, phenomenology. I'd love your final thoughts uh, on this. Any quick comments before we wrap I, it up with the co-hosts? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. I just wanted to go back to a little while when Austin was saying that the what he called fake slate of electors was going against the will of the people, and I just wanted to remind him that the state legislatures have the plenary power to select electors. Plenary means absolute. So the state legislatures in their power, given by the Constitution, they can select any electors for any reason. And that's because we have an electoral college. We aren't a popular vote. Um, Some case, like SCOTUS case law on this was um, Bush versus Gore in the year 2000. So, you know, that's all simple. (laughs) There's just really no such thing as fake electors. It's totally legal to send the votes back to the states for that for the investigation instead of certifying them that was kind of robbed from those of us who believed that was necessary and so you, this is something that can't be fought out in the court of public opinion you can't have an opinion that the election wasn't stolen if it was never investigated 
And that's all I wanted to end with. No, I, I, no, I think Finan makes a really good point there. And I would ask her to point me to where I said fake electors. I'll, I'll, about uh, an hour ago, maybe. No problem. No worries. I, so I want to go to the co-hosts. Guys, um, no, I'll, I'll get your final thoughts. What was your favorite highlight of the space? I think, Slaman, I know what your answer is. The discussion between William and Julie. Maybe you can touch on that just for the audience. Anyone that missed it, Slaman, and your final thoughts on the discussion. And also, so you could do the same. And um, we'll thank everyone and I wrap it up. Part we're all yelling at each other. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Slaman, final I, thoughts? I, like, we'll go to also just to be honest, Mario, yeah. I'm, I apologize for the outburst. You know, I mean, it's your space. And I don't think any of us should be yelling. You know, I think uh, we need to, uh, you know embrace decorum so mario you know you run a, a, an amazing space and uh let's you know keep it civil from now on <laughs> thanks ian <laughs> you and jim you and jim are uh, ogs in the space since the early days so i couldn't do much but uh, it was a uh, you know the outcome was good and i know why you got frustrated uh but yes i man tell us more about the julian um the julian yeah. william discussion because that was pretty epic yeah i thought that was really epic because uh First, William tells us he's basically basically an informant, and then he tells well, us. Well, I would say, is, yeah, it was he an informant or just happened to inform? It's a trick. Yeah, I don't I want to label him an informant. Info. Yeah, 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 he wasn't a paid informant, or that wasn't a position yet. He was just passing info to the FBI. If you want to use the term okay, informant, so he's unpaid, just want to make sure it's clear. Un, well, if informant <laughs> is only a person who gets paid, then he's not an informant unless he does get paid. He didn't actually ask him that question, so we don't know. But I mean, if you, if providing, I, if you, yeah, but if you're providing information, information to the FBI, yeah. Yeah, if he's providing information to the FBI, you're an informant, aren't you? Like, what you, what is going on, right? But, yeah, sure, um, but I just want to make sure it's clear. And I also want to, I'm, I'm just grateful that he came on and shared that. He didn't even have to share it in the space. So, yeah, and yeah, for anyone else. Yeah, yeah, it was very kind yeah. of him. And he shouldn't be getting any kind of attacks or threats because be, he was very open about it. And he did say that he informed about some attack that was happening on the CIA and that got stopped. So, you know. He did so that I thought that was very um yeah, and it's, and it's another thing and, to add but, and so meant, another thing pro- to add as well. I, yeah. yeah, sorry, go ahead, sorry, sorry. But ahead, also he on. provided although it took a Carlson said that, but he kinda of provided real time evidence that, you know, he that the FBI or those in authority were well aware of the attacks that were gonna occur. Um so you had someone in the space who basically just confirmed that even though people like Tucker Carlson did say it happened. So yeah, I thought that was very epic because he provided a lot. Yeah, and, and related and, and related for anyone that missed the space, what Sebastian Gorka said in a previous space, unrelated to the discussion, but just kind of another epic moment a few days ago in the space um, that yeah, we, we, we that need to big. crop it. We, we for, yeah, we forgot to send it to the press. We'll probably send it to them because the team is away, but I'll get him to send it to the press afterwards. Well, tell the audience what happened on that day because that was pretty, pretty epic yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, because what happened was we knew that... Um, Iran had attacked, uh, you know, a U.S. base, and we knew that ordinarily, based on the history of the United States, they probably would have destroyed the whole country or took try to take over it. Vis-a-vis so that was many. That was an incident. Yeah, that was an incident many years ago where Iran attacked the U.S. Yeah. base. Yeah. Also, so I think you were in that space as well, if you remember. Um, and, yeah. then, and then, and then Trump's and response and Sebastian Gorka gave us a bit of an insight of what happened behind the scenes. So uh, it wasn't Simon, a base; it was a drone. Mario, it was a drone. They shot down a U.S. spy drone, and uh, the recommendation that was given to Trump was to basically bomb the hell out of their anti-air defenses. Oh, you were there as well, Ian. I didn't know. Yeah, and he, yes, said, Sebastian. he said, no, you know, we're not going to bomb the hell out of their air defenses. It's a drone. So we're not going to do that. That's stupid. Why are we killing people over a fucking drone? So that was yeah, his response. But, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. measured. Thought, yeah, it was a very measured response. But my point, so the main point from that was, is we all assumed that 
Trump had ensured that another war didn't happen because, and we all assumed that, but basically, essentially, it was confirmed that he had, uh, the military had told him to go to war and to attack Iran, and he did not go to war. They said, sorry, so just they said to him to attack, to be more aggressive in his response. No, that's what the military said to him. Well, he's well, well. When when I asked the question, I mean, we need to go back and listen to the clip. But from the way I understood it, the way I asked the question was to attack Iran and so uh, militarily and so trump didn't do so and instead went for a precision attack so that's something to be commended because we know based on the past previous u.s presidents they probably would have tried to go after the entirety of iran which would have escalated a huge which, which would have caused a huge yeah. war and i'm and, and i'm highlighting still, this not to not to back now yeah, we still killed. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like this is, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to hear to, to support Trump. That wasn't the purpose. The purpose is so we got a bit of a, a peek of what happened behind the scenes. Obviously, the person's biased. To, he's a supporter of Trump, but it's still yeah. a, a really interesting peek. I'd love peeks into the Biden administration, good and bad things, good and bad decisions that Biden has made, including Trump. So I hope that these things continue on the space. But uh, that was another highlight that me and Slaman were talking about earlier today. Uh, along with the today's one between yeah, Julie yeah, I thought and, there were uh, both William. major, major, major mm. information that's come out of the spaces. In terms of uh, this, what, just a recap because I think everyone's already recapped it. But I just disagree with everyone. And right now, you'd have basically the whole of the media. And right now, you'd have basically the whole of the media who is basically more on one side, isn't it? We know that. Who on side, and it wouldn't have been a fair balance situation. So I think it is actually the right thing to do to give Tucker Carlson the videos, and then yeah, afterwards, and then afterwards, and then afterwards give afterwards, the other outlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair right, point. Right. Just to balance the narrative. Yeah, that's fair right. point. So I think I think that's a good thing. And yeah, overall, everyone else has covered things and everybody knows my views from yesterday. So yeah, thanks. I'll pass it on to all cool. sorts. All sorts, final thoughts? Yeah, I know. It's actually pretty funny because uh, when Ian and Jim and uh, Tom and others were arguing, uh, it got so alive that it caused my Twitter to crash. Um, so that was a very lively discussion and debate right there. And it just so intense, it, it crashed. Um, no, I think one of the highlights, and, and I DM'd Kyle afterwards, I think it was a... Uh, I appreciated the the kind of the information and in, in giving that about the whole Portland because that's something that always was trying to get you know get more into detail and understanding of you know when we hear Antifa BLM et cetera and I think he provided a very important context of kind of the the local situation on the ground and how you know agents and prosecutors you know decide to pursue a case or not and I think you know it's very important to highlight that you know um, there are local considerations that people live there and they have to to live with their decisions um, and and I find it, like I get it I'm I know. You know, Mario, you and I have talked about this. Like, I get it. I'm one of the few liberal voices here, and and I get it. Like, and and I'm the lone voice. Get a lot of hate mail. And that's fine. Yeah, but that's right. But that's but that's yeah. but that's why you're a co-host. You're relatively moderate. You you you're on the left. Slimane is on the right, and it's, it's, it represents the balance we're trying to, to trying to keep. On no, the space. yeah, and, I, and absolutely. And 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 I and again, to to anybody who I have a conversation here, a debate with, uh, vigorously debate Jim. You know, I know we we went back and forth, which was great. I never take anything personally. Uh, uh, pretty thick skin by all means everybody can attack me i get it and it's part of the deal uh so i enjoy it i love public debates i love these kind of forums and and, and when it gets lively so um i know we're all going to have different opinions of january 6 i don't think necessarily there might be a necessary consensus i did learn a lot and, and get into the mindset of the people that were there in that day and i think that's that that's something that um 
is important to understand kind of where they were at and their thought process and how things went. So I appreciate the ability to, to co-host Mario and, uh, yeah, hear from the other ones. So I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a good place. And just for the audience to kind of wrap it up, I, I just want, want to remind you all the impact we're having. Um, I know it's not major yet. I hope Twitter spaces, you know, continues to grow as it has been. So we have more and more impact. But since the FTX days and constantly throughout with, you know, Jim, you tweeted something about the media talking about one of our spaces and something you said in the space. You tweeted that yesterday or the day before, Jim. And there's examples of this on a regular basis. Sometimes they refer to the space, sometimes not. But every speaker talking here, we send segments to a lot in the press. I know we, a lot of us attack mainstream media. I try to work with them to try to kind of balance out their bias and give them information. And obviously they're going to represent it in however they like. When Fox News put me on their homepage, they had a certain agenda of just, uh, attacking hunter biden so they used me for that and i'm sure cnn have put me in articles or put us in the article in articles uh with uh, other intentions uh but yeah we're, we're, we are having impact and i hope we continue having that impact so i appreciate you all appreciate all the panelists see you again tomorrow to do our daily uh, i'm not sure is, is tucker releasing more footage tomorrow he's taking a break to give us a break does anyone know uh-huh. I don't know. I I'm, I was trying to look into that, and I don't think he said anything about it. But I'm going to anticipate he's got a lot more coming. Yeah, he didn't release anything today. It's just it's, it's someone someone who's been sending me the footage. Like today, Tucker is milking what he released yesterday. So we didn't get any. We didn't get much footage today. It was a good episode. It's definitely worth watching. Hopefully, there will be more footage, um, and we'll see what it portrays. And then we'll be good to get other outlets to to see how they represent it and what footage they release. Because there's what forty thousand hours. Is that true? Or I got my numbers wrong. 41,000, yeah. Okay, uh, 41,000 hours of footage. So I think this will be, um, could be a series like what we did with Twitter files, but uh, we'll see. Otherwise, appreciate it all. Thank you so much. I'll see you tomorrow and have a wonderful night, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.